Uh, also, while I'm at it, I want to thank Chris Posty Posterson from Sounds Like an Earful podcast. He does our music. I want to thank Scotty and Jennifer on our artwork. Hey, you have only tossing, turning, mind racing, trouble getting to sleep, trouble falling asleep. Well, welcome. This is Sleep With Me, the podcast that's here to put you to sleep. We do it with a bedtime story. All you need to do is get in bed, turn out the lights, and press play. I'm going to do the rest. And if this is your first time here or your second time here, maybe even your 50th time, you say, man, well, what's the rest? Well, what I'm gonna, here's what I'm going to do. Here's what I propose. Every fourth episode, I like to submit this as a proposal. There's an extra prop in that proposal. Even my proposal. And that was a triple pro- 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 proposal. I did not prepare my proposal for this presentation. I'm currently in the middle. It just started, but uh, and I have no. Sl- I don't have a slide deck. And to be honest with you, I don't know what a slide deck is. I think it's a virtual term, you know, for slides in a uh, PowerPoint thing. But but I, I don't have a confirmation of that. But here's here's what the, here's the proposal. Here here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna create a safe place where you can set aside. Whatever's running through your brain, whatever's racing through your brain, whatever aches and pains are, are just flaring up, or whatever, you know, unresolved uh, emotional feelings, whatever, if your feelings are stirred up, any of those things, I'm going to try to take your mind off of that. And the way I'm going to do it, it's a safe place. The agenda here is for me to lull and dull you. I'm going to use uh, some... Uh, you say, well, they're not dulcet tones. More like if you, you know, you left a dulcet out in the rain for a few years, your tones. And I would say, I agree, I'm on the creaky side of dulcet. That's where I live, on the creaky side of dulcet. Sometimes I'll go on pointless meanders like this. When something strikes me as interesting, like, yeah, I've been living on the creaky side of dulcet since 1927. When it was called, uh... Well, no, it was still called, it was called uh, Lower Dulcet then, before the flood. And someone would say, is that when your tones went all rusty? I'd say, well, that was my tones, but my, you were talking about my grandson here. You didn't realize that. But, you know, one thing that got us through the big flood and the big, big, big you know, the big, big other stuff and the big disappointment my grandson here is Country Time Lemonade. So uh, we'd like to just pause here and uh, say thank you to the folks over no, we don't, Grandpa, we don't have their permission. And I think they're run by one of the mega corporations, too. Okay, well, uh, we love lemonade here and uh, dulcet and the creaky side of dulcet. Uh, but what am I going to do? Sorry about that. I fugue stated. But uh, I'm going to try to take your mind off stuff with a little pointless meander like that. Uh, lulling, soothing tones, not dull, you know, creaky you know, creak, 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 lulling, soothing tones. Let's just leave it at that. Let's not get, you know, re-meandered yet. I'm going to try to be mildly amusing. I've got a serial story tonight. Tales of Lady Witchbeard. And, I, you know, it'll, it'll, it'll distract you. It'll take your mind. You give me a little bit of your attention. I'll see how far I could go with it. Uh, but we got, you know, there's a, this podcast doesn't have any hard and fast rules, but it does have some, you know, in this proposal, you know, while our method is not scientific over here at the podcast, we do like you know occasionally we won't we don't call them bullet points. We call, you know point you know or points of order. But if I could find us, you know, if we could find a sense of order, we'd we'd have some points. And usually close to the top, listen, you don't, no active listening. 
In matter of fact, you just give me, you know, as much your attention as, as you say, you know, go ahead, put the, you know, get your pillows comfortable, get your blankets comfortable, you know, listen to me talking. And the idea is that you just listen to me enough that it quiets down the rest of your voices in your head or whatever about your emotions, your body, your mind that, that, that are jockeying for your attention at bedtime. What I'm going to attempt to do is, you know, put on a, a little show for, for all those parts of your brain. Say, hey, you know, don't, let's not worry about all that. Uh, let's not worry about slide decks. Let's not worry about any slides. You know, slip, slip, sliding away is the great uh, Simon and Garfunkel once said about that bridge over troubled water. They said, let's go over that bridge and let's let it slip, slide away. Okay. And that's what I propose. I'm reaching out my hand and my voice across the deep, dark night. And all I'm going to do is, is, is attempt to distract you, attempt to entertain you, attempt to keep you, kind of keep you company. A lot of times people say, geez, I'm your boyfriend. I come over and I say, you know, I do my, my little routine. And, and, and behind my back, you, 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 it's not gossip when it's kind of grounded in somewhat of the truth. And it's not mean spirit. You know, when your friends come over, you say, who is, who is that over? I, I looked in your window last night. There was a guy sitting there, you know, within the comfortable boundaries of your bedroom. He, it looked like he was sipping tea and reading from a was that Was that me? Was that me? No, no, that's my boyfriend, Scooter. Oh, well, what does Brad think about Scooter? Well, Brad loves Scooter, too, because uh, Scooter's our boyfriend, and I'd say, Angelina, you can say that Brad doesn't like me. It's fine. I'm over it, really. I, I mean, I'll get over it one day. But that's our boyfriend, Scooter. He comes over, and he just chit-chats. He, you know, he was trying to say something about the creaky set of of uh, uh, dulcoids or something. And, you know, I was like, oh, she said, I like those words, the way they sound. And he, oh, dulcet, because I said, geez, what is it? I, I have never sat down and thought about what a dulcet is. And, you know, I, I stopped thinking about, you know, all the fame we have and all the money we have and, and all the problems that come with that, you know, because that really gets me going at night. And then, you know, the, you and your friends would have a laugh because you'd say, uh, you know, either an irony or a different, you know, another kind of irony, you know, one percent or irony or, right, you know, 99 percent or irony. But we're all together here in the deep dark night, just so you know. But, you know, I had—I don't know why I had to stick that dig in there. I apologize. But then you say, yeah, he just, sometimes he'll even try to make controversial points, but they always deteriorate right before. So he makes, he tries to make controversial knobs instead of points, which, you know, is tough to be controversial. It's, I, I think he's, or maybe nubs. And then I'll say something like nubs, and then I'll kind of go on some tangent about nubs. And do you know, I think he has a nub. He hasn't talked about it on the show before, I don't think, because he's a little self-conscious about it. And then you'll giggle, all of you, you and your friends. And you'll say, no, 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 not that nub. Probably two, but no, this was one on his head. I mean, the back of it. Anyway, let's not talk about his nubs. This is a, a verbal nub. That he tries to make a, he says, well, I'm going to go for a big, big point here, big finish. And I mean, me, me, me and Brad are like, well, it's more of a nub or a nib, more of a nib, you know, a nibble. 
But he'll just go on, you know, he was talking about the creaky side of Dullville. And Brad actually sold that for four million. We didn't tell him about it because we figured, you know, it upset him. He said the creaky side of Dulceville. Brad just changed it to Dullville, sold it for four mil. And then Gate, you know, said, well, let's not make it anyway. Because we said it would freak. We loved our, our boorfriend so much that we, you know, we just kept that money and, you know, put the movie on the shelf. But that's what he does. He just chit-chats. He'll sit. He sits near our. He he actually at this point we let him sit in our room. You know, it, it's like some sort of astral projection situation. They call it a podcast, but it doesn't feel like that because it feels like he's really there. He's got great intentions. I mean, he really feels like. Uh, I mean, there's definitely something off about him. Like I think me and Brad joke. We say, oh, maybe there's some nubs on the inside of his brain too. But he'll just go on, and, and, and he'll be, and then we fall asleep, you see. And then I'll wake up, i say, honey, you, I said, Brad, you are so beautiful this morning. And he'll say, my dear, so are you. And I'll say, you know what Scooter was talking about last night? And Brad, he always, he's, you know, he's the funniest, so he says something funny. And then I say, no, 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 no you know, I know Scooter's interview. You well, Brad, what's less than funny again? And then he'll chuckle. And then I'll laugh, and then I say, man, we usually say, geez, how does both our hairs look so good in the morning, huh? And then usually we forget to even talk anymore about Scooter, but I feel great. I say, geez, I got a good, good night's sleep. You're not worrying about all the, the, the good stuff I'm doing. You know, because you know, I get stressed about doing good. I do a lot of good, you know, because me and Brad care. But we got to be rested to care. You know, my heart can only be filled up with the love of the world if if I've got a good night's sleep. And Brad's beautiful dreamy eyes can only be filled up with the dreams, and his jawbone can only be so square or perfectly shaped if he's got a good night's sleep. And that's where our boyfriend comes in. So that that's it. Uh, so, oh boy, another fugue state. Sorry about that. I think I might have taken a swim in the uh, the, the Dulcet Creek there. But that's how the podcast works. But one more thing. If you're new here, it's not all strange interludes like whatever happened while it's gone. Uh, coming up, there's a real story here. Okay, whoa, whoa, real story. A story like occurrences uh, that I poured, poured hard work into. Uh, that'll be just in our, if, you, if you can't sleep, I'm going to be here and I'm going to be doing my best for the next 45 minutes. To take your mind off the fact you can't sleep. But if you can, it, it, or if you're like, well, on the fence, well, Jason, I don't know. Well, you're not going to miss that much, and you can re-listen to it whenever you want. And, like, you know, you could say, geez, well, I also have to uh, mop the floor. So I'll re-listen to it then. So just fall asleep. I mean, if you made it through whatever that was, because I think, I mean, I don't know what you guys heard. But I think someone, a live person, and just inhabited my brain. And I just felt so good about my self-esteem was popping for the last four or five minutes. I said, man, I feel all esteemy up in here. But So that's the podcast. Is I do my best. I put in a little bit of good nature, a little bit of mild humor, you know, some, some mediocre entertainment, a whole lot of pointless meanders. Wings of pointlessness. We'll do some world building, some, you know, a couple private speeches, some, uh, 
you know, exposition, you know, characters will talk, and you'll say, geez, where's the show don't tell? I say, well, it's a good thing. It's a podcast that talk, don't show, or tell. Well, the main message I want to get across is try this podcast out. If, you, if you're having trouble sleeping, especially if it's because something is, is, is on your mind, on your heart, or on your body, that, that, that's just uh, making it tough. I want to help you out. Now, this podcast is definitely not for everybody. Uh, if you've listened, this, but if you're still with us thus far, eighty percent, ninety percent chance it might be for you. Because if you just sat through that Brangelina thing, uh, you know, oh boy. So I'm glad you're here, and I really hope, I really desire, I, 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 I yearn uh, to help you fall asleep. So th- thanks for coming by. All right, so last week on uh, Tales of Lady Witchbeard, uh, was it last week I got turned into a goat, or was that two weeks ago? I think two weeks ago I was turned into a goat. Uh, last week, or maybe it was last week, I don't know, but, but I guess last week, no, I was a goat, and I was like, uh, I guess I had some ambitions of heroism, and then I realized, well, if you're a goat, uh, and no offense, hopefully no goat, I mean, you could be a goat herder and a hero. You could be a goat hero in a goat-based story, particularly animation's your best shot. You know, or, you know, Billy Goat's Gruff, you know, re- reboot it, you know, you know, Billy Goat's Gruff, get gruffer. You know, some sort of, it could be some sort of, you know... B movie take on the Billy Goat's Gruff as well. You know, or if there's, you know, the story conflict bases around feigning. Like, you know, geez, if, if only we had a goat to faint right now, we could resolve this, you know, the earth would be saved. You know, get yourself a goat, but ideally a feigning goat, or in the story, but Germ, he was a hell of a fainter. Uh, probably because of the goat, but probably he was a feigning goat, or he just happened to have those those genes. Because as far as I know, the only other times Germ faints is when he's, you know, something that makes him, embarrasses him that would make him faint. Uh, so that's one story a goat could resolve. You know, more factual, more grounded story. So grounded last week's episode was. Uh, other thing is, if you need a good budding, you say, well, okay, you know, just kind of like a Wizard of Oz. They say, well, geez, just, how are you going to figure, we'll throw some water on her. Let's just finish this story now. And they say, really? And I say, yeah, we, 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 I, I knocked that, this, the crap out of that story. So just throw some water on her. It's all set. And I got to twist at the end. So bully me. No one's going to worry about the water you're taking the witch out. So if you have a situation like that where you're a master storyteller, and you say, why don't you just let's just have, a night, have the goat butt the witch, you know? In this case, the witch is, well, you know, in a non-witch, you say, have the evil wizard get butted by a goat, and that'll solve everything. And then someone said, would the goat find true love after he butts the evil wit? Well, not in the, not if it's a germ the goat, but possibly in this other story you're talking about. Uh, or, so those are two goat heroism, uh, chances that, you know, I tried in the story, but they didn't apply to this. So goat skills, goat hero, goat based, like if you're goat utility belt, like you're a goat hero. Those would be the two. And then the third one is eating stuff. Because as we all know from watching cartoons, goats will eat anything. 
including, you know, other, including stuff. Uh, so, you know, if you need to go to eat some grass or something, and that's, you say, you say, it's just, it, it comes down to this. This patch of grass is going to end, you know, that's it. Humankind will never reproduce because this patch, well, the, goat, the goat's eating the grass now, a scientist bill. Well, we're all saved. This goat just saved us all by eating the grass. Uh, so that would be the third story. If You know, those of you storytellers out there, if you're say, thinking, man, I got to get myself a goat-based story where the goat's a hero, you know, because I love my love. Or if you got a call from the goat, you know, goat, goat council, International Council of Goat Herders, was it? I should have written it down. But if they said, well, we'd like to work with you. And I said, R- really? Is this a crank call? Because I had, you know. And I said, geez, we haven't had anyone, you know, believe it or not, there's no goat podcast out there with you, you know, believe it or not, there's no goat podcast out there like yours. And I would say, geez, did you say there's no goat podcasts? And they, and, and then, so then they said, well, geez, we, we'd like to work. I don't know. I got distracted there because of, I said, well, you know, goat, I'm going to be getting into some goat money. And they said, no, we'd rather work with, you know, we'd give you a goat because you seem like you, we figured you loved goats. But so, okay, so if you're going to write a story with goats, those are the kind of conflicts you want to have your goat facing against all odds, of course. I don't know how you do that. Uh, but, but you you know, you want to have a, a resolvable conflict a goat could resolve. In this story, uh, Germ was a goat, is a goat, but none of the things that needed to be done uh, seemingly were, were uh, based on a goat's skill set. But also it wasn't terrible because it was like, well, geez, the options don't look that great anyway for Germ because Lady Witchbeard seems to be in charge. And what we learned was that Lady Witchbeard, that, um, it was important stuff because I just did about 10 minutes of goat material. And I say, well, geez, it was more like four, and one of it was mildly amusing. Then nailed it, nailed it, like a goat button a, a conquistador. Uh, so the important stuff that happens, you know, Lady Witchbeard's in cahoots with uh, Cortez and Marina because that's what she thinks is going to be best to save and preserve magic in this world and our world, which is her true mission. She also thinks it would be what helps Germ get back to Germ's daughter in in the world we call, whatever the hell we call this mess we're in, this wonderful mess we're in. Earth One, I think, is the DC Comics, or maybe it's Earth Zero, I don't know, because uh, that confuses the hell. I asked, the, they said, what the hell is it? How many Earths are there now? Because I don't understand this. Uh, but but anyway, the Earth, she, she wants me to get back to my daughter. She wants to save magic. Cortez, obviously, once conquistador, always a conquistador. He's into conquering crap. And he figures, so, and then Marina, she's a demigoddess. As far as we can tell, she wants to become a human and be with the man she loves, who happens to be Arnaud Cortez. As much as I wanted to write that, he is... uh, other than incredibly irritating because of his effectiveness, handsomeness, and domination, probably has too, probably maybe not too much testosterone. He's got whatever, like, top testosterone levels. 
I said, his Adam apple's so sharp, it, it, pointed, it poked me in the eye one time when I was a goat. Actually, when I was trying to butt him. And, it, you know, then I said, ow. I didn't say that because I was a goat. But, but so with all the odds stacked against Germ, the goat, and they said, well, Jesus, what am I going to do? They got to this cave because they said uh, this the, the back in uh, say oh boy is the podcast coming after this is this part of the podcast or is this a setup for the episode and I would say I'm working my method bro I don't have time for the internal critic right now my internal goats are in control I just confused the critic with that so I got to keep moving. Uh, but, uh, but Montezuma is building a magical pyramid, collecting the magic of the world, I think. Uh, using, it turns out, you see, geez, well, how do you get a pyramid to suck all the magic of the world? Build it on a vortices, one. Two, use stone mind in uh, uh, some sort of uh, underworld, magical stones from the underworld. How about that for actually getting to a point? And there's only one, or two, I think, one stone or two stones left to be placed on the pyramid. And I, I think I talked him into stopping building the pyramid. And so Lady Witchbeard said, well, Jesus, if we can control this last stone of the pyramid, we control everything or something like that. So we got to the cave that's the entrance to the underworld. And I still hadn't figured out, should I just go along for the ride? Because then Cortez was like, well, I'm going to conquer the world, or Marina said it, uh, in exchange for giving Lady Witchbeard magic, you know, or not extincting magic. And I said, I mean, I didn't say because I was a goat at the time. That's the problem with being a goat in, in an important part of the story. I couldn't say, you trust this clown? Uh, so in lieu of actually solving the crisis, which was... Uh, they were at the cusp of this cave to get, you know, get the last stone. I just ran into the cave. Oh, because they needed the coat of many colors that had become my goat, that had changed me into a goat. So I guess that kind of worked out, but I ran into the cave without any plan. And that's where we last left off. And this is another tale of Lady Witchbeard. Horror. There's a little too piratey, and I don't think you were talking. I mean, no offense, Antonio. Did I hear you were doing Antonio? Did I hear you were doing Angelina Jolie earlier? <sighs> you can you just do the, uh, on another tale of Lady Witchbeard? Yeah. Holy shit, I think you nailed it. I mean, as always, uh, no, that was, I, I was in a fugue state. I don't know if that was, uh, thanks, Antonio. Well, no problem, my friend. All right, another tale, Lady Witchbeard, folks. Coming up, it sounds like that was the end, but, uh, you know, coming up right now. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm back just two, two seconds ago saying uh, what had happened last week. This week we pick up exactly, uh, I ran as a goat. I guess scur the goats scurry. It did not do any leaping like those damn, uh, you know, fancier quadrupeds or whatever, like a doe or a sheep. Or anything. It was more of a sc scrambled because it was a bit of a cave into this cave, a mysterious green light emanating from the cave. And it, as I said last week, it was a rash action. I said, well, I don't know what the hell to do. Let's run. 
Uh, that, that'll at least be either, I don't know. I didn't even think well, this will buy some time. But then I did because I ran into the cave. I said, well, geez, now I need to buy some time and hide. Uh, so I ran deeper into the cave. But then I said, well, geez, I don't know. And then I, then I saw like, uh, the green like first I headed towards the green light, and then I said, "Well, I said it's probably some slimy stuff." I said, eh, "Even though I have hooves," they said, "I got some stuck with this fur for who knows how long. I don't want any slimy stuff in my fur. That I'm gonna, you know, especially phosphorescent slimy stuff." So then I took a that was on the right side. I took a left towards a little bit of a it was a shadowy side, no emanating, no light at all. And then I saw, you know, it was craggy, cave-like. And I said, well, geez, I could hide here. And I said, well, you know, isn't that one of the strategies? And I was like, okay, let's pause. Let's do a little, you know, try to be mindful. Find the gap or whatever the hell they say. Especially when I'm dealing with these goat neurons. But then as soon as I try to pause, I start eating rocks. And I said, come on, go. And he said, of all things, you got to eat some rocks right now. And then I said, well, okay, mindful, let's mindfully eat these rocks. And I said, oh, I don't like to be mindful as a goat because side-to-side jaw action just unnerves me for some reason. But I said, okay, let's just do And then I said, okay, enough mindfulness. What the hell are we going to do here? And then at least I had a bit. I said, well, I can't hide forever because sooner or later the conquistadors always got torches. That's one thing they always got in I said, they're going to come in here. They'll probably, they said, they'll probably make camp in here. If, and then they'll smoke and they'll find me. And, you know, one lesson I've tried repeatedly said, your germ specialty, hide from your problems, does not work. And I said, I guess this isn't exactly a problem because I said, I'm not exactly being proactive by running away. But I guess I'm proactively trying to retroactively fix everything in some sense. And then I started do, doing, uh, just digging one of my front, uh, what do you call it, hooves in the ground, thinking. And I said, she's okay, this is a healthy, this may be a healthy habit if I'm going to be stuck as a goat for a while. As opposed to, and then I said, oh, oh, wait, I forgot. I'm still eating rocks. I was just at the chewing, you know, at ground. And they said, geez, I wonder if they got it. What the hell are these goat teeth made of? Because if I'm going to be eating this many rocks, I'm screwed if I, you know, have to be a goat for 30 years. And I said, are you going to be smart enough, goat brain, not to eat any cans or metal things if I don't have teeth? And they said, present moment, present moment, germ. And then I heard something, and then I turned behind me, and I noticed, like, the issue, the shadow. Now, just believe it or not, I was in a pretty calm state. There wasn't anything... Uh, either on any level that was threatening about this cave, because even the green light, it was it was uh, it was ominous in the sense, hey, green slimy stuff uh, emanating from here, but probably not super dangerous. And let's be honest, at least at the time, I said I got bigger problems than being worried about a cave. I got you know future magic. I'm in an alternative universe. Conquistador is about to wipe out. Uh, you know, spread disease, alter the course of human history. Uh, who knows what the history of the witches of the world and the magic users could be, could be if we save man? Well, I said, oh, okay, unintended consequences I have not thought about yet. They said, maybe I should hang a lantern on that and come back. Probably won't, though. I got enough. 
Yeah, so let's not worry. We can't worry about that either. But as I know, I noticed the walls, some of the shadow of the cave was moving, and then I noticed it got closer. And then this voice said, "I thought that was a goat." And I noticed it was a, it was some sort of a stone, giant stone uh, person, most polite way to put it. And it it uh, bended down, probably like fourteen feet tall. Uh, made of a, the same kind of brownish stone as the walls, but with the green light, looked pretty cool. Would be a pretty sweet toy if it was part of some cool story that was actually needed action figures. But in this case, it was a checking me out figure. And I said, "Man, I have not seen a goat. This is the the stone creature, the stone giant. We'll just say stone giant." I said, well, "Yeah, we haven't seen a goat in years." And then if if you don't mind me saying that is one fine coat for a goat, and then they chuckled, chuckled, and I said, I said that's weird. He said you remind me of another giant that likes to rhyme. You I said you wouldn't happen to be named Andre, would you? And the stone dude said no. Uh, but would you believe I go by Fondre? And I said, no, yeah, no, I would not believe that. I said, you're some sort of, uh, some sort of giant joker, aren't you? And he said, well, it's been a while since I've had somebody to, to joke around with. And I said, well, and then I said, what do you say? I'm talking. And I said, okay, just let's get this. Don't get to, you know, wrong time for mindfulness. Keep going forward. I said, uh, w- w- what do you really go by, Dondre? And he said, Dondre's fine. And I said, well, then I want to call you Don. Dan- you know, that's too confusing for me. I think of the L.A. Clippers, and then I get distracted. I said, well, I'm, I'm Germ, Germ the Goat. Just just Germ the Goat with the fancy coat. And he laughed at that, and you know, that made, made, made me feel pleased about myself. And I said I should because how many Earth people have made a giant stone stone giant laugh? Uh, you know, not to you know, not to brag or anything. And then Dondre didn't answer. He said, well, "What are you doing in here, goat?" And I said, "Well, it's the funniest thing about it." I said, "I mean, I heard, I was over listening to some humans." I said, "Humans come in here much?" And the giant said, "Oh yeah, that's what I do here. I'm a guardian." And it guarded this entrance to the cave from human intruders. And I said, yeah, I heard a bunch of humans talking about coming in here, and they talked about some wonderful, magical quarry. And Dondre, Dondre, I think it's not DeAndre, though. Dondre. Like, uh, like, uh, but anyway, he said, he said, he said, uh, he said, oh, yeah, it's just across the... Uh, the flatlands all the way across. He goes at the end of the flatlands is the. Uh, he goes. I've never been there. He goes, but that's where the uh, magical quarry is. He goes. That's where he goes. I'm just one of many guardians here to protect it. And I said, from what? And he said, well, from those who would steal the magical stones of the quarry. And I said, okay. And I said, so, so how do you know who's there to? I said, are all the humans stealing them? And he said, "Well, no, some come that are supposed to attempt to take them, but we still, but we still challenge those people as well." He goes, "They wear a coat of many colors, and that's how we identify them. It's somewhat of a magical coat, you know, that lets them carry these giant stones and battle giants and stuff." And I said, "Well, 
And I said, what about the humans that don't have the coats? And he said, well, he said, well, we deal with them. And he goes, sometimes we have to deal with the, the, you know, people that aren't worthy for taking the stones, even though they wear the coats in many colors. Can't make it easy, you know, they're magical stones. Ain't clear we can't, but can't have any, but you don't have to worry one thing about that. You're just a goat, uh, germ the goat with the fancy coat. And he said, I guess we've rhymed and made enough goat and coat rhymes. And I said, yeah, I, I'm laughing so hard it's hurting my throat. And then he was talking, like, uh, uh, moving his mouth while he was trying to think of other rhymes. And then so was I. I was like, wrote, goat, wrote, wrote, wrote. And then we were both, like, trying to think. And then we said, wrote, what can we do with wrote? And then he sh- shook his hand. He said, well, he said, why don't you go check out the goes. He goes, they love, he goes, the other guardians would love to see it. And the uh, stonemason, uh, you get a kick out of that coat. He said, just, just follow the footprints. You'll, you'll see them going all the way across the flatlands. He goes, right, the other guardians, they, he goes, they might not even, he, they'll probably just watch you. And then I was like, well, I tell you what, uh, Dandre. He said, well, how hard are you on humans that don't have these coats? Do, could you just keep them from coming in? Do you have that ability without harming them? Cause I got a couple. Uh, humans, and they fed me so good, Dandre. There's a green lady, a guy with some silver stuff. Uh, he's, he's okay. And then, a, a beautiful, beautiful woman. And the green lady's pretty darn beautiful. He, actually, the man's beautiful too. Three beautiful people, but they're just as beautiful on the inside, Dandre. And they were telling me that there was a giant on the outside. I said, you, you, you know any hill giants? And Andre said, I have a love in my, my, my stone heart for all giants. And I said, well, they, they helped a hill giant out who had, uh, they think he had stubbed his toe or something, and they unstubbed it. So maybe you could just keep him out of here, but, you know, not mess with them. And he said, no problem, germ. I'll just do a fake, I can create a cave-in illusion. That'll scare him. You know, I'll do a power roar in the illusion of a cave-in, and then they'll think the cave's blocked forever. And he goes, even if they try to dig it out, you know, it's got a confusion. It'll last a few days. They'll spend their time digging, and they won't get anywhere. And I said, well, uh, DeAndre, you're a gentleman and a stone, stone, stone that's, you're the greatest giant, you're the greatest stone giant I've ever known. And actually, you're the only stone giant, but, but you would be the greatest either way. And he said, well, be, be sure, it was a pleasure talking to you. Be sure to tell the, uh, everyone I said hello. And so then I headed out, and I headed across these flatlands, and it was like, uh, that's where the green glow was. And I said, man, this is like, uh, well, I was thinking, I was like, man, this is a good, too bad the movie studios don't have access to this. Because everything, it was a flatland, A, B, huge space, C, a green tint to everything. So I said, they got that green screen stuff. But I said, you could really, you know, I said, isn't there a bunch of movies with motor, you know, this is where they do testing. And I said, they could do shoot a whole bunch. And I said, remember the summer of, that was when Scooter sold all those movies about different tests in the desert, the motorcycle test. The boat, and they said, all those movies flopped, though, none of them. He said he was hedging his bets. 
And he got Hollywood to shoot all those. Anyway, it was an incredibly vast expanse, but it was kind of clearly some sort of underworldly element. Because when you moved, I was trying to, luckily, germ brain plus goat brain, you know, I get distracted. And when you were walking, get distracted, it's like, oh, wow, this isn't that far. I'm I'm like halfway there. And I did pass. I saw in some distance some other type of giants and some other uh, guardian types. And then I did pass, like, uh, spots where stones had been dropped. And I passed a couple uh, long-term residents of... uh, this wonderful spot on the earth. They said, Hey, I'll stay here. I'm just going to, you know, chill out here forever. Uh, cause you know, they said, well, she's halfway. I'm, I'm halfway across this flatlands. That's, that's going to, or, Hey, let's just take a break here and, uh, take a long nap, you know, see how it goes. So you could see where they had dropped their stones and then where someone else had come and picked up the stone. And you could see the footprints moving in the opposite direction as me. And they were deeper in the earth. And I said, geez, so they, the Kodamanika, I, I was trying to wrap my head around this mythology again. You know, tough to do with goat brain, with, you know, the ignorance I brought into the goat brain from my human brain and poor listening skills. But so, and then deduction, obviously. But I was trying to, I said, well, geez, I think they're carrying these stones by themselves. And I said, I guess we'll have to keep a lid on this because this would put, like, the History Channel out of business or one of those channels. I think they might even have the Pyramid Channel now where it's just about building pyramids, like, 12, 14 hours a freaking day. And if they find out that it's a magical-based harness, you know, harnessed by a coat of many colors, and, you know, I guess the underworld stuff, that would kind of blow... And I think there's a UFO channel. They probably have six hours of pyramid programming. So it wouldn't be good with them. And, I, you know, geez, how come there's not an underworld channel? You know, you got a pyramid channel and a UFO channel. You know, when the hell's the river sticks going to get its due? Is my question. Just to, just give it an hour of programming a week. And, you know, how come we haven't had, like, inside the river sticks tonight on, tonight on the history channel? And I say, well, geez, because it's not history, Scooter. And I say, geez, can't we get Geraldo? Could anybody, does Geraldo still do that kind of stuff? My brother saw Geraldo in the Mexico City airport. He said he was a wonderfully nice guy. Uh, but could we get Geraldo on that? You know, River Sticks, real or, you know, real, you know, behind the river, under the, you know, within the River Sticks. Uh, but, but, so we'll probably just keep this secret between us about the fact that the Pyramid Stones, and some, you know, hardcore podcast fans will be scooter. This is an alternative universe, so don't bother over explaining it. And I would say thank you, thank you for that pro. That was a pro tip if I ever heard one. So I kept going, and like I said, not much because I had free range of the place. And unfortunately, I skipped a part where the multiple stops where I had to freaking stop and eat stuff. Well, you know, I say, geez, what the heck are you doing? And I said, well. I, don't, I guess I, I, at some point I surrendered to my, you know, the goat stinks, like I said, because it's like, well, maybe this is the amount of calories I need. Maybe my goat brain, my humdula or whatever, 
uh, knows, you know, it's like, she's an intelligent, you just keep eating because you, you, and I said, that's probably due to the high metabolism from being so high strung. But once I got into that Zen-like place of being a goat, eating as a goat, you know, as soon as I thought that, I said, well, geez, maybe this is a pathway I'm going to burn in my brain. I was at the edge of this giant, massive quarry. And this quarry was humming on, like it was humming with activity. And it was humming with an energy like anything I've never felt before. Uh, but similar to something, so something like something, I said, well, geez, maybe I misspoke. But it was humming in a way that I had never felt before with just raw energy. That, that made my goat coat a hum, my, my cilia, whatever the hell the goat hair is called, it was a humming. And I even felt like I was glowing a bit. And then I, mean, I think I even felt it in my teeth, but then I said, well, geez, that could be all those rocks. But I could feel the magic, but a rawer magic than was back at the temple or some sort of, I said, well, maybe this is some, you know, Middle Earth magic, who knows? But at the center of it all was this giant, I mean, an actual, a giant among, if there was other giants, which I'm pretty sure the scale was lost on me. But at the center of all this was this, 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 this giant. And I see she, she, she was, she was given out, she was given out commands, but it must have been 80, 100 feet tall because there was this just chasm in the earth. You know, underworld-style colors, you got some greens, you got some purples. Uh, but I got to the edge, and there was all other people excavating and doing stuff. And then the giant, giant, she laid eyes on me. And I said, well, she, she got, well, giant eyes, I guess, and plenty of light. And next thing you know, the giant's over on the side of the quarry. And it goes up to, like, her uh, neck or maybe a little bit below. And she says, why, why, hello, we have a visitor, everyone. And then everything goes silent. I mean, except for the humming, magical humming. And she said, everyone take a break. And she said, why, welcome to our quarry. And I said, well, well, thanks for having me. And I said, I'm just, uh, I'm just uh, stopping by. And, I, uh, and she said, that is a lovely coach you have there. And I said, thank you very much. I said, is it glowing? I feel like I'm glowing. Normally it doesn't glow. It's colorful. And she said, it is glowing. I said, yeah, it must be the magic. And she said, well, she said, I've never, well, she's like, we've never had any goats come by. She said, once in another life, I used to see all the goats when I was part of a mountain. And I was so tempted to get in. I said, wait, you know, but I said, okay, germ, task at hand, task at hand. Don't go down no giant mythological path. But I said, that must have been lovely being a part of a mountain. I, I couldn't help myself. And she said it was. But she said, I can tell you're not here to talk about me. And I, I said, well, I'm not even here to talk about me. I said, I'm here to uh, have a look around. And uh, I said, you, you, I said, you all are pretty busy down here. And she said, yeah, we're gearing up for another project, uh, River Sticks, believe it or not. And believe it, my, my, my goat jaw hit, hit the freaking floor. And then she just slid her life. She said, no, 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 similar, though, very similar. You know, Underworld River, we're, uh, 
where she said we're adding a canal parallel to it, you know. And I said, really? I said, what are you an are you an are you a giant engineer? And she said, oh no no no. We we just she goes, hey, is this is this is my job run, running this uh, uh, magical quarry filling filling the orders. And I said, are you just just about to finish up an order, aren't you? And she said, how did you know? And I said, you got one stone left, right? And she said, she said, I do. And then I said, I wanted to find out. I felt a little bit like Obi-Wan Kenobi when he goes to the place with all the clones, which still confuses me. Who placed the order for the clones? And I think someone tried to explain it to me. And I said, I, I said, I don't know if I buy that, but, but. I was like, who placed the order? But but I again, I said, if Obi Wan Kenobi doesn't need to ask, neither do I. And someone might say that he's so those these two things are so unrelated. You're a buffoon. And I would say, well, you know, that's that's fine. That's fine. That's your opinion. No reason to interrupt my podcast, so you know, because it's, it's like, did you see? I have a I have a glowing coat. Internal critic, do you? Oh no, Lynch, that's beautiful. That's that's great. So anyway, I'm in the middle of this. Uh, so you, you, I said, oh, yes. And she said, yeah, let me show you. This is the last stone in order we've been filling for thousands. Of, I think she said thousands of years. And she said, we're just waiting for it to be picked up. And I said, would you believe that I'm here to pick it up? And she said, really? And I said, yeah. And I said, a goat of many colors. I said, don't you get the... Uh, the fact that, uh, you know, the humans have come in a coat of many colors. I'm a goat of many colors. And she said, well, well, she said, I'm only to give it to humans. And I said, I could take human form whenever I want. And I said, I'm a bit of a trickster. And the next thing I know, I was human. And I said, at some point, I started talking. And I got the sense that I said, well, she's like, I got a little more control here than I thought I did. And then she she said, well, let me grab my paperwork. And I said, man, even in the Middle middle Earth or the Underworld, wherever the hell, there's still paperwork. And then she came back. She said, a human with a coat of many colors. She goes, so you're here for the last stone, eh? And I said, would you believe it? I said, uh, this is going to sound crazy, but I'm actually here for two stones. And she said, well, let me do She said, well, we only have one stone left on this order. And I said, I know you're, you've been so helpful. You guys have done the best from everything that I've heard. This is the greatest stone order ever made. So whatever that river sticks you're working on canal, that's going to be magnificent, I'm sure. And everyone seemed pleased. Like I get here, all the workers were listening in. And I said, you're just so kind. I said, we want a little choke in. I, I said, do you have any, like, secondhand stones from the work you did on this, like, something just like this stone? But, you know, that's uh, that doesn't work. And she said, the ones, she goes, the ones that failed the test, right? And I said, yeah, of course, you guys run so much. I, I'm not on the QC team. And she said, what's a QC? I said, well, quality control is what we call it. I said, uh. You know, makes sure it works right, tests. And she's, oh, yeah, W. And she goes, we call that the WR, works right. And she goes, yeah, we run it through a battery of tests and make sure the stone, you know, can amplify magic and channel magic. And she said, this is the one that had to be 
You know, she said, we've been saving this one. We've been saving the rock. We've been honing our skills. So this is the one that's as close to perfect as you can get. And I said, yeah, that's the important one. I said, now I need one that's just like this. But, you know, that's, that doesn't work right. And she said, so you're looking for like a secondhand stone. I said, yeah, not refurbished yet. So I don't know. Do you guys refurbish the stones? Uh, dead silence. And she said, well, she said, we, of course we have. She said, you just got to come on down to the secondhand stone shop. And I said, secondhand stone shop. And she said, yeah, come on. She pointed down a path. There was a little, like, uh, cottage. And she said, go on down there. Secondhand, go on down to the secondhand stone shop and get yourself a stone. This one will be here. And I said, oh, boy. So then I went down the path. And then I said, get to the cottage. It's a secondhand stone shop. And then so then I go, and the door was like a push, two-way door, which for a goat is ideal, because otherwise I don't know how the hell, if it was a knob, I would not have ever got in there. And so I push my way in, and then next thing you know, whose head pops up behind this counter, but uh, her head, whose name, and I said, hey, it's you. And she goes, it is. And I said, I never... uh, uh, I caught your name, and she said, oh, I'm Darlene, and she goes, yeah, I run this, this is my hobby, second hand, she's like, we found that hobbies are really important down here, you know, so this is my hobby, I run the secondhand stone shop, and she goes, a lot of people like to do, do different things with the stones, or, you know, test stuff, or some of the giants will come by, you know, make some furniture, she goes, so, so what could I help you with today? And I said, you know that last order, because I was like, just play. I learned, I said, I've seen enough Terry Gilliam movies to know how this works. Play it straight, you know, go right along with it. Do not, and no jokes this time. So I said, uh, I said, I need a stone just like the one up there, that that's malfunctioning or doesn't work. And she said, she goes, let me check my inventory. And she goes, doesn't work. How? I go, doesn't work at all. I go, ideally, yeah, it does. It just doesn't work. So it, and it, that would cause, a, yeah, j- j- jam the system if it was in there. And she goes, doesn't work at all. No, nope, we don't have that. She goes, what about one that explode and, you know, level 100? No, I don't want that. She goes, what about one that sh- shoots out powerful beams everywhere? Nope, don't want that. She goes, I got one that'll create a, a permanent storm. For, no, I don't want that. I said, how do you guys? She goes, oh, we run our tests inside, you know, inside of a, like a, a giant, you know, simulator test room. Oh, she goes, we run our tests in a stone ignition facility. So it's totally safe in there when the malfunctions most of the time. She goes, we built three or four. but And I said, well, what do you have with the least dangerous effects? And she said, least dangerous, because she goes, a lot of time, you know, these giants, they, they're into some action stuff. She goes, so a lot of this the guys do for entertainment. But she said, oh, well, least dangerous. She goes, okay, okay, I got one here. She goes, do you have any, do you have any mammals that are going to be near this? And I said, yeah. And she goes, okay, then not that one. And she said, okay, now mammals. And she said, you guys have uh, carbon base. She said, no. Oh, she goes, here, here it is, here it is. 
Okay, she goes, exactly like that one right up there, right? And she goes, I have one that looks exactly like it. Exact from that order. She goes, it didn't pass the test. Mild side effects. And I was like, all right, what's the side? She goes, it just gets really hot. And I said, that's it? And she goes, yeah, we ran the test. It just gets, you know. And I said, how hot? And she goes, too hot to to pass. And I said, da- dangerous, like c- cook eggs on it hot? And then she said, what's an egg? And I said, oh, I said, uh, like burn a human, burn a, burn a mammal hot? And she goes, but, but, uncomfortably hot, but not dangerous to mammals, according to the testing. And I said, that's it. It just gets hotter than normal, like warm. And she goes, no, hot. She goes, we don't have any in warm. But she goes, hot. And I said, does it get hot? Will it get hotter? And she goes, not according to the tests. And I said, and I said, well, is this a guarantee? I said, what if it gets super hot at some point? And she said, she goes, that didn't show up on the tests. I don't know what to tell you. Do you want it? And I said, yeah, I guess I'll take. I said, I said, I guess I'll take it. And she said, all right. Well, uh, how would you like to pay for that? I said. Shit, I thought I came up with a plan. I said, okay, I'm going to double, you know, do the old switcheroo with the stones. And she said, I'm sorry, what? And I said, I'm sorry, I just didn't, I wasn't thinking straight. I didn't think there'd be a, and I said, okay, how am I going to pay for this? And then I said, okay, wait, uh, uh. And I was, I almost offered my coat. And then I said, oh, wait, when I'm a goat. And I, and I started thinking, okay, well, I don't have anything but my, you know, mediocre wits and charm and my coat, coat of many colors. I needed the coat to carry the stones. And I said, wait, I was a goat. I said, wait, I wonder how good of a coat. And so then I, I said, go to many colors. Boom, change back into a goat. She goes, whoa. And I say, yeah, 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 change back into a goat, don't worry. I said, I said, I have inside of my digestive tract a antique belt buckle. Would you take that? And she said, she said, I would. And then we went, through, I said, okay, right, let me get it to you. And so then, uh, you know, it was easy, but believe me, it was way easier than you guys would think. Because during the fainting, I had had a dream. Well, actually, I just used magic, to be honest with you. I said, belt buckle out of my stomach. And I went, and I said, well, it didn't come out. But then I stood, my stomach started feeling upset. And I, I hadn't been able to get out of my, I said, there's a freaking belt buckle somewhere in my you know, in system. And then I said, you know, let me go outside. I'm going to go get this antique belt buckle. And I did. You know, and then I brought it in, and I said, "Here's a, here's my here's my auntie," and she said, "This is just we can't get anything." She goes, "Are you sure you feel like this is a fair deal?" She goes, "Cause we have so many stones," and she goes, "But we have nothing like this." She goes, "I could," and I think she, I think she uses an earring, but I said, "That's a tiny and a, a tiny earring." And then she she was like, I don't know, she was playing around with it. And then she said, oh, let me go get your stone. And I said, okay, could you uh, put it somewhere not near the other one? 
I'll tell you what, I'm going to go get the other one. I'm going to take it and then I'll come back, uh, and get this one. So I don't get mixed up because I have a mixing, getting mixed up problem. And she said, sure too. Uh, so then I went back up to the edge of the quarry. I, I changed back into human form. I took the stone, the, the you know, the, the, the good stone, went across the flatland. Uh, one went down on the flatland could fill up about 60 podcast episodes of sheer boredom because of what I would do is when I did see a guardian coming, I would drop the stone and say, go to many colors, and then I'd change into a goat. And then the guardian would come. I say the human went that way, and they say, "Really? I have, I'm a good, you know, I have great sight. I'm a, you know, an eye giant, or so I don't know, or uh, I don't." And I say the human, I saw him, and they say, "Really? Because he was standing right here. I didn't see you before." And I said, "I don't know what to tell you, man. I'm a goat. I'm stubborn. I know what I saw." And I would try feigning. All of it worked, believe it or not. I mean, I guess the giants didn't have. I guess they hadn't dealt with a you know trickster goat before, uh, but I did that a lot. I got across the flatlands, and then uh, and then I brought the stone into the the cave at the end of the flatlands where Deandre was, and I said, uh, "Hey, Deandre, you better sit down." Like well, I left it outside. I went in as a goat, and I said, "I got to break the sea. I'm a human, and I, there's a lot going on." And DeAndre said, I've been listening to these humans. They're trying to get this stone to do a bunch of bad stuff. And I said, exactly. These are stone posers. And DeAndre said, oh, I know exactly. And I said, so I'm going to turn into a human. I'm going to bring the stone. We're going to hide it. And I was like, you'll still be the guardian. You're going to guard this stone. And I was like, I might come back. I might need it. I might not. I have no idea what I'm doing. But I'm doing, you know. But I said, I got a feeling I might need this later, but I definitely can't. So I need you to keep as many spells of confusion or whatever the hell you do around. I need you to guard it, buddy. Can you do that? Guard the stone like a dog guards a bone. And then he was like, well, you want me to eat it? And I said, you know, some just, just you know, you think it rhymes, but keep the stone hid. Like you, like you to hide something, like when you're playing hide and seek with a kid. And he's like, what's hide and seek? And I said, oh boy, it's cultural windows. And he said, just keep this, you got it? And he said, I got it. I don't want those people handling that. And I said, all right, I'll be back. Then I went back across the flatlands, no problem that time because I was a goat, except for eating all the stupid goat stuff. I uh, went back again, got the other stone, went back against the flatlands this time. Now, this time didn't work out so hot, but it again, took forever. And I had a couple run-ins with the guardians, you know, adventure style. And I had to use, you know, some moves that uh, I had to make up. A, you know, it was an action sequence. It's not going to help you sleep. And it's wicked long. And at some point, you know, I, I took some scrapes and some bruises. But it, I said, geez, maybe this is part of my plan. And since I didn't really have a plan, it, it became part of my I said, well, I got to work with what I got to work with. So I got that stone all the way across, got to DeAndre. As a human, it couldn't, at that point, I, I was, DeAndre's like, you, you look terrible. I said, yeah, I said, this, uh, 
And I said, don't worry. I said, actually, could you rough me up? Like, put some mud and stuff on me, DeAndre, or cave dust. And DeAndre said, I got even better. And unfortunately, he took the green goop and, and covered me in green goop. Which, he said, well, he says that overdoing it, do I look like a Scooby-Doo creature? And Dan was what? And I said, do I look like an, I'm from the underworld? And DeAndre said, no, you look like, you know, from under some world, like a world fell. And I said, okay, I got to go out and deal with these people out there. Keep this other stone stay safe. And then I stumbled out of the cave through the illusion of the cave in. But, I mean, this was like some Class A illusion, so it looked like I fell through a hole, and then it caved in behind me. Uh, but I was carrying, it must have looked pretty impressive, because I was carrying, you know, an 80 billion thousand pound stone, you know, that that thousands of hours of television have been dedicated with scientists of how we, one would carry this. With ancient technology, you see, you just need a magical coat of... Uh, I don't think it just gave me super strength. I think it gave me stone-only strength, which maybe I should have stopped at the time and fought Cortez and all his guys to see. But I came out of there, stumbled out of there, you know, stumbled out of the entrance of the cave because I pretended, even though it wasn't that tough carrying the stone because of the magic, I was hamming it up, and I was covered in that green goop, which made cover up my terrible acting skills. And they dropped the stone, you know, the earth shook because this is a giant pyramid level stone, capstone of the pyramid. It looked like it. You know, wink, wink. And then I collapsed on the ground next to it, and Lady Witchbeard and Cortez and Marina. They was like, what happened? What happened? And then I got up and I wiped some goop out of my face. And I said, Jesus, uh, Never got on Nickelodeon, but or whatever the hell they slime you on, but I've been slimed or whatever. And I stood up and I looked at Lady Witchbeard, I looked at Cortez, I looked at Marina, I looked at this gathering of conquistadors with their torches and their cannons, and they were staring at me with amazement because obviously I was carrying a humongous stone, shook the earth so they knew it was real. And they were touching it and stuff. And Marina seemed to, and I said, there's your stone, the three of you. And I said, I brought it back because I didn't, I couldn't see any of you hurt. Obviously, we couldn't lose Cortez because Marina wouldn't have that. And Cortez wouldn't have us losing you, Marina. And Lady Witchbeard, I, I, I did this to help you save magic. But I go, this is where it ends. They said, you'll have to figure out how to get this stone to the rest of the way to the pyramid. I'm going to go there, and I'm going to find my people, and I'm going to do battle with you, and I'm going to keep you from bringing this stone to the pyramid, because I think it's wrong. And at some point when I was a goat, I realized that I have to take a calculated risk or side. I don't know. I wish I had a better speech there. I don't even know what I really said. This is just my best recounting. But I said, I said, I have to do what I think's right and uh, hope that I can handle the consequences. So I'll be gathering an army and we'll find a way to stop you from getting this stone to the pier. But really, I was trying to trick them, right, because of the fake stone. 
And I figured this way they would buy it. You know, if I just said, here's your stone, they'd be like, really, Germ, this thing seems a little warm or something. I don't know. And then I'd have to stay around him, and sooner or later I'd crack, you know, because Marina would look at me with her big eyes, or Cortez would look at me and say, hey, I need a new best friend. I'd be like, okay, the stone's fake. Or Lady Witchbeard, I'd just probably say it right away. But also there's another part of me that said, Jesus, I thought we were here to change history and, you know, see what the unintended consequences were. And I have to be able to live with myself if I return to my world. And knowing that this damn conquistador walked all over these indigenous people, uh, it's like, Jesus, I have committed some wrongs. I said, I don't know what the hell. I mean, this is just what I was thinking when I was making the plan. And maybe I said that a couple of times, and can, you know, even Cortez acted all, and I said, all right, be prepared for battle, and good luck in the stone there. And I said, don't mess with any indigenous peoples. Uh, adios. And they said, what? And then I broke out of there. And actually, I was like, I, fi- I knew Lady Witchbeard. I said, they'll figure it out. It's not like it's going to take them another thousand years. I hope, because I'd be like, geez, that'd be so boring. I go back, I gather an army, and we just wait for a couple generations. So either way, the best time to stop, because either it's going to be a long stop for thousands of years, or hundreds of years, or ten decades, or it'll be action next week to tell you about. So, all right, good night. Uh, You know, just try to picture the starry night sky over the uh, germ in his go-to-many-crawlers. Phosphorescent green slime, which ideally isn't ideal. It's so cold, a little bit cold. Uh, but, you know, off on his own, who would have thunk it? A little germ, uh, kind of grown up, maybe not grown up, who knows? All right, I'll talk to you soon. I want to thank uh, uh, emails. I want to thank Bethany B. I want to thank Betty, Alexandra, Ahab's wife. Tara, over on uh, Twitter, I want to thank Paul for that thing about Kroll's closing. I want to thank T. I want to thank Yana. I want to thank Rachel B. Over on Facebook, I want to thank Chris K., MCAT, Julie V., Julie F., Bonnie, Julie C., and Laura. Holy, that's a lot of Julies, huh? And, you know, just to thank Julie Andrews and, and she's got a upcoming episode where I can apologize to Ju- Ju- Judy Garland. But uh, uh, so, you know, but, but, but I'll say it right now, you know, just in case. And then iTunes reviews. I want to thank Andy in Wyoming, uh, who said they're looking forward to falling asleep now. Podcast works for them for two months. And it's entertaining to get get them stopping thinking, but not too entertaining to keep them awake. And it's a safe, secure, happy environment. Thank you, Andy. And we got Love a Bear, LVA Bear, love, my, my number one, number one RN Bear. People are going to be buying one day for Christmas a, a, a facsimile. Or no, that's not the right word, but, you know, the action figure, the Love a Bear action figure who says this is a prescription for a good night's sleep. Uh, so thank you for always for your support. And then Irish 12, 1280 
I guess that's an Irish brain bot or a brain bot that loves Ireland or, the you know, a brain bot of Irish heritage. Uh, thank you. Uh, works every single time. They used to use melatonin, white noise. But the melatonin gave them bad dreams and the white noise, you know, couldn't do, you know, white noise doesn't work for brain bots most of the time. And again, it's just interesting enough to keep the you know, brain bots at bay and just boring enough to allow Irish 12, 20, 1280 to fall asleep. So thank you for listening. The, the Irish 1280 says they're sleeping better than they did as a child. So, wow. So thank you. If anybody else wants to throw a review, it's uh, sleepingmepodcast.com slash iTunes. And I appreciate it so much because uh, this is how people find the show. And when people say, you know, they look at the art and they say, they read and they say, what the hell? No, I guarantee you that's probably what a lot of you, what in the hell? Or you may say, what in the heck or what in the hay? Wait, no, no, no. And then you read the thing and say, what in the frick is this guy? And then you write some reviews. You said, well... I mean, if Irish twelve eighty love bear and Andy in Wyoming, and you say, "Well," she said, "The jazz guy hates him," but they say, "Jesus, we go." It's not a jazz podcast anyway. Past that's passive aggressive action. But uh, yeah, let's check it out. And then you say, then you listen. You say, "What in the hell?" But you know, that's that's how the podcast works. The podcast to put you to sleep after you get past the uh, what? Okay. Okay, what? So thanks for being here. Thank you all for your leap of faith. And let's get out to the show. I also want to thank uh, Scotty and Jennifer who take care of all our iconic artwork. And I want to thank Chris Posty Posterson from Sounds Like an Earful who does the music you heard at the top of the show. He's got a podcast. You should check it out if you can. It uh, Sounds Like an Earful is the name of the podcast and the website. Hey, are you only tossing, turning, mind racing, trouble getting to sleep, trouble falling asleep? Well, welcome. This is Sleep With Me, the podcast that's here to put you to sleep. I don't know if I like that cadence, but the podcast that's here to put you to sleep. Yeah, my cadence is off tonight, and and, and I'm not going to edit this, I don't think. The podcast that's here to put you to sleep that's the right cadence is that cadence or beat i don't know but that third one was how it's my in, internal organs they they hummed there they said okay that's a good one uh we do with the bedtime story repetitive rep, repetition too but mostly we do with bedtime story all you need to do is get in bed Turn out the lights and press play i'm gonna do the rest and what am i gonna do well tonight's metastas news so I'm going to talk about the Colombian version of Breaking Bad Metastasis. Uh, I'm going to talk about an episode. And then I'm going to talk about the corresponding Breaking Bad episode. And then I'm going to try to pick up some Spanish that I, I don't speak Spanish. A little language learning action. And then we'll be doing a little more. We'll maybe say, geez, I was curious about this. Let's see if we can learn about this. But really what I'm going to try to do is create a safe place where you can set aside whatever's been running through your brain, racing, whatever's got you, uh, whatever's preventing you from falling asleep, actually. Whether it's something in your brain, your body, your spirit, or your soul, or, you know, alternative belief system, you know, of any, you say, geez, I don't believe in any of those things, Scooter. Well, you're, 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 uh, Whatever that says, your stern, you know, belief. 
unbelieving belief system, you know, thingamajig, uh, you know, your figure outer, because my figure out is always busted. So whatever it is, I'm going to try to distract the, those parts of you or distract you. I'm going to try to, I guess that's a safe place, uh, is, you know, I'm going to send my voice, reach out across the deep, dark night, bring your attention and your focus outside of yourself, outside of your body, your mind, your emotions. I don't, I don't know what much of your spirit stuff, you know, I'm not good at that, but, you know, at least if it's a disturbed spirit, you know, I'll bring that attention here. And you just focus on me, but you don't got to focus too hard. You don't got to, kind of like uh, when you, you're staring at something and you say, geez, I, I was looking at it, but then I lost focus. That's the whole thing with this podcast. You're listening to it, but then your ears and your mind kind of lose focus. So I'm going to do my best to make it distracting enough, engaging enough to take your mind off of stuff, but not so gripping that you're like, oh boy, I got to stay awake. But at the same time, on a whole nother level, I'm going to do my best to be here as your boyfriend the whole show and, and keep you mildly amused. So if you can't fall asleep, uh, I'll be here. I'll be present here. Uh, just drinking my, you know, imaginary tea with my imaginary chamomile biscuits. Uh, you know, now with ether pockets, you know, that's a new thing I'm going to invent. And they say, well, it's illegal, but it will. You know, ether pockets, uh, chamomile biscuits with ether pockets. They slow it down. Uh, what was my point? So I'm going to try to distract you from whatever's more fear me. And I know a, a lot of you, some of you might be new here. And you might be skeptical. You say, Jesus guy, he's got this podcast. He says it puts people to sleep. Uh, what a load of malarkey. And I would say if you use the word malarkey regularly, you're, you might be my hero. Uh, or we could be arch enemies, probably, probably one or the other. But, but, but damn, I love that word malarkey. Uh, but, but, but this, well, this podcast does have malarkey, but not the kind where it's like, uh, Actually, well, geez, holy mackerel. This podcast might be a load of malarkey, but, but a different, maybe it's a different load of malarkey than you'd expect is what I'd say. And so if you're new here and you're skeptical, I, I love that. I, I, I'm a, a, a terribly skeptical person and I'm not making any promises here. I'm going to do my best to help you fall asleep. This is a different podcast than a guided meditation. Or rain sounds, or someone, you know, just saying, uh, breathe deeper. Breathe deeper as the, the doves fly to the sky. The flapping of their wings unflaps the tension in your back. Pull your spine down. Like, you, whenever they tell me to do that, what the hell, and this isn't an anti-instructor thing, but how the hell do I pull my belly button towards my spine? I can't figure that out. And that imagery doesn't work for me, and then I start to get irritable. And that's the same thing, so this podcast is kind of for people like that, maybe. But I want to go back to the skepticism, because one thing, even in non-skeptic, you know, is that part of your brain that says, hey, I'm going to try this out tonight instead of thinking I want to fall asleep tonight. I'm going to give this scooter guy a shot. He's a total goofball, Malarkey City, I think he said, population him. And I think I could use, there's always a part of your brain that's like, whoa, boy, you're going to do what? Well, the podcast is free. He said there's no, you know, there's really no reason not to try it. Well, that's a terrible idea. Why don't we just stay up and think? Don't you, we don't get stuff to worry about? 
so most of us have some sort of internal skeptic. Maybe you're like me and you have about 65 internal skeptics of different voices and different levels of power and different, you know, strategies to get your attention. Or maybe you have one. Maybe you have none. You said you have something else going on. But I guess I, I wouldn't mind. I say, geez, if you, you take a healthy dose of skepticism this podcast, I would say there's a couple different ways to be skeptical about it. And normally people that say, hey, why don't you you know look at it like a scientist? But I don't know if that fits the podcast because, uh, you know, scientists without a sense of humor that have listened to this podcast have had to be flown to Sweden uh, inside of those barometric chambers for deep sea divers. And I had to get insurance for this because they said, you, you, you're damaging the scientific, the humorless scientific community, sir. And I said, okay, tell me about this. And they said, yeah, when a scientist, a skeptical, humorless scientist hears about it, bubbles form in his brain. And I said, malarkey bubbles. And they said, you've used that word enough. And I said, whoa, whoa, calm it down. And I said, what are you, the scientist enforcer? And then the guy ripped open his shirt. He had his shirt. It was, anyway, weird, you know. Uh, but so then I said, they said, I said, well, what are you going to do? I said, fly him to Sweden. You know, we got a team on it, a team, you know, team of Swedes. We got some Norwegians coming in. We got it handled. And they it may be the, I think it was a barometric chamber. It may have been uh, Benoit Balls, though, but it doesn't matter. I said, well, geez, they said, we have insurance for this. I said, they said, 40 bucks. I said, shit, let's go for it. Uh, so we're covered on that, but I would say don't take a scientific method in this podcast. Clearly don't exactly mix, because uh, uh, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I'm just doing my best, you know. And they said, well, I don't understand that. How can you do your best of it? Well, I don't know. But it's, I don't know what to tell you. I think that maybe that was this. Anyway, so maybe another kind of skepticism. And then and I, I've been thinking about this. And then I saw, well, we'll talk about it another time. Because uh, I'm hoping to read the book. But, but I would say, why don't you take a, a form of skeptic, skepticism like an English school child or English orphan, school-age English orphan, out on a country estate who's found a, a portal to another world, usually through an armoire. And you see, those children are skeptical. They, they, they've, or usually at least one or two of them are. Now, don't be the kid that's the traitor, you know. They throw the traitor in there sometimes. But there's always one or two of the kids, and even the 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 the, the leader, she usually has a, at least a doe. Like, if she says, well, you're a doe, how do I know you're a good doe? With your doe eyes. So maybe take it, but, but they have a different skepticism because they're English orphan school children just crossed over into another world through an armoire. And it's a, it's a, it's a powerful skepticism, but, it, but it's uh, tempered by some sort of delight and wonder. And I don't know if this podcast will necessarily delight you or, or, or make you feel wonder, but that is one of my like deep down desires. Uh, probably the needy performing child in me, that, you know, that maybe the English orphan, I'm the one, or maybe I'm like the uh, the goat with human legs or the human with goat legs. And I got my, I said, I'm busting out my pan flute here to delight you orphans, to trust me. 
And I guess that's pretty much what the podcast is. I'm trying to help you cross over into that armoire. And then I say, well, geez, that metaphor doesn't work because you're supposed to be already in the armoire, which is in another world. So by the time we met you, we'd be asleep already. I said, well, that would work, you know. A trick, the old trick, trickster, pan, pan boy. Uh, playing his pan flute till you fall asleep. That's Scooter. He smells like a goat, and he dances like a, a goat, goat, you know, goat man, goat boy, man boy. So I'm, I'm pro skepticism, and I'm, I'm here like, like that to say, well, I see your skepticism. I'd like to raise you a tempered level of wonder and delight. But mostly, you know, don't wait around for that, because then your skepticism will be like, well, this is not delightful. This is more like uh, not horrible. And it's, isn't it delightful when things aren't horrible? Oh, look at this wonder. He's just talking, and, and it's not going anywhere. I wonder what what he'll say next. Will he say Oshkosh Bagash next? So maybe I'm looking for a different kind of delight, a different kind of wonder. And I am. The main wonder and delight that I'm looking for is to take your mind off stuff and have you just wake up tomorrow and be like, I don't know what the hell he was talking about. I mean, I'm pretty sure I had a dream where he was playing a pan flute and talking about some sort of magic blanket he was selling for $1,000. And I think he started playing the blanket at some point. And then I just pulled my blankets back over my head and I fell back to sleep again. And then maybe we'll feel some delight and wonder. But, you know, this, those are those are pie-in-the-sky goals. The main thing is, let's just take your mind off of stuff. I'm going to be silly, I'm going to be goofy, but mostly I'm going to try to use lulling, soothing tones, pointless meanders, uh, clearly metaphors that, you know, you know geez, geez, I don't know if that is a metaphor. I think that maybe was that a metaphor. Metaphors that it can't, could never be similes, even if I use like an ass. Uh, or I just see confusing things, and then you kind of say, well, I'm going to stop thinking here. Clearly, we're dealing with the you know, goat brain. I got goat on the brain this week, too. So that's it. I'm glad you're here. And I really hope, I really hope, I really desire, really yearn to help you fall asleep. So thanks for coming by. Okay, so... Uh, here we are, we're talking, uh, actually, I don't, I don't have it in front of me what episode this is. So I think it's either 13 or 14 of this, uh, metastasis. But this is one of the ones that I'll always remember the opening of this one. And so we're going to cover the opening in a couple different ways tonight, but this is just was my first impressions of the one on metastasis. Uh, first I put Mariachi or Tejano. And then I put bus, then I put dreamlike parts, Heisenberg. There's like a smaller Heisenberg. There was money. There was the woman from the seventh seal, I believe. I said, geez, was she in that movie? I said, holy Higmar Berman. And I said, geez, I just botched that joke. Holy. Yeah, but I might as well just keep going. Because I said, geez, if, 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 if they said that guy with the chest set's going to come after me now. Damn you, Bergman. Uh, but then there, I think there was a bank security guard there. 
cooking, money, platas, desert. At some point, Eisenberg walks off past the woman. I mean, you could do literally a whole episode on this, and we're going to do a chunk of the episode talking about this later. The cop guard, past the woman, past the cop guard, so guy into the distance, lies down, looks left and right, lies down with candles, there's a cigar. Uh, the smaller Heisenberg walks, uh, decides he's going to take a long, long nap, so long, with the money. It may be Santa Muerte. I said, well, if that's not Igmar Bergman, uh, it might be Santa Muerte. And then we have the opening of the show, and it was a music video for a Narco Corridos. Uh, and we'll talk about it more, but what a, holy mackerel, what a wonderful, what a wonderful treasure this show. Uh, both Metastasis and Breaking Bad is, what, what an honor it is, I'm not kidding. Uh, even though it's a bit of work to watch this much of one show, it's like sometimes you're like, Jesus, it's like going, doing something. You're like, man, this has a, this work has a reward. And then I get to do a podcast and talk about it. Uh, but it opens with Walt. The heck does this say? Turtle kid? Turter kid? Oh, tutoring a kid. I mean, Walt's doing a lot of explanation. The kid gets a 1.5 on the paper. And then he kind of begs, and then Walt says, like, no way. And then he says, uh, uh, oh, he says, no, go study prof, a pretty boy. Go study pretty boy, maybe, he says, and then get out. I noticed the kid had a bow-armed walk. Like, I don't know how many people listen to Game of Drones, but Arya's sidekick in the House of Black and White had a bow-armed walk. I don't know if they have anything to do with each other. Probably not. Uh, then Walt grabs his secret phone. He calls, and it's like, oh, Rancho de Jose. It goes straight to voicemail. It's Jose Miguel's. And then the next thing you know, Walt's in his car driving to Jose uh, Miguel's house. I notice he locked his car doors, which I thought, hmm, that's interesting. And then he knocks... Uh, uh, Jose, I, put, I noted that Jose Miguel has a really nice peephole. I mean, and I, I mean that on his door, you know. Is he had a real nice peephole. And then Walt's banging on the door uh, and yelling, and then Jose Miguel's neighbor, Ho, Jose Miguel's neighbor, uh, yell. she's like, hey, cut it out. And then Wolf starts to feed her a bunch of low, like, BS at first. I was like, is it about them being friends, or is he worried because uh, Jose's an addict? Uh, I think he, and then he tells her he's his dad, and then there's still lots of talking, uh, which is hard for me still to pick up on without the subtitles. But then Jose opens the door. He says, uh, Papa, come on in. And he was, he pulled him in so cool, like it was suave. I mean, this Jose Miguel, it was suave, man. And he says to his neighbor, thanks. She says, total bien. And they share like a long, a long look. And then afterwards, she kind of laughs. Uh, 
And she says, uh, Walter Mercado, because that's what Woe said his name. She says, I'm Walter, his dad. Walter Mercado? But then we get inside, and Walt's all been out of shape, and he, Jose's stressed and smoking. Walt's getting all passive-aggressive about the phone calls, and Jose's not answering. But then Jose's still, like, having some uh, trauma from from everything, you know, from the, the dealing with Walt and having to do some bill collecting with the ATM. And so then he's mad at Walt. He's like, you're the one who got me into all this. And then Walt's like, oh, no, 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 don't blame me. And he's like, dude, do you get the gravity of this situation and its impact on me? What kind of father figure are you? And then the phone rings, but Jose's like, I'm not answering that. I want to go back to bed. And they think Walt leaves. They put Lo Siento after that. I don't know what that's from. And then we have Henry, he's looking at a statue of someone. He's talking with a guy. He said, is that his computer guy or something? And then I put Jose doing some kind of TV show material. No one like, oh, well, no, Henry was doing that. Like Henry, Henry seemed like he was doing something about uh, something on TV or something, and no one was finding it amusing. Uh, he did, however, have a wonderful shirt on, a black checked shirt, like a uh, hatch with a cross hatch. It looked great. And then the supervisor comes in. He makes even more absurd or awkward jokes. Uh, but then they start joking in English, and they're like, yeah, and then everything seemed calm. But then they leave, and they leave Henry alone. He has a little bit of a dark moment looking at this little statue. Uh, that's been going back and forth between him and the other guy's desk. And then we have Walt at the supermercado uh, with the crew, his crew, you know, Sweaty Mohawk, Mono, and then I don't know what the guy's name is, Combo in in the U.S., I don't know. Uh, And and Mohawk, Sweaty Mohawk, Heisenberg, Walt says Heisenberg. And he's trying to talk money, uh, but uh, Sweaty Mohawk's talking about his favorite foods and stuff. Mono looks pretty concerned for the four brain cells that he has. And then he says, something with Eisenberg and, ele- what did I say, electric? It looks like E-L-E-D-Y-O-N-I-C, which is definitely not a word in any language. Uh, and then it says the guy, oh, the guys seem worried. Whatever happens, they first they're worried, and then they're impressed with how Heisenberg handled it. And then we have CLO. She's at an open job call. Everyone's kind of giving her looks, and she's pregnant. And then they're, like, all trying to be helpful. And she talks to the receptionist. I also noticed in this one, the receptionist, seemed to have something going with one of her coworkers, like they had a thing right before Cielo got to the desk that Cielo observed, where there was a flirty moment between the receptionist and a male coworker. But then she has a little back and forth with the receptionist or whoever's in charge of this desk here. And the lady's trying to brush her off about being pregnant and all that. And then I think Cielo's like, hey, can I go use your bathroom? And then uh, 
she, she runs, and then she sees her old friend, who happens to be the boss. And then they start to catch up and talk about kids, and then they talk about the business and his daddy. And then he's like, I figure this, he's like, hey, why are you here? She's like, uh, Verdad, uh, I'm here for a job in Servio or something. Does that say? Oh, in Serio. Are you serious? Because, yeah, then they talk serious. And uh, he's like, that won't work. And she's like, oh, that's too bad. And he's like, oh, I got an idea. Let's hold hands like old times. And he's like, oh, I got another idea. And then she bites her lip. And I I think he offered her a job. Uh, Then the next scene is back at Jose's. Jose, Jose are looking at a map. Jose's still distracted, and then he and Walt can't agree on this map plan, whatever they're trying to work out. And Jose's like, I need to exit this conversation for my mental health. And Walt's like, dude, no, 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 we got to work this out together. It's clear Walt's thinking big about Globo, he even says. And then he, so Jose starts to ho, Jose starts to get really pumped up with the discussion. Then Walt coughs. Jose starts hitting the bong. And then they, yeah, we're in Norte de Mexico, so northern Mexico, I guess. Henry's with some other cops uh, with this cigar cowboy who's talking English. He's giving Henry attitude for not knowing English. And the guy seems like he's asking for all sorts of horse-related products, expensive stuff. And it seems to be making Henry sick sick, because the guy wants more and more uh, amounts, and it seems expensive, too much. And Henry gets pissed, and then he yells and argues and walks off. But it's too much for Henry, and he, he just gets pissed. He starts the argument, yells, and walks off. And then we hit... Uh, and then we have uh, Cielo and Maria, and they're talking potatoes, or well, Mer- Cielo's working with potatoes. And they're talking about stuff, and then Cielo talks about her new job and her old boyfriend. And they talk about money problems, and then boom, Walt shows right up, caught, and then he's coughing up a storm. Uh, but he runs in the bathroom for most of the coughing to hide out. And then the next scene is breakfast, Cielo and Walt Jr. are discussing something. And then Walt comes in, he's like, hey, what are you wearing? And she's like, uh, Cielo look lovely. And she's like, do I look okay? And Walt Jr. is very proud of his mom. She's like, she's going to work. He's like, okay, what? What, okay? And she tries to kind of... Um, I don't know what I wrote. SL, it looks like slide. Uh, she tries to something. Uh, oh, she tries to slide in where she's working real smooth. And Walt's like, what, Kay? You're working with your old boyfriend or, I don't know, something. And then he's all eating quiet, alone, hurt. And then Jose goes outside. He runs into his neighbor. There's his lovely neighbor. She's writing, I think, or something. And it's like, oh, no, she's drawing. And Jose says, muy, muy becano. Becano in Colombia means totally awesome, I think. And Jose checks out her art, and then they start, it seems like they're checking each other out. 
And then Jose gets kind of outed by a dude walking by. He's walking a dog. He says, uh, Jose, Jose Miguel Rojas? And Jose's like, yeah, I guess I'm not uh, Jose Mercado. Or, bad, you know, anyway, I got to go. He says, or, or anyway, I got to go. And then we see COPE, that's who Henry seems to be working for. Him and the guys are on a stakeout. And it's clear the guys just can't stand him. But then Henry sees some, he says, turtle out of, out of control, tur- turtle in danger. Or maybe a turtle smuggling something. They all move in on this turtle. And then they say, did you call this a turtle? It's a tortoise. And they have a big laugh about it. They say, this is no turtle. This is a tortoise, uh, 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 Henry. And Henry takes that tough. He's like, oh, no, I thought it was a turtle. And he doesn't like it. And he, he go, he's like, I need no loan time. I trick. And then the next thing you know, they say, oh, no, this is a snapping turtle. You were, you were right, but worse, Henry. And then the turtles start snapping at the COPE people. Uh, then the next scene is uh, Jose Miguel with his crew. He's explaining to them the new plan, the new sitch about adding people, explosive growth. Uh, Sweaty talks about how he likes uh, salad bars, or he does. He, he's checking his salad bar out a lot. Uh, but Jose Miguel is very clearly happy. He's pumping his guys up. And the next thing is, is yellows at her new office, her new bowl, boss rolls by. Guy's smooth, I'll tell you. The guy seemed very smooth, but then she says, hey, in her first, this is how unsmooth I am. And he said, what brand? He's got some sort of branding polo on. Ended up it was a wine stain because she says, uh, you got some wine on that shirt? He goes, oh, yeah, yeah. Her uh, sweater, maybe it's a sweater, I don't know. But anyway, and she says, "What's going on in your house?" He goes, "Oh, my, I'm alone. You know, my wife's not with me. She she moved out a while ago." And he says, "Hey, how about we get some lunch? What do you say?" And she says, "Let me hide this picture of my husband and son." Uh, then the next scene is uh, Jose Miguel putting batteries in for his new TV. He sets out a chair. He's seen his neighbor moving by. And then he's like outside, he's thinking about it. And then he makes a move to talk to her. And he tells her the truth about being not being Jose Mercado. And then he says, you know, geez, I'm a Jose Miguel, Ro- Jose Miguel Rojas. And he's like, okay. She's like, okay. And he's like, hey, you want to come inside and check out my TV? Uh, it doesn't have any TV stations, but I got a TV. And then he can't get it to where he snaps at it. I thought that was cool. And she just sits there and looks on. And then they have a little accidental hand-holding and some good music plays. Uh, but And I think, I don't know who was the aggressor in that hand-holding situation. I think it may have been Jose Miguel. And we'll see later on that it's different here in America. Or maybe it wasn't different. I actually didn't write it down. Uh, but, but whatever, that was the end of that wonderful episode of Metastasis. All right, so we're talking, uh, as far as Breaking Bad goes, we're talking Season 2, Episode 7, uh, Negro y Azul. 
And I can't believe it's, I mean, when I start seeing these episodes again, I'm like, man, this was only the second season of this show. So impressive. Uh, but we're going to talk about, I mean, this was something that stuck with me. And as far as someone that tries to make something, uh, say, geez, uh, I don't know, this is just something I had an, impression, it had an impression on me because what a creative way to open the episode with a music video, uh, Narco Corridos, or however it is, we're going to talk about it later. It's just stretching uh, the imagination from both ends, I think, from the creator's end and then as the audience. I guess maybe from three ends, because it's stretching you on both ends, audience-wise. I, I don't know, I just, lo- I just loved it, and I remember talking to people. I remember when it first this episode aired, because I said, geez, I remember talking to people. And someone explained to me, you know, so, but we'll talk more about it. But it opens with the video uh, where they're singing Negro Yezul. And then the next scene is Waltz at the board. He's got an O, he's got an N. He's like nitrogen binds to oxygen, strong force of attraction. And when Walt's at the board at school, strong chance of somatic messaging here. He says, you know, covalent bonds, ionic bonds, uh, coming together form compounds. Uh, Chemical bonds are what make matter matter. Thank you, Walt. And those bonds are what hold the physical world together, what hold us together. And then the kids, this punk kid's like, I got it, bonds or whatever. He goes, well, it says, well, your test scores don't show that. It tells me you don't get it at all. You got a 58, dude. Or I think the kid says, I got a 58, almost passed. But then he even gets better. I got to try not to go down too many personal stories here because it triggered a couple of them. But the kid's like, come on, man, just let me. He goes, I really studied, like, uh, hard. And he tries to use, this is so funny, he says, I'm so into chemistry for, like, the concepts. And well, it's like, don't bullshit a bullshit or, you know, go apply yourself. Uh, but this reminds me of a period I went through in high school where I was, I think, and, and now, now this is definitely narcissism, negative narcissism, kind of. But I remember going through a period, this is when they said, oh, no, you don't get dyslexia, too. Uh, so it's probably mostly their fault, but I, I'll take the blame because, like, you know. But I was going through a period where I was scoring 20s uh, on, on tests, like below 50. And I think it, when it came time for the, they gave a number, you know, they didn't give A, B, C, D in my high school. They, I think they gave a number grade. And I'm pretty sure, like, in math and maybe biology, I got in, the, or chemistry. Oh, no, chemistry I did all right. I remember the chemistry teacher now, but... Like, I'm pretty sure I got in a, like, a 26 was my grade out of, out of 100. Um, and I don't know, I don't know if that really happened, but I, I definitely got 20s on tests. And I'm, and I'm like, well, I think they had to change the rules at the school because they said, well, we can't do this. You know, this is going down on his permanent record, but they were like, they're like, this is also our permanent record. We don't, you know, this kid, he's, you know, he is 26. When it comes to math, when it comes to dull, dull, lulling, soothing tones, you know, I'm, I'm up there. But when math 26, and, but they said, well, Jesus, this is, you know, a lot of times they use it. It's going down on your permanent record. Uh, but, but then they said, wait a second. No, this is our per, per, permanent record, too. So they did a little CYA action. Uh, 
Maybe. This is just my memory, which is always wrong anyway. But, but uh, So I feel for that kid getting a 58. But what I also try to explain to my school, and I'll try to make this short, is that uh, in New York State they had exit testing. You could get, you were getting a diploma from the state anyway. And, I, you know, just because I don't understand the concepts doesn't mean I don't understand how to pass a test. Unfortunately... That that made made even less believable that I couldn't do it because I said, well, geez, it's just a test. I don't have to understand these concepts. I just have to understand how they construct the test. And then I can figure out a way to pass the test. I don't need to learn anything. I just need to beat the test. And I won't cheat. Don't worry. I would tell them that. I said, I can figure out the test. I said, you know, the, the person writing the test is, you know, they're just right. They're like, okay, let's just, I said that, you know, you could buy the old test books. And I said, the test is the same every year. They just change the numbers around. You know, it's still, it's a quadratic. And they said, well, geez, well, then you should, why can't you just learn the guy? I said, I can't. It's hard when you don't know the truth. Even now, when you're telling a story, it's kind of a weird thing to be telling this story and be like, well, where is the truth there? And I heard X-Files got picked up or something, so maybe, they, you know, the truth is out there. Maybe they could look into that. Uh, scooter and math, the unresolved territory. Uh, but back to Breaking Bad, you know, just broke bad, broke, broke. It's not bad memories. I just say, Jesus, what is the truth in there, though? It's interesting. Uh, but where was it? So Walt throws the kid out. He goes to dig out his phone. It's probably in, like, the worst hiding spot. He's, he, first, he's like, oh, don't bullshit a bullshitter. Uh, but then he goes and gets his phone from, like, uh, but I put calls off the dogs. I don't know what that means. But uh, uh, he, he hides his phone in the ceiling. I'm like, what What kind of bullshitter are you, dude? Don't have you ever, if you can bullshit people, you should know how to hide stuff. And believe me, I've thought about, I think I probably put some dull material in ceiling tiles before it always got found. So, you know, that's usually, you know, you, you learn ceiling tiles aren't good around 6th, 7th grade. By the time you get to high school, you know, you know, don't put anything, you know, that's where you put the diversionary stuff. The secondary fake cell phone that's full of candy. And you say, see, Skylar, this is just my candy phone. You know, I hide it up here because, you know, I don't want the kids to know when I have a little candy, you know, thing. A little candy craving, Skylar. Don't worry, I'm not a meth dealer or anything. It's, it's just, Yeah, it's a second cell phone. It's a candy phone full of candy. Uh, but he uses the phone to call Jesse, calls off the dogs. Oh, because he says, hey, Jesse, don't do anything crazy. Uh, I'm feeling guilty. Drives the apartment. Uh, a lot of knocking on the door. I noticed that in uh, Colombia and uh, U.S., the apartments are switched. So in this case, Jesse's apartment's on the right, and Colombia his apartment's on the left. Uh, so if you're keeping score at home, you know, that's something to think about. I don't know. You know, that's a major creative you know, point. Do we want Jose? We'd write, Jose Miguel looks better on the left. Uh, Jesse looks better on the right. Uh, then Jane's like, please stop with the frickin' knocking. And he's like, well, it's the bullshitter. He's like, hey, I gotta get in here. And, uh, she's like, well, I've got a key. I ain't giving it to you. He's like, I'm his father. And she's like, you're Mr. Jackson. He's like, oh yeah, Walt Jackson. You know, 
father of Jesse Jackson. He's like, who are you? She's like, Jane. And she's like, well, you know, quit knocking on the door. If you want to call him, you can use my phone, but I'm not letting you in there. And she's like, whatever's going on between you, that's your business. But, you know, I can't, you know, you're not going in. And then we have an epic Aaron Paul moment here and an epic moment uh, for the the wonderful, the, the, you know, because these TV shows are a giant collaborative piece of work here. And the creativity, as we've seen on things like Game of Thrones, uh, trickles down. And here it trickles down to me. And, and I'm, I'm not being uh, sarcastic. I mean this. In the, this is an epic moment as far as the acting and wardrobe goes. Because Aaron Paul, Jesse opens the door. He looks terribly hungover and out of it. And he's wearing this jack-o'-lantern T-shirt, an orange jack-o'-lantern T-shirt. It's just it's mind-blowingly sweet. And he's just his his mannerisms of, of being out of it and hungover and, and, and just overwalled too. Not only hungover or whatever... But, you know, he's got a, you know, a Heisenberg hang, level hangover. And then we go in the house, and there's literally about 40 bags, many, many Funyuns bags on the floor. So it just keeps getting better. Uh, these little wonders they leave for people like me. And then Walt's all, you know, Walt can't get over the Jesse Jackson thing. He's always looking for, he's a nitpicker. He's like, you know, can you think of a better pseudonym than Jesse Jackson? And he's like, you know, he's like, dude, you know, what do I look like, uh, inventor of fake names? And then Walt's like, what the hell have you been doing? He's like, the business you put me on, bro, I'm, I'm, I'm having some stress about it. I need some alone time. And he's like, I handled the business. And then Walt's like, what do you mean handled it? Let me, can I criticize you for more than one way? And uh, he's like, you know, dude, just this, the, 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 that's settled. I need to rest, you know. He goes, the ATM machine gave us our money, okay? But I'm pretty stressed. I need to lie down and close my eyes and just smoke, smoke, smoke a little, little herb here. And Walt's kind of like, at first he's criti- Walt tries the criticism route, and then he says, okay, this isn't working. Uh, but Jesse is like a little bit, uh, his reaction is less uh, be- beaten than Jose Miguel's. Jose Miguel was taking it harder than Jesse was. So we start to see some differences in the acting, not in skill, but just in approach. But it's like really golfful. I don't know, is it, can you be golfful? But it is that Walt is criticizing Jesse here. And then Badger calls, and that is hilarious. Holy crap. Because uh, Badger says, yeah, he's call- I'm calling about the 32 lar- large pants. Uh, you gonna get back on that horse? Yeah, you, you get on it, or maybe that's what, what would happen. Uh, something like that happened. I, I, again, I didn't write it down, but I, I think uh, oh, maybe Walt said that to Jesse, and Jesse said, "You get on the horse. You take care of it. Today's my day off." Yeah, that's what it was. And then we have uh, Hank being kind of insensitive. He's talking about the uh, Jesus Mal- Malverde, the patron saint of drug dealers. And the guy he's talking to, now Hank's one kind of uh, 
But I don't know if we could use it. Hanks not a jerk. Maybe he is, but this guy was a know-it-all. I guess Hank might be a jerk. This guy's a part of my French an asshole. Because he's talking about all the stuff Hank doesn't know, and he's using his knowledge to kind of make it that he speaks Spanish and knows who Jesus Malverde is and Sun Tzu, uh, to kind of make uh, hurt Frank's self-esteem. Hey, hey, hey Frank, hey, Hank's self-esteem. But Hank deals with the uncomfortableness by, you know, kind of making insensitive jokes. And then, but then he kind of, the guy just does suck a little bit. Hank gets all low-key. After the boss comes in and the a-holes kind of like making him look bad. And they even make a joke in Spanish. Uh, and Hank just kind of laughs at, you know, he kind of laughs at it uncomfortably. And then we had a uh, comedy gold at the, uh, oh no, Hank's laugh is comedy gold. But then we even have more of this atomic museum, uh, with, uh, combo. Uh, uh, Badger, and the guy whose name will come to me, but he's like, oh, this is a sad, sadly picture of you farting. And then they're like, fat man and little boy. He's like, I got a fat man in my pants, yo. And then Heisenberg rolls in, and uh, he's out there like, are you Heisenberg? And Walt kind of lowers his jacket, his, his uh, sunglasses, and they're like, where's Jesse? He's like, busy. And they're like, dude, we're cool. We're cool. Here's all your money. And we're not confused. We know you're the boss and stuff. And they're like, did all that stuff with Jesse really happen? And Walt's like, what did you hear? Uh, and who'd you hear from? Walt's acting kind of hard and mysterious. And he's like, we didn't hear anything from me. Because they're like, everybody's, you know, like, whoa, watch out for Heisenberg. But as Woke walks off, he puts his glasses back on, and there's thunder in the background. I notice they say, oh, that's symbolic, maybe, or just atmospheric. And then we're at Bernicke's or whatever, and there's job applications. Everyone's scouting out, scoping out Skylar's pregnant belly. Uh, And then there's a woman at the front desk, and she gives Skylar the we'll let you know type thing. And then Skylar does this total fake out. She's like, hey, and she does like a left, left, right, left. And then she goes right for Mr. Burnett, Bernicke. I can't say his name. Bernicke, maybe. Ted Burn, Ted Ben Bernanke. That's who I would keep thinking of, but it's not him. But then she runs into Ted and then they talk about family. But you can feel it's a little bit awkward. Uh, but it was really good acting, uh, and, and whatever, oh, writing, you know, the uncomfortableness of catching up when there was like uh, underlying tension. Uh, I also wrote that Ted seemed more charming and responsible than I remember him from the first time I watched Breaking Bad, but he probably, you know, botched that. Uh, but they work out, you know, Skyler gets a job and everything, her old job back. And then we have uh, Walt and Jesse looking at a map, and Walt's like, here and here, you know, here's a... And Jesse's still in the jack-o'-lantern shirt, by the way, just in case you're like, oh, is, is it, you know, shirt's still awesome. But Walt is, like, thinking he knows everything. He's like, oh, look at all this territory we could expand into. This is a whole city. And Jesse's like, that's not our territory, dude. Don't you know how drug dealing works? And Walt's like, you just need to rub some initiative on it, kid. 
you know, tripled up the crew. He goes, it's exponential growth. And Jesse's like, it's, it's not our territory. We can't be going in there. And Walt's like, I don't care, you know, if they don't like it. Uh, he goes, they, they think uh, Heisenberg and Jesse are on the case. The game's changed, buddy. And then Walt goes, uh, this was just uh, hysterical. He go, he tries to bump Jesse up. He goes, hey, Jesse, look at me. You're a blowfish. Jesse's like, what? He's a blowfish. Small in stature, not swift, not cunning, easy prey for predators. Uh, but you got a secret weapon, you know, you can puff up and look tougher. <clears throat> and then scare the other fish off. He goes, you're a blowfish. He goes, it's just an illusion. You're not really tough. Uh, but no, no, who messes with a blowfish, Jesse? Uh, nobody. He goes, you're damn right. And he goes, Jesse goes, I'm a blowfish. So you're, you're, you say it again, I'm a blowfish. He goes, say it like you mean it, Jesse. I'm a blowfish. He goes, that's it, man. And then uh, Aaron Polly, I guess, one, he goes, blowfishing this up, and he's hitting, hitting the mong. Uh, and then I've seen his Hank in the um, uh, motel room with the other cops and the informant, and he's going going through this sky mall, and he's making fun of uh, Hank for not knowing Spanish. He says, this is in Branson, Missouri. He goes, I could teach you, you know, some Spanish. Uh, but then the guy's like, uh, the guy goes, I'm a tortoise. You know, he goes, the whole thing. He's, he's, he's like, I take my sweet time. Oh, wait, no, it's later. First he goes through there. He goes, uh, you know, he wants a Derek Jeter baseball, a bunch of those. Uh, $2,800 floor runner carpets. And they're trying to negotiate, but it's not a real negotiation because that guy has all the power. And Hank's like, this is ridiculous. This guy's wasting our time. And he's like, uh, yeah, this guy's demeaning to Hank. And he says, I'm Tortuga. And he goes, what does that mean? And Hank says, it probably means asshole in Spanish. He goes, no, 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 tor- turtle. He goes, I take my time. I always win. And then he goes, as a matter of fact, I'm going to win this uh, tur- turtle garden sculpture here in the uh, Sky Mall catalog. Give me a couple of those. And then we have uh, Skylar and Marie. Marie's kind of looking through. She's got a glass of wine. She's looking through a magazine. Uh, they're talking about Hank being on a hush-hush deal, but maybe riding a desk. That's what she would prefer. And this guy's like, well, I got a job. And Marie's like, uh, as big as you are? And she's like, well, who would want to work with someone like you ready to burst like you? And uh, Skyler says, uh, Bernanke, Bernanke, Ted Bernanke, I think. And she goes, oh, no, you know, Mr. Grabby Hands? And she goes, that was only once, Marie. Don't worry about it. And she goes, oh, well, he's married anyway. It won't happen again. And she's like, is this really, you guys that short on money? She's like, yeah. And she goes, you know, Walt. And then Walt walks in. She goes, oh, Walt. And she goes, dinner in an hour. And then Walt goes in the bathroom. He's crunching or coughing up a storm. And then we have more dialogue on this show. It's just so good. We have a, uh, 
Walt Jr. and Skyler, and he goes, hey, this is Raisin Bran, not Raisin Bran Crunch. And Skyler's like, it's the same thing, she, but there's a subtext there uh, where Skyler would really want to say, hey, asshole, Raisin Bran's cheaper than Raisin Bran Crunch. We're broke. Uh, but she doesn't say that. She, he, she says, it's the same thing. He goes, no, it's not. And she goes, why don't you go do the grocery shopping? And he goes, it's not that hard, Mom. It says Crunch on the box. And then Walt comes in, he's like, whoa, where are you going, a funeral? And she goes, jeez, really? Is that what I look like? And Walt Jr.'s like, Mom got a job. He's like, really? She's like, yeah, we're broke, Walt. And then he says, in your condition? And it's like, jeez, Walt, you know, maybe you need some sensitivity training, buddy. And then we realize that Skyler's cover-up of why she didn't work there wasn't harassment, it was welding fumes. And she's like, yeah, they do green welding now. And Ted's running things. Mr. Bernanke to be passed away. But I said, well, it's like, oh, Ted, I don't know, recognize that name. And this guy said, well, he's got all the pictures I was going through the other night. I also noticed there was a big tin of Coleman's mustard powder on their counter, a big one. Which I've bought that before to use in like, uh, you know, spices or rubs. I never, I don't think I've ever used it to make mustard from a powder. But, you know, you can put it in chili and stuff as a, as a spice. But a big one, you know, I said, geez, they use that much mustard powder? I'd like to know what Skylar's doing with that. Uh, and that's a good sign if you're in somebody's house. You know, they're either English or they say, geez, you make some savory stuff up in this joint. Uh, Skyler, you know, and the Skyler's kind of telling white lies. She, and then she's like, gotta go, honey. And then Jesse's, then we're at Jesse's. He's leaving his place. He runs into Jane. He's like, hey, I'm going to hit Costco to get a big TV. And he's like, uh, what are you drawing? And she, he, then he's like, damn, that's good. And they make a nice tattoo. And she's like, yeah, well, I work at ABQE Inc. He goes, you're a real good drawer. Oh, my goodness, so wonderful. And he goes, I used to do a little of that. And Jane, just, she, she's sly. She says, oh, you used to be a drawer, too? What stopped you? And he's like, well, you're a tattoo artist with no tattoos. She goes, yeah, it's too much of a, co- a commitment. And then a dude goes by in a motorcycle. He goes, hey, Pinkman, you're the man, man. Keep it real. And she goes, I thought you were Jackson. And Jesse's like, okay, I got to go. And there's something about uh, Je- Jesse. I put so, I put Jesse two uh, exclamation points. And I put so go- goatee. I don't know what that means. And then we're on stakeout and Hank's acting all passive aggressive uh, about that guy. And, and, you know, saying stuff about, hey, you got any more catalogs, you know? And, and then the guys are talking stuff about Hank behind his back in Spanish. And then Hank says, geez, I see, you know, they have the whole thing about his turtle. He says, I see a turtle down there. They go, we're looking for a tortoise. And he goes, I think that might be a tortoise. And they go down there. Is that what happens? Yeah, they go down there. And uh, it says on the tortoise, Ola Devils. And then they say, oh, it's a, that's why it's a snapping turtle. You're right, Hank. And then we're back at the Atomic Museum with Jesse and the crew. And he's like, the game has changed. This is our town, our turf. 
you know, we do what we want. We're going to be kings, or I guess I'll be king. You guys will be princes or dukes or something. And Badger says, I want to be a knight. And then Jesse's like, we got to get some soldiers, you know, some foot soldiers to do stuff for us. And, uh, you know, then we'll be, have, it'll be layered like nachos, exponential growth, success with a capital S, and they're like straight up for shizzle, awesome. And they're like, oh, mad cheddar. I know. Then So then Jesse goes, and then Jesse goes out to the car. He's all jazz. He's like, the boys are ready. We're going to make some mad cheddar, Mr. White. Fat stacks, dead presidents, cash money, own the city. And Walt's like, we got to up the price. You know, we cornered the market, raised the price. Simple econ 101. And then we're at Skylar at work. Ted comes in, checks Skylar out, checks her office out. Uh, he's got a, a stain, a wine stain or juice stain. That's what Skylar says. And then she says, what happened? He says, well, people change, you know. And he's a little more goofier, less charming. And then he leaves, and Skylar kind of gives a look after he walks away. And then we have Jesse. He's got two lawn chairs set up. He's using his remote to get his TV going, drinking a beer, searching for channels, spying on his neighbor, seeing she's home. But then she's out back smoking, and and she's go. This is a great, great scene. This is like something out of a classic movie. Because uh, she, this actress, who I am sorry, I know she has, she had had a, a TV show on the air too, but she's outside smoking and she's smoldering, and I do, and I just mean her. Everything about her is all quiet and smoldering, and the bungalows. It really felt like something from the forties, thirties, forties, fifties, or like a scene a little bit from a David Lynch likes these kind of scenes. I think too, with just a little bit of a. I don't know, smoldering actress with and cigarette smoke. And even the dialogue, he says, hey, she says, hey, yourself, you know. Like something almost like a Kathleen Turner type role. And then Jesse gets all honest. He's like, hey, my name's Pinkman, yeah. And it's just so good because it just felt like she was playing coy. I don't know. You should do yourself a favor and watch this. A really, really good scene. Uh, I don't know. You just got to watch it for, you know, if you like, if you're going to write a romantic scene or you just like it. I don't, I don't know. There's just something nice about it. And, but Jesse's like, you're not going to kick me out, are you? Cause I like it here. She's like, I don't, it's not my business as long as you don't do it here. And Jesse's like, I got this kick-ass flat screen, you know, with the, uh, you know, with super dark, you know, levels and stuff. And there'll be six point whatever, rock the house. But, you know, I won't rock the house. And then they go inside and, and uh, Jesse doesn't, he's like, I don't know what's going on here. And she kind of seems amused and he, he, he's playing it really nice. He's got like the remote up against his face. Uh, really well acted and... Uh, And then she makes a move on him in this one. In the uh, in the Colombian version, it was more, I think, Jose, she left it out for Jose Miguel or hand and got it close, but Jose Miguel had to make the move. In this scene, she's clearly the, uh, she's making a move on Jesse. 
And that's the end of the episode. A little hand-holding and watching a blank TV. Uh, so that's that's the episode. Okay, so first, this is going to be the, instead of the language, Red Pen Run Through Language Learning, we're going to do stuff from the song. And we're going to cover it in more than one way here. But the first thing I'm going to do is I just took notes from the metastasis version of the song. <clears throat> and then I looked those up. So this is kind of like the Red Pen Language Learning Run Through. And then we'll talk more about the C. Senior S.A.S. Valsdale Heisenberg, which transmitted into uh, C. Senior Estes uh, is the uh, Waltz Heisenberg. So maybe Vals is Waltz. Este, this. Uh, K. Los Gringos Inventoron, uh, the Gringos invented. Uh, e. C. K. El Vivo Vive del Bobo. Is and lives, lives booby. E tomar lo que han dejado and take what they have left. Uh, Heisenberg se ha logrado. Heisenberg has been achieved. Uh, pues todos le ha ganado for all he has won or maybe gained almost. Esta importe posición, you know, that's important position. KBN me Heisenberg, uh, that I Heisenberg well, that's what it sa- that says, but uh, what is good, my Heisenberg? I don't know. Uh, Heisenberg no lo ha notado. Heisenberg's not noticed. Uh, Puero. Uh, a cartel hot and fado. Uh, the cartel ha- is angry. Uh, e lo ha lo estan buscando, and they are already looking for. Uh, decent que el negocio ha donado. Say business has donado. Hmm. Uh, pues la gente y no la compra, because people don't buy. Uh, pero el arbol uh, se conoce, but the trees are cooking. Uh, por el fruto que ha dejado, uh, by the fruits that has made it, the fruits, you know. Uh, this is not all the words of the song, by the way, just the ones I could get down. Uh, muy pronto será en, encontrado. Uh, very soon will be encontrado. Uh, y la mentria dura. And lies hard. Uh, mientras la verdad llega. And lies and truth arrives. Uh, hombre muerto as Heisenberg. Heisenberg's going to go live somewhere w- with his puppies. Uh, un, un, unque el no se he dado cuenta. Although you've not realized this Heisenberg, esta Heisenberg. Uh, y te lo dijimos, uh, and you reported it, 
Uh, Heisenberg, Lowestado, Grado. Heisenberg, what is this, Logrando? Uh, Pues hablan de el en más estados. Uh, they speak of him in more states. Even swim knows. Uh, y en un que nadie lo conoce. Even swim knows? Oh no, the old swim knows. Uh, su mamá internacional. Your, her mom is international. Really? Uh, por eso a más de uno ya. Uh, so to more than one. Oh, this next one's good. Uh, y nunca deo ajujas uh, no se pican. Although do the needles now will itch. Uh, Empola y ha sacado. Uh, blister he has already taken. Maybe maybe I'm out of order here. Because owner's market. Oh, maybe, yeah, that's pues. Pues los duenos del mercado because it's owner's market. Uh, muy molestos lo están buscando. Easier and better burning. Yeah, it's easier and better burning mass. Uh, wait, I'm, I'm somewhere I'm out of order. Uh, por eso a este pinche gui. Uh, why this click gui? Uh, mas facil y mejor cuema. That has to do with burning. Uh, ya orderon su contenta and ordered his contain. Ah, uh, chinga, chinga, chinga. That's a uh, fuck, 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 fuck. Uh, que se esconda el cabrón. Uh, the cabrón is second. Uh, esto cuate son muy bravos. Brave these guys are. No TNA, hey, not here. Uh, so that's actually the Red Band run through the song. We're going to roll right into the uh, song and uh, keep it going here. So I'll be back in, uh, you know, I'm just going to hit stop so we don't lose any files. All right. All right, so this is uh, from the BreakingBadWikia.com, uh, Negro y Azul, the battle, Ballad of Heisenberg. There's a narco-corrido song pro- performed by Los Cuates de Sonola, and it tells the story of Heisenberg and his infamous blue mask, which we'll talk more about the song later. Oh, wait, I thought this had the lyrics here. Uh, so, yeah, so here's the lyrics. Uh, La ciudad se llama Duke. The city's called Duke. Nuevo Mexico, el estado. New Mexico, the state. Entre la gente mafiosa, among the gangsters. Su fama se ha, ha propagado. His fame is greatly spread. Uh, cosa de una nueva droga que los gringos han creado. Because uh, of a new drug these gringos have created. Uh, dicen que el color azul y que es pura calidad. And they say it's colored blue and that it's pure in quality. Esa droga ponderosa que circular circula cula en la ciudad. That powerful drug that is running through the town. Y los duenos de la plaza no la puedon parar. 
and the owners of the market couldn't stop it. Uh, Tienen la Plaza del Duque, El Tuco y El Crazy Eight. El Tuco, uh, la dieron piso mejando su escalade. Uh, they had the Duke's Market, El Tuco and Crazy Eight. They had to go, go away while he was driving his Escalade. Un poco antes lo gabachos. Que bar, 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 baron. El Crazy Eight. And a while before the gabachos finished off with, finished off Crazy Eight. Uh, and, uh, caliente el guitar al respeto la, 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 fulteron. Uh, the cartels running hot because they were disrespected. Uh, hablan de un tal Eisenberg uh, que ahora controla el mercado. They talk about some Eisenberg who now controls the market. Nadie sabe nada de él porque nunca lo han morado. No one knows a thing about him since they've never seen him. Uh, el, cartel, uh, el cartel es de respeto y jamás ha perdonado. Uh, the cartel is about respect and they've never forgiven. Este compre ha esta muerto. No mas no lehan avisado. Uh, this homie's already gone away. Uh, he just hasn't been told so. Uh, la fama uh, de Heisenberg. Iago hasta Michoacan. Heisenberg's fame's reached all the way down to Michoacan. Michoacan. Uh, Dese de Aya. Uh, Kieran Veneer a probar ese cristal. From way over there, they want to come to taste that crystal. Ese material azul ha sejizo internacional. The blue stuff's gone international. Ahora si le quedo bien a Nuevo Mexico el nombre. Now New Mexico's name is well suited. Uh, Mexico se parece en tanta droga que esconde. And now it looks just like Mexico because all the drugs it's hiding. Solo que hay un capo gringo por Eisenberg lo conocen. Except there's a gringo boss as Eisenberg as he's known. Oh, conocen, I thought it meant cook, but I guess it means known. Oh, conocer, that means to know. Oh, cocina, cocien, maybe that means to cook. Uh, and uh, caliente el cartel al respeto la falteron. And the cartel once again is running hot because they were disrespected. Hablan de un tal Eisenberg que ora controla el mercado. Uh, talking about some Heisenberg who now controls the market. Uh, nadie sabe nada del porque nunca lo han morado. No one knows a thing about him since they've never seen him. A la furia de cartel, nadie jamás ha escapado. Uh, from the fur fury of the cartel, no one's ever escaped.
ese compra y está ya está muerto, no más no le han avisado. Uh, this homie's already gone, you know, to see his puppy at the farm. He just hasn't been told so. Uh, so there's two really great articles about this song. I mean, you could really, if you're a student, I'm not, I'm not kidding here. You should do a paper on just the sim, sim, symbolism in the video. Uh, just what's seen, maybe not even what's heard. Uh, but anyway, this covers more of the song. This one's from the LA Times from 2009, April 20th. Uh, the article's written by Josh Gajewski, J-A-G-W-S-K-I, And the article's written by Josh Gajewski, Gajewski, uh, the article is written by Josh Gajewski, J-A-G-W-S-K-I. Uh, pardon if I mess up his name. That's from 2009. Breaking Bad crosses into narco-corrido territory. And I'm mostly going to quote from this, but I'm going to try to get through it because it's so uh, interesting. And I want to get to this other article. But this is a great uh, what made uh, Cholino Sanchez a legend in Mexican music w- wasn't that he what happened on stage with him. It was uh, how he reacted to what happened on stage uh, because he, he, he his uh, bravery and uh, what, do you, what do they call it, uh, bravado, uh, started to define narco corridos or drug ballads. They've become a, a staple subgenre of Mexican regional music with the spirit of danger, bravery, and standing up to the bad guys. And the bravado may help explain why Pepe Garza struggled with the lyrics for uh, a Narco Corrido music video that opened uh, Sunday's episode of Breaking Bad. Uh, it's believed to be the first time a Narco Corrido video has been prominently featured on American TV. And Garza wrote two versions. He's a longtime Composer, program director for L.A. radio station KBUEFM uh, 105.5, which at the time was called K-Buena. Uh The first uh, version, he said through a translator, was a literal transition of lyrics Vince Gilligan gave him. And that one, uh, Eisenberg wins in the end, but in Garza's second take, uh, the, the cartel wins. And quoting Garzi says, I felt the Corrido audience wouldn't quite identify with a song that had someone from a different nationality named Heisenberg went beating the Mexican, he said. And so, so, so he had the song and the fury of the cartel ain't no one escaped yet. But, and, uh, you know, and the rest. And the show chose his version of the tune, Negro y Azul, Black and Blue which was performed in Spanish by Los Guates de Sonola. Uh, the song matches two speedy guitars and bumbling bass with the enthusiastic vocals of Gabriel Baraleza, who sings of the mysterious gringo from New Mexico. Uh, drug, drugs, gun, and ca- drugs, guns, and cash. Uh, drugs and stacks of cash are on the screen along with a bunch of other symbolism. Uh, and the video is made to resemble a low-cost, homemade Norco-Corrido Norco Corrido, uh, videos. 
that you can see on YouTube. And it's three minutes and 35 seconds, but what does it mean? What did it mean at the time for the Norco, Norco, Narco? That's why I keep messing up. Narco Corrido uh, genre. Uh, once held as a musical newspaper of current events, but criticized for glamorizing uh, the drug trade. It's it's up for debate. Uh, Garza, who, whose radio station uh, popularized the genre, starting in, when it was playing uh, these things in, in certain in 1998, calls it, it so far as to say it was historic. Uh, but Elijah Wald, who wrote a book in 2001, Narco Corrido, A Journey into the Music, Drugs, and... Uh, a journey into the music, uh, he wasn't sure, so sure. He said, well, well, we'll see, we'll see. Uh, watching the video, though, after he watched the video of the author of the book, uh, Wald said uh, they got the iconogra- iconography just right. And what interests him about the Cuates is there's a group called Miguelie Miguel, um, back when he was writing, who was the first modern group to come out just doing guitars without accordions and brass. And it always seemed to him to be an obvious crossover group. Oh, because in Wald's opinion, and this is controversial to me, accordions and brass bands aren't a hip. I don't think I can think of anything more pleasing to my ears than brass and accordion at the right time. But, but uh, you know, guitars by themselves are great, too, with a little bass action. Uh, back to the article, the uh, guitar-picking duo Miguel, Miguel, Miguel of Miguel, Miguel is the biggest influence for, one of the biggest influences for Los Cuates de Sonola, the Sonola twins, even though they're not, they're just cousins. And that was started by Gabriel and Martin Yano Barraeza. Uh, like Miguel and Miguel, along with Sanchez, uh, uh, they all grew up in the uh, Mexican state of Sonola region, you know, famous for producing drug lords and balladeers, corredistas. Uh, in Mexico, these pursuits often intertwine, inspiring musicians to write corridos for members of uh, the drug trade in exchange for money, equipment, or connections on the entertainment scene. Uh, but these guys uh, went north uh, through Nogales when they were 14 and ended up in Phoenix, uh, where they started out on the street as buskers using borrowed guitars, but eventually did six albums. Two of them went plat- platinum on the Latin sales charts. And now a crossover to American TV and Gabriel Barraleza. Aza said it's a beautiful surprise. We never expected to perform for an American TV show and sing about an American gringo drug lord. Uh, so that's an article over there in the LA Times. Nice little article there. And then we have another article over here on uh, Mother Jones uh, from September 29th, 2013. So a little more recent. And I'll try to pick from this. This is written by Maggie Caldwell. Uh, like I said, September 20th, 2013. Uh, Breaking Bad, Narco Cultura, and the Ballad of Walter White. I mean, this was after the end of the Breaking Bad, which was well-known, uh, paraphrasing from the article, for its opening scenes, uh, which Vince Gilligan and his team obviously had kind of mastered. But one of the teasers from season two stands out. 
because it's a video of Los Cuates de Sonola performing a narco corrido, corrido about Eisenberg. Uh, if you don't speak Spanish, it might sound like a ditty folk tune, but the more l- l- lyrics allude to uh, Heisenberg's meth business and the cartels fuming over lost territory and profits. Uh, with shots of blue math and fat stacks of cash uh, playing over the music. Uh, the band's name, which means Friends of Sonola, referring to the Sonola Cartel, uh, which, you know, is where the big cartels are, according to this article. Uh, but this, you know, is a, is a song about Heisenberg, a fictional character, but they're a real narco-corrido act. Uh, part of a genre called movimiento alterado, which is traditional sounding music rhapsodizing drug kingpins, which has gotten popular on both both sides of the border. But there's a new documentary about it called Narco Cultura, uh, which showcases uh, the influences of cartel in Mexican pop culture and their effects on the people. Uh, when, when it's not pop culture, uh, which you might want to check out. It, it sounds intense, but uh, uh, the article talks about the um, uh, so article talks about the narco cultura movie for a while. Yeah, but then towards the end of the article, it says, you know, with the glorification of criminals through pop culture is nothing new. There's something disarming about narco corridos. Uh, they sound so happy, folksy, and old-fashioned, old-fashioned, and frankly, according to the article, cheesy, like something grandmas would dance to. Yet the music could be banned in some uh, TV stations and radio stations. Uh, but it's kind of like uh, the equivalent of gangster rap with a tuba and accordion. Uh, William T. Volman wrote in, uh, also wrote in Mother Jones' article about how, you know, fans view these uh, narco-traffickers as Robin Hoods, uh, powerful men who laugh at authority and give back to their communities. But is that really true, you know? Uh, what's the reality and what's the fiction? But it sounds like uh, narco culture came out uh, in September, or let's see, uh, in November of 2013, and I'm not sure how it did, but it's another interesting article, so I'll link to it in the show notes. And that's it for the show. Uh, interesting, interesting. Uh, what a wonderful TV show this Breaking Bad is, huh? And I'm really enjoying metastasis. All right, I think that's it. I want to thank uh, I want to thank everyone for their lovely participation this week. I want to thank Summer for the email, Laura P for the email, Tom for the email, Brittany for the email, uh, December for the Twitter e- Twitter mail. Uh, also on Twitter, we heard from a bunch of new people on Twitter. It was so it was so lovely, Casey. Uh, Dan, David B., uh, Mary Beth. I heard from da- another David Ski PB or something. I said, is that, is he, is that Mr. Pibb? I don't know if that's the real Mr. Pibb or not. I don't think so, but that's David, another David. Katie S., Brooke R., we heard more from our buddy Drop Point. 
He's working on a podcast. Uh, I got to check out David's music. Also working on getting ready to promote uh, our buddy Tara. Tara, yeah, who just moved. Uh, You know, other longtime participants, Billy, uh, Jill RM was talking about Oris, 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 Oris. That's what they should call him instead of R. You say, oh, maybe I guess that's it when you're doing good. You say, well, how's your Oris? It's more like an Oris right now. Uh, Kim M and I were talking, or Kim, Kim L and I, excuse me. We're talking. We're talking about M Musketeers and Musky Poo. I almost tweeted at Musky Poo, but I said, "Geez, I don't want to get on his bad side because I need his two. You know, his high speed. Two, uh, I say, put high speed rail aside. I want to travel by convec- convection and vacuum. No doubt about it. Also, want to talk say hi to John S, who who's in the middle of uh, adjusting to living in Florida. Over on Facebook, I want to thank Brandy ES for talking about the podcast. Lauren Alexandra, Chrissy D, Lori C, Mary Beth, Rachel M talking about the podcast. Thank you. All right, over on iTunes, we got a bunch of iTunes thank yous. Holy cow, this goes to another page. Uh, I want to thank Amelia's mommy, who says uh, she's addicted to uh, sleep with me. And you can toss the sleeping pills. Thank you, Amelia's mommy. Say hi to Amelia for me. I don't know. And if it's Amelia Bedelia, say, I know, you know, I'm not familiar with your work, but one day maybe I will be. It says, Amelia Bedelia, and I know I've gotten in trouble with this on this podcast before, the nanny or the little girl in the raincoat. Because I always get those two mixed up. She was like a French girl, or they were going to see the Louvre. And I always say, is that Amelia Bedelia? And then the kids kids love this, even when it's not material, which it isn't right now. But little kids will think you're doing material. They'll say, no, it's the nanny. And I'll say, oh, is is she a nanny or maid or, 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 you know, personal servant? Do you think she's got a retirement plan? Did the family give her a retirement plan? She solves mysteries? Okay. What about the mystery of her uh, health care? Anyway, sorry, Amelia. I didn't mean to go nuts out there, but I do that. But thanks for the support of the podcast. Uh, cheese it this. Cheese it this. Cheese it this. I wish I had a song for that. I'm not songy tonight for some reason. But cheese it this says we're the Bob Rossa podcast. Holy cow. Mix of marginally interesting and mind-numbingly boring. Only complaint is that I make uh, Cheez-Its uh, uh, chuckle before bed. As long as you don't have any Cheez-Its in bed, unless you prefer that, you say, well, that relaxes me. The uh, salt and the uh, fake cheese is so good for my skin. I say, well, you might be on to something, except for, you know, gluten and flour allergies, maybe. But thanks, Cheez-It. And then another celebrity, o- OMG Donatello. Uh, out of all my here favorite, you know, that's my favorite hero in a half shell is Donatello, I think. Or is Donatello the one I don't, well, now I love, uh, Donatello, you are my favorite. You're the one that lets everyone else take the pizza first, I think. And the smart one. 
And they say it totally works, and they've never made it through one episode, so thank you. Then we have a review from Meep, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, uh, Yummy Sleepy Time. And I'll say there's a symbol, but I think they meant Meep, 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 Meep. So thank you, a Meep to you. And then uh, EC Savage 1, X Savage 1. Do you work for Beats 1? Because I'd like to get on Beats 1, you know, after midnight. You could, after midnight, Scooter's gonna bore you out. Hey, this is Scooter here, Beats 1, world, we're worldwide right now. Oh, no, we can't be because then people will be partying, and this is a boring. Beats 1.25, uh, not quite worldwide. We're worldwide everywhere where it's, you know, bedtime for non-partiers. Uh, okay, not beats one. Anyway, this is a thank you for Escaz uh, Savage One, who says we're excellent podcast for bedtime. Thank you so much, soothing and effective. And then Carl Randy seventy seven says we're a great podcast. Nice job, thank you, Carl Randy seventy seven. My brother's name's Carl, but he's not seventy seven. He wasn't born in seventy seven. But thank you so much. Thank you everyone for the reviews. If you want to write a review, go to sleepwithmepodcast.com slash iTunes. Or if you, like I said, I guess you can say, you could say, geez, I love this review. You can check something. I was looking at it. And you could say, yes, this review is helpful. So, so go tell some people the review is great, too. All right. Thanks so much. We have like an unofficial Facebook community you can join. You just go to sleepmovepodcast.com slash nods, N-O-D-S. Nods, I want to thank Chris Posty Posterson from Sounds Like an Earful, who does our music. He's got a podcast, Sounds Like an Earful. I want to thank uh, Scotty and Jennifer on our artwork. And let's get on with the show. What do you say? Uh, hey, you up all night tossing, turning, mind racing, trouble getting to sleep, trouble falling asleep. Well, welcome. This is Sleep With Me, the podcast that's here to put you to sleep we do with a bedtime story all you need to do is get in bed turn out the lights and press play i'm going to do the rest and if this is your first couple, couple of times here like to, what i'm going to do is create a safe place where you can set aside whatever's been keeping you up at night whether that's what's running through your brain what your body's doing what your feelings are doing whatever's keeping you up whether it's thinking, stress, pain, you know, some sort of uh, emotional turbulence, whatever it is, I'm going to try to take your mind off it. I'm going to use lulling, soothing tones. I'm going to use pointless meanders. I'm going to use, you know, pregnant pauses, like a vocal thing, whatever I just did. And that wasn't even on purpose, believe it or not. And that's why I'm saying, geez, I was born to bore, you know. And uh, I'm gonna just try to. I'm gonna try to come over. I'm gonna be your friend, and I'm gonna try to take your mind off of things. Uh, but the catch is, and this is the good catch: why this podcast works for some people. No, no commitment or effort on your part. So I'm, it's kind of like a friend's coming over. But in a lot of cases, you know, you say, "Geez, you're coming." That means they gotta like uh, at least pick up the like the piles in the living room. And, oh, man, is it, do I have to offer this person a cold beverage, or can I just give you some that you can, I mean, it is my best friend. And I see, just, just, well, how long are they going to be here? Because I really was looking forward 
to, uh, you know, j- just wasting some time on the Internet. And I can't really do that if there is. So all of those concerns, they say, geez, I just like to lie in bed and stare at the ceiling for a while. And I know you're coming over, so I'm going to come over. You know, I'm going to reach my voice and my hand across the deep, dark night here. And I'm going to come over just like a friend, but geez, you don't got to, you don't got to make me anything. You don't got to talk to me. You Here's the best part. You don't really even have to listen to me. You just kind of listen. You don't even need to mostly listen. And there, I won't try any tricks. Obviously, it's a podcast, so I won't stop and say, hey, are you listening to what I'm saying? And this is not possible except for the government to tweet at you tomorrow and say, hey, what, what color was uh, Brenda's vest? They say, who the hell is Brenda and what the hell vest is he talking about? Or like, who, what was your favorite character? And then you don't, you don't have to go through the awkward thing of making it or feel, any feelings. You, none of that's going to happen on this podcast. You don't even need to be aware. You know, obviously you say, just turn it on. But after that, you just let my lulling, soothing tones. I'm still trying to come up because it's not active listening. It's not passive, reflective listening. There it is. We got it. You know, it's unavoidable if the podcast is on. My my sound waves are going to hit your eardrums. Just reflect. They're going to be reflecting. Your brain may or may not process them. But you don't got to worry about keeping, you know, you say, Jesus, you don't, you know, don't try to make any sense of it. I had this squirrel metaphor all ready to go, and now I'm trying to figure out how to fit it in here. But you, like, so, and I guess I should because this is my dog. But so there's this squirrel, right? And that started living in the, the empty lot next door to my apartment building. And I'm pretty, you know, you can't really tell a squirrel's motivations, but I'm pretty sure the squirrel likes to give my dog a hard time. And my dog, you know, no one's ever sat my dog down and been like, Here, here's what a squirrel is, you know, it's not a threat, but it's also not a toy. Uh, and yeah, this squirrel's going to kind of make fun of you, seemingly make fun of you, do that stuff with its tail, you know, stay just out of reach, jump from tree to tree. You know, don't let it get to you. You know, no one sits down a dog and says that to you. And no dog that I know about would sit, you'd be, they would just stare, they'd be like, are you giving me some food? What are you talking about? I thought I heard you say treat at some point, but I have not seen any treats. And then your dog might say, "Okay, are you gonna pat my? You're gonna scratch my backside or what? Uh, here, I'll get. I'll, I'll turn around, and you're gonna. No, no, no. We're talking about the squirrel. You know, I don't want to just stress you out. And actually, I tried all that with my dog, and that's what happened. But and then I said, I tried. I, I, I tried to talk to the squirrel, but it just, you know, moved. But then I was watching the squirrel. I've been, you know, I've been trying to experiment with stuff for the podcast. I've been trying to, in the morning, in the evening, spend a little time just looking because I can't sit and meditate. So I've been doing a little bit of squirrel-tation, watching this squirrel. And the squirrel really looks like it's having a good time jumping from tree to tree and stuff. And so I said to myself, I said, geez, can you come up with a metaphor for this? Clearly, this is, I'm trying, uh... But at bedtime, it's kind of like sitting your dog down. There's like all these thoughts in your brain. And they're, they're kind of like both the squirrel and the dog. There's thoughts of you jumping around like the squirrel. Then there's other thoughts in your head like the dog, either trying to bark at the squirrel. 
or shake the fence. So squ- and the squirrel's like, I'm not falling off this fence. And then you're like, I'm trying to freaking go to sleep. And then the squirrel's like, well, I'm going to be bouncing around all night. I've got so much energy. This is great. And for some reason, a lot of us, not all of us, lack the power. I know I do. And I think it's because it's just an internal thing. We can't just sit everybody down and say, okay, you know, parent, brain, you know, brain bot, parent, brain bot, you know, conference or whatever. Let's all sit down and talk. Just like trying to sit down with a dog and a squirrel, you know, which I, like I said, I tried. It went, you know, badly. And I even designed a little chair for the squirrel. And then the squirrel just knocked it down. I said, why'd you do that? And if I'm sure if the squirrel could talk, it'd be like, I don't know what the hell you're, I'm a squirrel, dude. Like, what the hell are you talking about? I said, well, I made you this chair. And he said, well, right now I'm just a projection of your mind. But just so you know, I don't know what the hell a chair is, okay? And I'm just running around jumping here. And I actually, this is what I'm doing independent of your dog. And I said, wait a second, what? You're not harassing my dog. I have this whole narrative going about you and my dog, and then my and you, my dog, I think, has her own narrative. And he'd be like, no, 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 I'm a squirrel. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I got like four brain cells in here. You know, I'm looking for nuts, I'm eating nuts, and then the rest of the time I'm having a great time. And they say, wait a second, they, they, say, they say, you don't worry about anything? No, no, I don't worry about nothing. I'm a squirrel. Well, what about the nuts? I got the, you know, my medulla to do that worrying and actually, I don't worry. I got nuts or I don't. I, you know, I eat them or I don't. I store them, and I eat them, and I try to go get more. And that's why I live in California, bro. Plenty of nuts, or, you know, other stuff. Uh, but, but I don't know. You really, one, you can't have conversations like that with a squirrel. Two, it's rare that I can have a reasonable conversation like that with a projection of my mind to project it onto a squirrel. Three, at bedtime, especially when you're tired, you need to get to bed. All that's out the window. Uh, so taking all of those things into account, this is the podcast tries to do what I just did unintentionally, was to take your mind off of whatever's going through your brain and then siphon it off to a squirrel and a dog and me trying to make sense of it. Like a little distraction so you don't think about what's going on with you. You don't think about what has you up worrying. Instead, you just kind of pay attention to me. The rest of the worry worry parts of your brain are kind of like, well, this guy's got the worst metaphors I've ever seen in my life. And I would say, yeah, keep an eye on me. Keep an eye on me because I got more coming, maybe. Uh, so that's it. I want to over-explain it because I already got lost in something there. And that's what happens during the episode. But the, but the other side of it is if you can't sleep, if you say, geez, I'm trying this podcast, I kind of like it. I don't, I don't dislike you. I'll be here. I'll be telling a story. Uh, I'll be I'll be doing my best to amuse and soothe and have a little fun. See where it goes. Just like in the mornings and the evenings when I'm watching that squirrel. You know, my dog gets irritated, and when it becomes a projection, and I try to discuss things with the squirrel. You know, when it messes up my chair I made for it, I can get irritated. But sometimes I can just kick back and watch that squirrel in the tree. And I would say, who the hell needs the Dalai Lama? No offense, you know, Mr. Lama. I probably do need you in double time. But I would say, yeah, I'm not good at this breathing. You know, I can focus on a squirrel. I can't focus on my breath. Oh, that's the straight, straight honest truth. Uh, so if, and I'm glad, I'm glad you came by. You know, try this podcast out for a few times. Obviously not for everybody. 
Zeji said, I thought this was a guided meditation. He's talking about a squirrel in a tree. Yeah, well, it's a misguided meditation, you know? There you go. There's another made-up, you know, we got reflected listening and misguided meditations here, and we got them galore. So I hope I help you fall asleep. I'm glad you're here, and that's what I'm going to try to do. And if I can't help you fall asleep, I'll be here to accompany you, you know, through the next hour of your night. And try to soothe you, try to calm you down, make you smile. And, uh, you know, maybe we'll have a little fun. Who knows? All right, thanks for stopping by. All right, everybody, it's a trending Twitter Tuesday. It's been a while since we've, you know, had a tr- official trending Twitter Tuesday. And I said, Jesus, I guess with me being out of town, I said, tonight is time for a trending Twitter Tuesday, if I've ever heard of one. And it feels like return to the roots, because last year at this time we were doing uh, trending Twitter Tuesdays on Sunday, and now it's Sunday again. And we're doing and we're doing trending Twitter Tuesday. Let's see what the day is. So it's September 20th. So you'll probably be hearing this in about a week and a half. Oh, I forgot what time it was. Shoot. I think it's, I want to be done recording at seven. So it's probably like six something or seven. And I'm just starting the tale. Yeah, bad news. Six, six forty-five, but that's fine. So, uh, uh, so I got my trends here and actually I, I wrote them. I did a little P and P action. I wrote them on a. So I paused it and I put them on a little card. And if you're out there and you listen, you say, "Hey, when I, I want to be a part of this trending Twitter Tuesday, just uh, do do something on Twitter, a picture, a saying, something goofy, and just put pound Silvertone hashtag. Oh no, the Silvertone uh, hashtag the Silvertone, and I'll get it and I can use it in the show. And I know tonight's Emmy night, uh, and. A lot of people watch award shows to relax. I think Andy Sandberg is hosting, and he's a very likable, funny guy. I like him a lot. I uh, probably have a, you know a little twinge of jealousy. And I know someone that went to high school right around the same time as him. I think maybe they went to the same high school. Or maybe my friend went to Oakland Tech. I think Andy went to Berkeley High. Uh, but you know, all reports are that he's a great guy. And I think I saw one thing about the Emmys, because uh, I don't know a whole lot about the Emmys. I know John Ham's hoping to win, and I know Modern Family usually wins. And I think that's the extent of my Emmy. But I know Andy Samberg said, well, geez, he likes to watch award shows, so he's happy to be doing an award show. And I hear great things about his show, Brooklyn Five, Brooklyn Nine Nine, or Brooklyn Five Five. Uh, but it's, you know, I say, well, geez, I, I've been trying to relax more, you know, trying to figure out all this stuff, life stuff. And I said, oh boy, I gotta, I gotta do some serious unwinding. And I know, I know, maybe a decent amount of you are new to the podcast, so you might be like, well, how does a boring man relax? How does a boring man unwind? Or you might say, well, how is this scooter, you know, his scooter's intriguing, you know, this is interesting. And they say, well, how does, I want to know more. Tell, tell us about yourself. What do you do for fun? Well, I have a dog. Her name is Koa, K-O-A. Lovely, lovely dog. Brown nose, pit bull, mix, maybe. And sometimes you might hear her get out of, you know, she she's kind of got the, they say the dog and the owner. So she may have some, you know, neuroses related to being my dog, which includes, like, you know, getting in and out of bed uh, and uh, 
nibbling on her paws. But we're also best friends, you know. Would you say, how do you get a neurosis? Well, unfortunately, I'm best friends with this nutty human. And, uh, so, you know, they say, well, geez, what do you guys like to do for fun? What is it? What does a boy and his dog like to do? Well, our, you know, our main hobby is listening to knocks. You know, nothing better than a weekend night. And people talk about the different communities on the Internet, the different pastimes where you can find... Uh, compadres, people that share your enthusiasm, fellow enthusiasts, you know, hobbyists that say, geez, I'm into this rare thing, and how can I, you know, or or some business people say, well, geez, you could exploit that by, you know, creating a niche or whatever the hell they call it. And me me, me, me and Co. were part of a niche uh, enthusiast group of people called, we're knock listeners, and you might say, well, what is that? And some of you listen before this might be recycled. Uh, but it's pretty simple. You know, we're, we're, you know, they talk about radio and podcasting being theater of the mind. Well, let me tell you, listening to Knox, real world Knox, RWKs as we call them. Uh, and, and this brings up another subject of the other, you know, other knock enthusiasts. I would say me and Co are dipping their toe, our toes into that, but let's cover, you know, you kick back and you get, you know, you say, geez, you go on one of these sites, you know, knock sharers, and, you know, I don't want to, that's a made up name, clearly, where people exchange knocks. And I prefer myself hard knock copies, you know. Because then you know it costs more money. And you say, well, geez, how do you know? Well, you have to trust. Or maybe it's something about the art and artifice, they say. The fact that the knocks come. And lately I've been getting by my knocks on cassette tape. Which, and they say, well, why don't you buy it on vinyl? I say, uh, hello, uh, reality check. How the hell are you going to record a knock on vinyl? And, you know, you've got people, just like any other into photography, you know, you know, anything. And say, just you've got people that say, well, I like my knocks recorded this way. I'm a digital, you know, I'm in the digital, whatever it is. I, you know, I'll take them as they can get them. But if I'm putting my hard-earned money down, it's for, for, for hard knocks, like uh, hard, hard knock copies. And for a while, it was you know, when I first got into it, it was tapes, and then it was CDs, then it was digital sharing, then it became like, well, I think I, you know, I think I'd rather get the, the CD copy because then someone might put, you know, a little story on the cover, or any come, you know, or stories, or people do artwork, or they just wrap it, or they have their secret knack names, or they're not, and I'm not going to share my secret knack name with you, or my dogs, you know, it's not Knack Master 2000, because obviously, you know, someone already had that, uh, but, but anyway, uh, what was I going to say, I think I had a point. So we, what do you do? Oh, that's what it is. We, you know, we sit and we listen to the knocks. And I'm sure some of you are spitting up your milk and cookies right now and laughing, and that's fine. I know it's a different thing. But there's ways that you say, well, Jesus is soothing, different knocks and different ways. You know, and you can, people will say, well, geez, I prefer this type of knock or this type of knock. And I'm a random knocker. I say, geez, give me some knocks. 
ideally give me a subject or a geographical location. And if you, you know, if you can, could include some pictures so I can say, well, geez, it was a dark, you know, dark and misty night and then listen to the knocks. I don't know. I think it's something in my lizard brain or something in my, you know, Neanderthal. And they said, well, geez, people didn't knock back then. And I said, well, I don't know. It soothes me. I think about the stories. I think just beyond that door, there's someone knocking on the door. Now, clearly, this is a little bit of an illusion, you know, because we don't have I mean, a lot of the times, you know, people who are knocking for work will tape their knocks, you know, as a second stream of income. But then, you know, you'll get knocks and they say, well, geez, how good is this knock tour? That's what we call them, an actor. And, and and then there's a whole other thing. But let me finish this point about, you know, you think about who's knocking on the door, who's beyond the door. And maybe you don't even have to tell the story or think about the story, just the fact the story's there. And me and my dog will just look at each other, you know, kind of like a couple of, uh, I guess, philosophers philosophize. I don't know, has there ever been a cartoon philosopher dog? Because my dog could probably do that. But, you know, we don't have pipes or smoking jackets or a fireplace, so this is what we do. And, and we don't, you know, she's a dog, I'm a, a podcast guy. So it's not like we're talking about, you know, the human condition, but, we're, but we like to be close to it. I don't know if that makes any sense at all. And, you know, we had gotten these Eastern European knocks, and I had recently got some knocks out of Crone that a listener sent me, Crone, Germany. And I think that's close to the Black Forest, or there's more than one Crone, and it's K-R-O-N-E. And it was just so nice that, that they sent me those knocks. And it was, lo- and I said, well, geez, I was thinking about the Black, you know, it, it just unwinds me. And then uh, the other thing, knock tours, I want to get to that. There's like audio drama is this thing in podcasting or old radio. Uh, probably the most famous uh, podcast, I think, is like Thrilling Adventure Hour. I don't know if Night Vale is an audio drama or not. Uh, but, you know, those are like people, like a, a stage play for your ears, you know. And there is that like uh, fictional knocking where there's a story, and and I I would say, and some people might tell me to stop, but I would say it is an art form. Uh, sometimes maybe unintentional art, or some, but but to listen to someone constructing a story only via knocks, and I could tell you, see, some of you were like, "Wow, now I understand why you got a boring podcast." And I said, "Well, I'm not into the the the." the uh, uh, knock, I don't know. We don't. Uh, so they, some people call it Nakia drama, and I say that is the worst name. No wonder, you know, knock drama. And I say, don't knock it till you tried it. <laughs> uh, but there is something I appreciate about it, and I appreciate the effort. And then I'm curious, and I, but for me, it comes back to this uh, curiosity of like, well, what was the artist's intention? But then I always start to picture, like, geez, what time of day is it? That, you know, I come back to the moor. You know, what what was the season? What was the air like? What did the porch smell like? And you say, well, geez, all that from, and they say, well, no, no, you're not. It's just like you're dipping your toe. You know, I'd say, but I don't try it because I don't want to, you know, it's my thing. I don't need everybody getting into knocks and driving up the price. And, uh, you know, obviously, no offense to the world of humans, but I know 
there's a lot of hucksters out there. I don't need anybody, you know, saying, oh, I'm going to make a bunch of money off these knock enthusiasts and, you know, put out, you know, flood the market with crappy knocks or, you know, I got a digital, you know, if 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 you're saying, well, geez, I'm going to morph some knocks or something or, you know, remix it, that, that I, I could I could listen to that. But please don't exploit my love of knocks, you know. So that's an average evening. Now, one other hobby that I haven't let people in on that me and my dog had to go away. Because, you know, I get myself in trouble sometimes. And I was, you know, I was trying to say, geez, how else could we? And I said, one of my, me and my other dog's hobbies, and it's like, you're going to say this is weird too, broccoli races. And you say, I'm sorry, what? And I say, well, something I made up. So me and my dog may be the only people in the world that do this. And But we have broccoli races. And, and maybe races is the wrong word, which, unfortunately, it'll come to pay off of why uh, it's a wrong word. But my dog loves broccoli. And, you say, and that's the truth. She loves broccoli. She would eat it until she got sick, so I have to... I dole out the broccoli, you know, in, in safe amounts, and she 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 thinks it's a dog treat or a, a special thing, and that's a great thing because then it's like, well, I'm gonna eat some broccoli, you're gonna eat some broccoli. That's that's a good problem to have, and I think my dog probably prefers raw broccoli, but every once in a while we'll steam, you know, steam some and then put it in the fridge, and I said, well, geez, why should I just give you this broccoli? You know, if it's now dinner time, and she said, well, geez, come in, come on, I want some broccoli. So I came up with this great, you know, my dog loves to run very fast. And and she loves broccoli. So I said, well, I think I think of a broccoli races. So let's do it. And she said, wait, did you say broccoli and running? Let's go. And so my dog will sit, you know, say, hey, sit, sit. And then I'll put the broccoli all the way on the other side of the driveway. And we'll, you know, we got like a little parking lot behind our apartment building. So it's got some room. And then I'll say, go. And she'll throw herself, like, or her, she'll throw herself forward with such force uh, that, that it's just like, like, literally like she shot out of a cannon towards this broccoli. And she'll go at it like a million miles an hour. And then she'll eat the broccoli. Right, yeah, can you believe that? And then we'll do it again. And I call it broccoli races only because she she never slows down. I mean, she'll get tired after a while, but usually you can't give a dog so much broccoli, it would wear her out. And then I'll do it, you know, in smaller amounts, but, you know, her eyesight's not perfect or her smell or whatever. But I never, I, I, I said, geez, you, like, it's literally like she, sh- I don't even know how her body does it, but it's like, boom. And she goes at this rate, like, and I said, this for broccoli, huh? Uh, but that comes too close to, like, uh, broccoli racist, uh, broccoli racist. And so I was pitching someone on it because I said, well, geez, what if we work together here and we get a YouTube channel going? And they said, you should, and they said, well, what do you want to do? I said, broccoli races. And, and they said, oh, they said, well, this scooter, they said you were out there, man. And they said, broccoli races. And I said, yeah. And they said, all right, we'll, we'll start working on it. And I said, well, I, it's done. We just got to, I mean, there's no, like, you just do, you just do the uh, YouTube stuff. 
and and I said I'll do the I'll do the I can do the film and you do the editing and, the, and that crap. But I, I said and they said, well, can you explain it to me? And then they said, never mind, never mind. I think I, broccoli racist. And I said, broccoli racist, yeah, broccoli racist. Uh, so you can see where this is going towards disaster very quickly, but by because of the confusion. And then you'd say, well, Jesus, how would your mind process that? Because you say, well, Jesus, did you see Scooter's live show? Yeah, he did about 45 minutes of broccoli races. And even if I said broccoli races, you say it would take you a while. You say, are you racing broccoli? I don't understand. You say, no, it's just my dog running for, well, that's a dog running for broccoli. It's not a broccoli race. And I say, yeah, but it's, a, it's more fun if you call it broccoli races. Uh, but so this guy got all sorts, and then it was like, whoever the hell that uh, got Growly Dream Giant works for, I think they got it mixed up. And I said, I, I said, I don't know anything to do with that. Once they found out, I said, no, no, no. And they said, well, it's got so much irony. And they said, you could do so. They said, you got to do it now, man. I said, no, no, I'm not. I said, it's racist. My dog just goes after the broccoli really fast. And I said, no, no, no. I, I said, I've hurt people already in my life. You know, I've been closed minded. And I said, I, I said, it's, it's not a, they said, it could be, it could be hurtful. And I said, I see what you're saying. I said, I see the potential that you're seeing. But when you've seen a dog chase after broccoli with joy in its eyes, you know, you have to say no to broccoli races, racists. And I said, it kind of feels too cheap to be on. And then they, that was it. Me and that, that was a potential collaborator, collaborator, And I mean, luckily, like, it, it didn't become something. Like, I think there was this thing, pig gate or something. So it didn't become broccoli racist gate because, you know, I, I also have a, you know, a rougher side. So I said, you know, I told the guy, I said, if you use that, and I said, either one, I'll, you know. And he said, well, you're like a broccoli a-hole. And I said, this has nothing to do with broccoli, our bro you know. I said, I eat broccoli, by the way, so just imagine, you know. And he said, imagine what? I said, I, I have a bad attitude, so drop the broccoli. I've never, I believe it or not, I had to say that to my dog. She's never gotten in trouble where I've said, drop the broccoli. And you say, and maybe, I, I hate to, to reach too far, but do you think that's ever been said on the planet Earth to a dog, drop the broccoli? He said, well, probably. But uh, I said, Jesus, if you could teach you, it would probably be best one of those frozen blocks of broccoli. Uh, but anyway, back to the Knox. That's just another hobby that, that, that we do, broccoli races. And so, say, geez, you got to know me there. But it wasn't that long ago where I said, it was just this past weekend where I said, man, we got to relax. I, I, I've got too much worrying. And I need to be in the moment. I need some knocks, Koa. We got to load up some new knocks. And I had, you know, I had just this thing with those chrome knocks that someone had sent me. And we put those in the tape layer, and we were listening, and, it, oh, we had the extra tape layer hiss. And even the person that did it said, flip over, the, you know, at the end of the first side. It was good. And they, those, they say, well, Jesus, how do you know it was legit knock? They say, well, we have a, a thing, the WWE knock. 
and I say the worldwide enthusiasts of knocking, you know, of knocks, WW Enoch, and the head is called the Enoch. But so there we were, listening to knocks, and ju- just like what always happens is that, you know what I say, I get, I get some, I get into the moment, and then there's a knock at the door, a real, you know, a real world knock, RWK as we, we call them. And so I go to the door and I say, oh, geez, I wonder if it's, um, I say, I wonder if it's, what's his name about the uh, Spackle, the present hider, you know, or Spackle from the story, you know, maybe we're going to talk about present drops, which was an invention maybe we've worked on to say, you know, not save Christmas, just improve it, presents drops, uh, present drops, which I think the episodes are actually in the Sleep to Strange feed right now. Which is a simple solution, uh, presents that you drop out of a dropper and then they become regular size. Uh, you know, what do you call it? Like, uh, what do they call it when it's, uh, hanging in the solution? A present suspension, liquid present suspension or something. I don't know. We're working on it. Or hopefully, that's what I said. Maybe Spackle's got some prototype action. I open the door and there's a woman standing there. And it was a woman that seemed familiar, but I, I couldn't quite place her at first. A woman from my past, my, my distant past. And the name popped in my, in my head, Carol. And then I said, okay. And I went through a couple of Carols from, from when I was growing up. And then I said, no. And then I said, oh, God, it was my piano teacher. But she was the same age as when she taught me piano, which I would say, when she first started teaching me, she was probably 50. After teaching me piano, month one, 60. You know, however many years I took piano lessons without ever practicing, uh, because I'm a, ter- you know, whatever. Then she was, she, she was, uh, she was beyond aging because not, in, you know, it was the damage I did to her spirit and, you know, love of piano and so i said oh boy you know time to pay the piper so i was kind of speechless because i said and and she seemed uh slightly ethereal but not in a not she didn't look threatening and she never really did and i couldn't play but the thing was i couldn't think of her name i knew i think her first name was carol to be honest i don't even know and i said hello carol and she just kind of looked at me still and uh, she said, have you been practicing? And she, I said, at first she, she sat for a minute and then she laughed. And I said, I said, no, no, but I still know chopsticks. And that was, I think I've talked about piano before. And I was from six kids and I apologize to all my siblings that never got any music lessons because of me. But I was the oldest and whatever the experience, my parents said, well, "Let's get you get let's see, let's get this kid some piano lessons." They had, you know, and there was a lady that taught right on her street, uh, you know, at her house. So I, I don't know, you know, how much money I, my parents' money I wasted, and there was like a bunch of other kids that would take piano lessons from her, and she was a perfectly kind woman. She did her best with me. But I, I, I don't know. I, I have a problem with saying no. And I had no, like a lot of people, I said, well, geez, is this, could I play guitar if I do this? Oh, yeah, yeah. If don't, you, you'll be able to play guitar. 
uh, I think if you practice was a thing that got missed there. And, or if you like piano. And I said, geez, no one, every once in a while my dad would listen to classical music if he was driving somewhere on the weekend sometimes. Uh, but other than that, it wasn't like we were classical, maybe a little bit of classical music now and then. But So there was a disconnect uh, with the, but, but I don't know. He said, I mean, especially now, I mean, who would have known? Your parents said, Jesus, just have a kid do something boring. You know, piano's too flashy for him. You know, let him stick a Lincoln log in his mouth and stare at that thing. The squirrel. Well, you know, parents are always trying to help. And then they said, well, Jesus, we'll figure out this kid. And then we could get it right with the rest of the kids. And what they realized is piano's not for our family because, uh, and I also think maybe I did stuff to the piano itself, and I don't know where the piano came from or where it went. Uh, so I feel bad about that. But, but here I was, modern day, my piano teacher's standing there, Carol. And I say, what can I do for you? And I think I know her last name. I don't want to say it publicly, but I think I just remembered it. And she says, uh, Judy Garland wants to speak with you. And I said, oh boy. And I immediately knew because I had to call uh, uh, Ju- Ju- Julie Andrews, uh, Judy Garland, uh, for Dorothy. And I said, I hope that's. And I said, well, uh, I said, uh, well, I said, I don't even know if she's a miss or a missus. And I said, well, she has my apologies. And she said she would like to see you. And then the next thing you know, uh, she waves her hand. And a, I don't know the difference between a baby grand piano and a grand piano, but this was one of those big-ass pianos, like the dude from Mac tonight sang. And it was being care- it was suspended from these eagles. And I said, let's go. I said, I get to ride an eagle, eagle-bound piano. And my dog, just watching this whole thing, clearly wanted to get back to the Knox. I said, go, go ahead and listen to the rest of the Knox without me. I got a, I got a garland to deal with. And I could see how that'd be confusing for a dog. You say, geez, why do you need the eagle? You know, it wasn't propelled by eagles. It was carried by eagles. And, of course, as soon as we got up there, I started singing. I think that was a song from, they uh, carried on eagles' wings. I think that was a song I learned in church as a kid. It was Catholic church that I went to when I was a kid. Make you to shine like the sun. And then I, I sang, uh, you know, Wind Beneath My Wings. And I, I kept making jokes to the eagles, but they were really ignoring me, uh, obviously. They were giant eagles, of course. Clearly, they had a piano with a piano teacher and, and a former student. And I got to tell you, folks, if you ever get the chance to fly by piano, the, 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 is that an ebony sheen? to a piano reflecting the moonlight is like nothing you've ever seen. Like when you see the stars reflected in the wood of the piano and you're lying there with a woman you made weep and and probably have multiple nervous breakdowns, you forget to even apologize to that person or or you're so nervous and you say, uh, but anyway, you know, we look at the city, you hear the flap of the eagles, you feel, I felt like a character, you know, from one of those uh, movies, you know, with flying eagles, any of them. 
And, of course, I was doing, like, uh, Leo DiCaprio and Titanic-type stuff, like yelling. I don't know what I was yelling because I don't know what he yelled in that movie. But then it took a while, and I said, are we going to heaven? And I said, because I wasn't even clear if that was around. And they said, I guess it would be bare. I mean, I guess we're being carried below eagle's wings. And she didn't say anything. And they said, well, what is Mrs. Miss, what, 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 Judy? And she shook her head. I said, what does Miss Garland need with me? And she said, W-A-T-T-B-A. I said, W-A-T-W-A-T-B-A. And I said, does that have to do, is that a complicated way of apologizing? I said, I could have just written her apology letter and like thrown, you know, thrown in the ocean or something. But I said, if this is what offending uh, Judy Garland does for you, I said, she better watch out, you know, uh, because I have a podcast. I'm going to tell everybody about this right on the, and she said, she said, you'll tell no one. And I said, well, okay, so if I do, if I, if I, will I have to apologize? Will I have to go see Miss Garland, answer to Miss Garland again if I tell everyone about riding on the Eagle Bound piano? And she said, have you had, have you had enough fun? And I said, I, I said, no, this is great. And then I said, I was right. And she said, don't rock the piano, Andrew. And I said, oh, boy, we're right back at piano class again. And then I said, okay, Pa. And I said, listen, I'm, I'm sorry about um, the piano stuff. I said, I don't know what I was getting myself into with the pianos, and I should have said no. And I probably told a lot of lies to you and my parents. And I know my parents had these six kids, so they were really overwhelmed, and they, they didn't have any way to, to make sure I practice and I didn't have any intention of practicing ever. And I was like, I wish I would have learned that, uh, the pain and discomfort was just in my mind of doing. And I said, maybe it wasn't, you know? And I said, well, you were trying to make a living as a piano teacher. And I know it didn't seem like it was easy. And I said, by the way, you had the best cookies at the recitals because we had so many recitals, uh, you know, that I played chopsticks at, and then she started to cry, which had happened many times at my practices, so many times, because that was all I ever, I think I learned to play chopsticks and maybe one or two other things, and that was it. And then we're talking like four or five years of piano lessons, you know, kind of like therapy. It's like four or five years of therapy I've learned about my internal critic, and that's it. And then maybe a borderline personality. But, but I said, I'm sorry I didn't practice. I'm sorry. I said, I feel like this is deja vu, though, except with the eagles and the giant piano. But I said, W-A-T-T-B-A. I said, A. I said, I said well, is, is, is uh, Judy Garland mean? And I, said, and, and I said, I'm sorry. Like, my brain gets these things mixed up. Like I said... Luckily, right now, my brain's fire, and I know that Joan Crawford, Julie Andrews, and Judy Garland are different people right now. I mean, I said, you know who should play Judy Garland? Emma Thompson. What do you think about that? What do you think? And she cried some more. And I said, well, I'm used to this. You know, I said, uh, I said, it shouldn't be something new. I said, is there a, I said, well, she's not Dorothy, right? So it doesn't have anything to do with Wizard of Oz stuff. I said, is L. Frank Baum involved? And she, 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 she had stopped crying. I said, that was kind of a joke, but is he involved? 
And I don't know if there was an Al Frank in there. So that might have been. And I said, you know, he's from Chenango, New York, where we're, you know, not that far, just hours away from where we're from. But this was mostly just because she was crying. I was trying to think of stuff. And at one point I got the e- one of the eagles. And I said, hey, pay attention. You're flying this freaking piano here. You know, this is not your business. And then the eagle kind of glared, you know. And I said, you guys know anything about Judy Garland? Because I don't know the first thing. And I said, I know she has a beautiful voice. And I said that real loud just in case Judy Garland was like listening in. And I said, what would you have done if I didn't answer the door? I should have just got, I said, said, are you a spirit, uh, Carol? And then she was crying. I said, and I said, well, this isn't a dream because it's, it's too sweet to be a dream. And I said, and I feel too, I said, I said, your dream, your tears are too real to be a dream, right? Is this a dream? And she cried some more. And I said, uh, I said, only one way to tell if it's a dream. And then I hopped on the piano. I played chopsticks and I messed it up. I said, it's been a while. But I said, okay, okay, I said, I'm sorry, Carol. I, I said, Carol, I'm so sorry. I, I was just a child. I don't know what I was doing. And to be honest, I've repeated these mistakes my whole life. Of, uh, And I said, but I'm trying to change. And I said, could you just give me one thing to help me deal with? I said, is, is she going to yell at me? And I noticed we were passing through some clouds. And I was still like... Uh, I said, well, Jesus, I said, obviously we're not going to heaven. I said, I, I don't think we're going to heaven. And, you know, when you start uh, doing this stuff, you say, well, Jesus, where the hell are we going? Uh, and I said, these, you know, those eagles were real. And I said, is this a, and I said, you know, what I could use right now is uh, Richard Dawkins. He wrote all his books that I didn't read, just like he didn't practice piano. If he, if he was here, at least I'd be able to bounce some ideas off him. I guess like Sam Harris might be, I said, but she said, I don't have his number or anyway, don't know him. And he, he, I said, speaking of which, somebody I could use as a backup on the sleep podcast, very uh, lulling, soothing voice on that guy. And hopefully I didn't get his name wrong. So then it's now I've got him and Garland against me. But I say, Carol, can you say, because clearly the Eagles, they started circling this giant, uh, cloud, and I said, crap, I wish I didn't know where to hide because there wasn't any trees or anything. It was just like it looked like a cloud landing pad. And I said, Carol, can you just please tell me anything? And she said, W-A-T-T-B-A. And I said, uh, and then I said, is that some trick, trick about the G flat? Or uh, I said, all dogs eat bones. All dogs go to camp to eat bones. No, good boys each eat fuzz, fudgicles, right? And she said she was she she didn't even cry anymore. She was, and I said I'm not kidding. I said every good dog deserves a bone. Every good dog has fur. And I said I know it's not W A T T B A. Oh boys, and I said what the hell is it? And I said oh man, oh. And then she just walked off. She just hop, hopped off the piano, landed. She hopped off the piano. The uh, Somehow the, the eagles shed their uh, harnesses, and the 
Harness has just floated the earth so gently and dreamily that I, uh, I thought, I said, well, that was nice. And then Carol was gone. And I said, W-A-T-T-B-A. And then I was just kind of sitting there. And I, didn't feel, I said, man, I said, uh, I really don't know what to expect here. And then nothing, no one came. And then I was hitting the piano. I'm so terrible at it. It just sounded horrible. And it kind of reminded me of the futility of dealing with that situation. I said, well, there's nothing I can do about the piano right now. Uh, that's far in the past. I said, well, I could try to deal with this Judy, Judy Garland situation, though. And I said, geez, I wish I knew if she was dead or alive, and Julie Andrews. And, Joe, and I said, well, at least I know... The lovely, and I said this, I said, well, at least I know I'm not in trouble with the lovely Joan Crawford, the, you know, wonderfully, uh, you know, so nice from everything I've heard about her, uh, Joan Crawford. And then that kind of put me at ease because then I pictured Julie Garland's face and I said, well, she seems so nice. And she used to talk to Toto so nicely. And then I noticed I was sitting on the, uh, piano bench just swinging my legs, you know, my back to the piano. Because I said, well, geez, that's in the past. I have to leave it in the past. But then I noticed the uh, uh, piano bench was moving downhill. And I said, oh, boy. He said, I'm in a cloud and I'm moving. And then it was picking up speed and then I was holding on to it. And then it was going over bumps. And I said, okay, somebody's having fun with me. And then it hit a bump, and I tumbled head over heels through a cloud, rolling over, and I said, okay. He said, maybe I'm in a dream. Okay, maybe I'm in a dream. And they said, W-A-T-T-B-A. And I said, B-A Baracus? What Baracus? What Baracus? And then I, like, next thing I know, I landed on a cloud. And then I sat up, and I said, okay, wait. what?" And I said, the why thing didn't help me. But I said, I was saying all that nice stuff about the Lollipop Guild. And I said, that's who helped her get her start. I could use a little help here as I landed on some landing pad. I said, it was a, I said, can I get a Lollipop Guild? Nothing. I said, is anyone here uh, to represent the Lollipop Guild? And there was nothing. And I said, wait a minute. I said, what, what material did I do? on?" I said, well, you know, what do you guys make lollipops? Sell lollipops. And then I started doing some. And I said, well, this is an empty spot. And I said, follow me. And I said, well, that's probably. I said, well, Jesus, that open source jet or whatever they call it. Follow the yellow brick road. Follow the clouds, you know. Follow, follow, because all I want to do is help Judy Garland with and find out what she needs, yo. And then when I said yo, uh, someone said it with me. And I looked across the cloud, and who was standing there but Drake? And yeah, I mean the famous Drake. And then I said, okay. And then next to Drake was this guy, Super Dave Osborne, who was also on Curb Your Enthusiasm. I'm not exactly sure of his actual name. He was also on Arrested Development, and I think his real name's Dave Osborne, but I'm not positive about that. But I said, Drake and Dave. And I said, do you guys my lollipop guild? 
and they they just scuffed. And they said, what the heck is this? Oh, I said, lollipop guild told, I said, what am I supposed to do, boys? And they said, W-A-T-T-B-A. And I said, I'm not sure what that means, guys. I said, do you have anything simpler that's not uh, cloaked in mystery, like like a yellow brick road? Like, follow the yellow brick road. And they they said, no. And I said, do you have a song like Drake? Is, uh, is, is, come on, Drake, uh, what, uh, what, 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 and I said, she's, I don't know, I said, uh, I said, who's Drake, I said, Drake, who are you feuding with right now, are you, are you one of your, you, don't you got a lot of feuds going, and I said, I never would have thought that, I said, I'm so lucky to have you and Super Dave Osborne as my, uh, my lollipop guild, but I said, I don't know where to start, I need your help. I need both your help to help Judy Garland. Or I said, is this some sort of, uh, I said, I just got Judy's name mixed up. And I said, I don't understand. I said, could we call back the the Eagles or something? And Drake said, why don't you lie down, man? And I said, you said that like kind of aggressively. I said, so that makes me, you know, not want to trust you. And he said, and then Super Dave said, lie it down. You know, take a rest. And then they started just like humming, uh, I guess like a doo wop songs. Oh no, it was, uh, mm, bop, mm, 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 but they were doing it like a two man doo wop group or, uh, mm, bop, 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 yeah. And it was so good. Boom, bop, 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 boom, bop, chibi chop, chop, tube, top, 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 tube, yeah. And I think I said, that's a Hanson song. That's a W-A-T-T-B-A. And then I noticed that clouds were gathered around me like a mummy sleeping bag. And they were so soft. And I said, this is not going to resolve itself, huh? Without, uh, they said, I'm being, I said, just hours ago, I was listening to the Knox and trying to undo the mess of Broccoli Racist versus Broccoli Racist. And I said, you guys should put this on Apple Music, because they're still doing a meme. Bop, 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 beam, bop, shimmy, shop, shop, see, sop. And I said, hey, can you get an A-sop, A-sop? So, and then I started singing along with them. It's got some fables. Sip, sop, sop, A-sop, and the Grimms, yeah. And then I kind of noticed I was falling asleep. I was drifting. The clouds were drifting. And I said, well, that'd be weird because this wasn't the part of the... And I said, well, why does it have to... And then I said, oh, boy. He said, I'm reducing Judy Garland just as one role. And I said, maybe I should just go to sleep. It's a wrong part in the story. Uh, in order to... You know, maybe I'll dream of whatever Wattabot or whatever. Ooh, Wattabot, Bob, Bob. It's not singing because of anything to do with the. And I said, well, no one's. And, and, and I said, oh, and I could just hear Drake and Super Dave. And Super Dave's got a very nice voice. One of the more parental uh, male comedy actors out there. 
And I just fell deep asleep on a cloud, a cloud of senselessness, I guess. And I guess I, I don't know what, what's going to happen next. But I know that Judy Garland wants me to fix it. And so we'll be back, I guess, next week to fix things with Judy Garland. Out here on the cloud. It's another trending Twitter Tuesday that went to a place up in the clouds on Eagle's wings or beneath Eagle's wings. They're so nice and flapping. And listen to Drake and Dave Osborne just singing. And they were dancing, and it was kind of just jiggling the cloud just the right way. And I said, who would feud with you, Drake? Who would feud with you? And they said, well, maybe that's somebody else. They said, maybe, they said, I would never feud with you. And then, then I think there was, then I started dreaming. I said, okay, so that was real. This because then it was like me, Drake, and Super Dave Osborne and Judy Garland on the family feud. And I said it was, but Richard Dawson, not Dawson. Maybe it was Richard Dawkins. And I think there's a Richard Dawkins who plays football too. So I don't know if it was the, the philosopher or the writer or, uh, but he said, it's time for the feud. And I said, no one is, why do they call it the feud? And Richard Dog, I said, Richard, can I get uh, one of those, I hate Tootsie Pops, but I want to try to find a hundred dollar bill. And they said, it's, he said, it's time for the feud. And then I went up to the stand and I said, well, she said, I guess I fantasize about being on this show. And I said, but this is, you don't host it anymore. I said, uh, I said, it's, uh, it was like, is Steve Harvey still hosting this or is somebody else hosting it now that he's, you know, he's hit a new level of fame. And I said, isn't Wayne Brady doing a game show too, like Drew Carey and Wayne Brady? I said, what about the other guys from that show? Yeah, whose line is it anyway? I know Greg Greg, and never mind, I can't say it. I know a couple of them are on huge podcasts, but. Anyway, I said, uh, they said, and I said, I will not be, I'm not here to feud. And then we, and I was feuding with Richard Dawkins, believe it or not. And then I said, I said, could I go? And then they wouldn't let me go back. They said, and I said, I, I can't, and I said, I knew it was a dream. Because they said, what's our family name if it's Drake, Judy? And then we went back to the part where you're in the, before the show starts, at least at one point, they had the families and they would show them in silhouette. And then I saw Judy Garland in a silhouette with Dave Osborne on a dirt bike. And Drake was singing. And I said, aren't I supposed to be there? And then I then they said, first up on the board, W-A-T-T-B-A. Survey says we asked, you know, 100 people, W-A-T-T-B-A. And I said, this is totally a dream. And then I just curled up on the thing, and I put my head on one of the buzzers, and I went to sleep. And I said, I'm no, I don't want any part of any feuds at bedtime. Good night, Mr. Dawkins. And then I fell asleep, believe it or not, deep, deep asleep, on a cloud, in a dream, within a strange event, to be continued soon. Good night.
And then over on Twitter, I want to thank uh, Misconduct for spreading the word about this show. Lasso Tabasco for saying hi. Dan H. Aaron. Aaron. And Casey G. And then over on Facebook, I want to thank Maggie, David, Jess H., Justin, Laura, Billy V., uh, Caleb, Julie C., Alexandra. Uh, Thank you all so much for saying hi and sharing the podcast. And then over on, uh, what do you call this? Oh, oh, this is YouTube. I'm still learning the ins and outs of YouTube updates and stuff. But I had a wonderful, wonderful interaction with Silly Pinky. I think, Silly Pinky, who said, geez, so that was wonderful. Thank you. And then I heard from Mine F and Vain Glory, too. I want to thank them. And then over on iTunes, if you have a chance to review the podcast on iTunes, it'd be great. Just go to sleepwithmepodcast.com slash iTunes. Uh, but holy heck, I got a lot of people to thank. Thank you so much. I want to start out with Big Head 54 I don't know. We we got one review from a big head. I don't know if this is a different big head or if this is an update, but big head 54 says this podcast goes great with cannabis. And I would say Jose Miguel probably agrees with you and boring in all the right ways. If you got to be boring, right, it's got to be in the right ways. Ideally. Thank you, big head. And, uh, uh, looking forward to season three of Silicon Valley. And then Sandman 0838, great way to sleep. Sandman, that's it. I can retire. If the Sandman listens to this podcast, that's about to, oh, maybe it's it's one of the Sandman's brain bots, so the 0838's a giveaway. So one of the, part of Sandman's brain listens every, almost every night. Only thing is that sometimes the opening music wakes Sandman up. But maybe that might be an earlier earlier shows though to Sandman. But email me and let me know. Or check out Sleep to Strange. Oh boy, he just keeps uh, Heidi One Hundred Two. I think I used to listen to Heidi One Hundred. You're listening to Heidi One Hundred Two, where the rock keeps rocking. That's Heidi One Hundred Two point. Well, that was One Hundred Two point something. But Heidi says we're the best podcast ever. That's so nice. Can't make it through a podcast, uh, but Scooter understands. Thank you. Uh, Then we got a nice review from Joe F., who says the podcast is brilliant and amazing. Wow. And they've been listening to a month to clear their head and drift off. And they listen to the day, uh, the, 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 during the day to, you know, say, geez, well, some people like these stories. Scooter must put a lot of work into it. And I do, you know, to, to dull you or to keep you company. Or like maybe Joe F. was one of the people who said, well, geez, I got to watch, watch some paint dry. So, so that's great. Thank you. Then we got another review from Swice Girl. So nice. I said it twice. They just set that up. So you thank you, Swice Girl. That was so nice. I'll say, I'll do the joke twice. Or that was so nice. I'll do the Swice joke thrice. <laughs> oh, thank you. You will sleep so begins. A calm voice. Favorite is the after the glass slipper. It usually takes 10 minutes to fall asleep. And thank you. So Swice Girl says, give it a try. Thank you. And then Craig Project says, thank you. Scooter has been listening for months. I wonder if this is, uh, which, I wonder which Craig this is. 
because we got multiple. No- There's a lot of nice Craig's that listen to this podcast. Maybe one day Craig Mason will listen to one of my heroes, but uh, this is Craig Projects, who's, as you know, quiets the anxious mind and helping Craig through some stressful nights from work. And that's exactly the, you know, reason to do the show. So thank you, Craig. And I hope, he's pro- I hope your projects, as long as they're for good or for, you know, you see, whatever your projects are, I hope they work out good for me and you. And for everybody else, you know, we'll see. So thank you. And thanks, everybody, for taking time to review the show. And let's get on with the show. What do you say? I want to thank Scotty and Jennifer. Jennifer, who I heard from this week. Uh, it was good to hear from Jennifer. And she she, uh, she was noting my friend that I used the French spelling for discipline. And I said, ooh, fromage, oui, oui, I did. Uh, so Jennifer and Scotty, they do, they're on our artwork. They're, they're lovely people. I want to thank them. I want to thank Chris Posty Posterson, who does our music. He's over at Sounds Like an Earful. That's his podcast. Check that out. Hey, are you up all night tossing, turning, mind racing, trouble getting to sleep, trouble falling asleep? Well, welcome. This is Sleep With Me, the podcast that's here to put you to sleep. We do with a bedtime story. All you need to do is get in bed, turn out the lights and press play. I'm going to do the rest. And what I'm going to do is create a safe place where you can set aside whatever's been running through your brain, racing through your brain. Whatever physical things might have you up tossing and turning, whatever emotional rigors have you sighing or, you know, causing, what do they they call that, the thing in between your eyebrows? You know, I'm going to try to create a safe place where you can stop thinking, you know, feel feel distracted from your body and defurrow your brow. You know, and maybe say, well, maybe I'll just uh, one last sigh. Let's get one, let's do a communal, uh, metaphorical sigh, you know, whether you want it to be aggressive, passive, aggressive, you that was more, that was a kind of a weary sigh. You say, well, the scooter's teaching acting now. Oh, yeah, where at? Uh, communities, you know, uh, corner, uh, community corner, they call, he calls it the community corner. Uh, but, the, you know, according to the property owner, it's not, but he, yeah, he teaches acting there. Oh, really? What kind of, he teaches, uh, I forgot, he tried to think up a fancy title and then he forgot it about size. The many sizes scooter. No, that doesn't sound like a class anyone would. Well, no one did sign up for it. <sighs> I think that one blew out the mic, so I don't know. <sighs> blew out the mic. <sighs> scooter. That's Bob. Bob just sighed. It came from my subconscious and said. <sighs> That was a smiling sigh. I don't know if anybody caught that. So maybe a juicy bit. But is there is there a famous uh, Greek, you know, the porch of size? Isn't that something famous? But it was, you know, the, the porch of size. There was that Superman's second. Maybe that's where Superman went, you know, when him and Lois were having a relationship. He went from the fortress of solitude. They had the porch of size. Because if you imagine, Superman must have sighed a lot because he, he had an unlimited power, but, you know, 
Well, I guess I don't know that much about Superman except for the movies and some stuff, but, but you know, then he, did he have, he didn't have like an all seeing mind. So they would create a lot of side related situations where you'd be, oh, humans. Oh, I'd be, you know, I'm in love with Lois and Lana. And he'd be like, oh, Clark. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. So this is, but this is the podcast. I'm sorry. I'm glad you're here. I think I was trying to make a swift point there that I'm going to try to, I think we were going for a communal sigh and then I started doing, I got distracted. And that's the way the podcast works a little bit is I'm going to try to take your attention and pull it in. Ideally, I'm going to pull in at least initially most of your attention. And you're saying, well, geez, what's this guy doing? Because I, 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 I don't know, it seemed like he was going somewhere with the sighing, and now he's talking to me again. And hopefully the other parts of your brain are like, wow, this guy's really talking right to us. And I'm saying, yeah, I know you guys are on high alert, uh, but just listen to me. I'm going to try to tell a little story tonight about uh, Lady Witchbeard and a whole mess I managed to get her into. It would be her, her words, not mine. You know, all you brain bots can take off your thinking caps and put on your sleeping caps, or, you know, because I know you've all had a hard day. You're humans ready to sleep. But you guys listen to me. Let your, your human's going to say, well, I don't know about this movie. You say, well, it's not a movie, Joan. I say, oh, well, what, okay. Well, she, well, you know what? Well, yeah, you go to sleep, Joan. We'll pay attention to this guy. He's kind of a goofball. But he seems to love us. And I say, BrainBots, I love you guys. You know, I never take controversial stances on my podcast. And I don't think there's a You guys are doing your best and you got one of the hardest jobs in that brain. And, you you know, by nature, you're unappreciated. You know, because of your methods and stuff, you say, oh, man, you make humans sigh a lot. And I know all the rest of you parts out there. You So I got a whole story, a whole routine I'm going to do. But, you know, don't worry. I'm going to take your human. I'm sending my voice across the deep, dark night here. And I want you to listen to it. But, you know, hold it like it was putting in your hands, which is, you know, that's one of those paradoxical uh, uh, paradoxes. You say, well, geez, I can't hold pudding in my hand. And I would say exactly like, uh, but if I didn't say it like that, wouldn't be, be able to be turned into a metaphor. So this pudding is the pudding of my stories, which is neither solid nor it could go through any fingers or could go through all, but it's warm. It has lulling, soothing tones. It's a, cam- it's a chamomile warm chocolate pudding with some peppermint and other sleep-related stuff in there. Also some aloe vera for your hands as it drifts through them. You know, the story, so you don't have to grip the story. You could squeeze it and squish it. It'd feel pretty good. But, you know, just use that as an idea of what your attention could use. Okay, this guy, geez, that's an apt metaphor for his, because it is kind of like a, his stories are, scooter stories are a bit drippy. And you say, drippy like water? No, like putting in a hand. And then they would say, okay, uh, we're going to need you to come into uh, for an HR meeting tomorrow. And I would say, well, no, you know, Scooter, at least you're, you'll be rested for that meeting. And your brain bots will be, you know, so we'll be ready for it. But that's tomorrow. The key here is to get a, get a, get a, get a smile on your face. 
for you to you know, snuggle into your bed. All is well, Brain Boss. I'm going to hold you guys' hands, carry you ideally across the threshold of sleep, but for some reason you can't fall asleep. I put all my effort uh, to both keep myself critic at bay, but to, but to make sure there's a decent story ahead. Now, it's not going to be riven if you fall asleep, believe me. You know, you could re-listen to it tomorrow while, you know, if you're going to polish any shoes or iron some clothes or something, put it put it on then. But don't worry about missing anything. But if you can't sleep, I'll be here to escort you too. And that's it. I'm, you know, I'm, 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 I'm the master of the pudding story. That's it. All I want to do is, is help you fall asleep. You know, that, that's what I want. That's what I'm here for. And it's your first couple times here. Just try it, by guess that's enough for everybody I know. But I hope it helps you. And I'm glad you're here. Uh, and this usually then I say, and I, and I hope I help you fall asleep. So thanks for stopping by. All right, when we last left off, uh, on Tales of Lady Witchbeard, Germ, uh, that's uh, the narrator, had been turned into a goat, and Germ was trying to figure out the best way uh, to, to, uh, uh, like most narrators, and I totally botch the story when your narrator is a character in it. I don't know the word for that because it's not first or third person. It's like, uh, or maybe it is. I don't know. But, you know, germs, you know, he, a germ had turned into a goat and then ran into a cave, a magical cave. Actually, you know, well, yeah, the worst magic or a cave. That leads to a magical uh, part of this universe. And Germ had met a giant named DeAndre, I think. Friendly enough giant, friendly to goats, not to humans, because DeAndre was a guardian. And beyond the cave was the flatlands. And beyond the flatlands was a magical uh, stone. Uh, why can't I think of that place? Quarry. Uh, and, and all along the way, there, were, there was uh, different guardians to make sure that these quarried stones. Well, I guess we we did a lot of exposition, but why they were? But make sure I guess worthy people were bringing these quarried stones out of the quarry and back into the real world because they were magical stones. But goat, germ was a goat, so they didn't bother goats. And Germ got to the quarry. There was one stone left in Montezuma's pyramid uh, that had just been quarried recently. And then Germ also got a backup stone that, that would only get too warm. And then Germ hid the main, you know, he did the switcheroo. So he hid the important stone in the cave with DeAndre the Giant. Uh, I think it was Dandre the Giant, though. Like, uh, there's no syllable in there, Dandre. But I think it was, like, DeAndre. I don't know if it was, like, D-O-N, Dandre. I, I don't know, because he didn't write down his name. He's a giant, and, you know, not, the, not judging the literacy of giants here. It just wasn't, didn't come up. But so Germ hid the main stone, took a backup stone that looked similar. He bought it at a secondhand stone shop. You know, he had to overcome the things. But then he took that stone, brought it out of the cave where Montezuma, or not Montezuma, Cortez, Lady Witchbeard, Marina, and Cortez's backup conquistador army were. And he threw the stone down, and but they thought it was a real stone. But then Germ knew 
his reputation precedes him. So he said, hey, you know, go ahead and try to get this stone back. I'm going to try to stop you from getting it to the pyramid. And then Germ headed off to the pyramid uh, uh, to uh, continue trying to figure stuff out because he still didn't exactly have a plan. Well, we'll find out, you know, coming up here. Uh, But that's where we left off on this, another episode of The Tales of Lady Witchbeard. Har-har. ha Yeah. There's Mr. Antonio Banderas there. Oh, thank you, my friend. Yahar. Yaha. Lighter witch beard. Yeah, Antonio, did you have a coffee before you got here? I need to drive back to LA, my friend. Okay, he's got to drive all the way back to LA, so thanks, thanks, thanks so much for coming by again. If we could just work on a set time or I could Skype. No, no, I need you here. You're doing great, Antonio. Antonio Banderas. And uh, here's another tale of Lady Witchbeard. Why, why do you do that, my friend? Because I already... Uh, uh, do, you, uh, do you want water for the road? Okay, I get, uh, we'll, we'll be right back. All right, so here I am back. Germ here. And uh, as I made my way from where we last left off to the Pyramid in the Sun... Uh, it, was, it was going through my mind. I was like, okay, uh, good news, bad good news, bad news, great news. Is this, uh, so I was thinking, I was like, okay, but Lady Witchbeard will probably change her mind. Or I was trying to think, you know, I was like, I, was saying, I, think, I think this is going to worry. Or maybe they won't get this stone to the, t- I was like, and then I said, oh man, do I have to start a war with Cortez? And then I said, okay, wait, if I start a war, should I, am I supposed to win it or lose it? And, and I said, well, I, let's just keep moving, Germ. And I said, oh no, I'm calling myself Germ again. And I said, the phage. And I said, can you call yourself the phage? Say, come on, the phage, you pull it together. I said, that doesn't work. At least for a self pep talk. I say, I don't know if I should win the bat. And I said, well, I never said war. I said, I'll stop you from getting this stone. So I said, let's just go see Montezuma, and we'll we'll figure everything out. And then I said, yeah, yeah, he's going to love that. I said, okay. And then I got there, and Montezuma was actually, you know, they knew I was coming. So he was gathered, and he seemed pretty happy to see me. A little confused. And I think, and he's like, oh, where's the lady Witchbeard? Is she with the... And I said, I, I guess I interrupted him. I didn't say, and I said, uh, I said, good news. He said, we got a new plan going. And he said, a new plan. And I said, we're going to save magic. We're going to save Mexico. And he kind of looked at me like he didn't know what I was talking about. I said, oh, geez, this is my ignorance again. Uh, coming in here, offending these people. And I said, listen, Miles, I'm really sorry about, I, I said, I really have some, uh, uh, ignorance. I'm an ignorant man, and there's no excuse for it. So I'm sorry for offending you, and assuming you would know things I'm referring to and referring to. I said, I said I don't know what else to say other than I'm wrong and I'm sorry. And then he kind of looked at me like he not only wasn't he understood. I said, geez, you don't see, you don't give an apology to having accepted anyway, especially one like that. But he gave me a look like it was a distasteful apology. Or me, I said, what is he going to... And he said, where, where, where's Cortez, Germ? 
And I said, the phage. And he said, where in the hell is the phage? And I said, I said, uh, no, no. And I, and I, I said, what do you mean, where's Cortez? He, he, and he goes, well, is he with Lady Witchbeard? Has she already delivered him? And I said, oh, I said, yeah, I said, that's why we have a new plan, because things got complicated. And he said, what do you mean? And I said, well, Lady Witchbeard, she did a double cross on us, Montezuma. And he said, well, what did you do to her? And I said, Cortez offered her, uh, I don't know, I, I'm not sure if she's a double agent or not, but I'm not, I'm not betting on her right now. And he said, so you didn't deliver Cortez to the gods? And I said, no. And he said, they're going to, German, they're going to strike. He said, there's no time left to appease them. He said, where is Cortez? And I said, well, when I left him, he said, you left him. And I said, well, when I, I was forced to leave him. And he said, why were you forced to leave him? I said, well, I, I was, a, it was one against many. And I was a goat, by the way. And then Montezuma gasped. And I said, I said, with all the stuff that goes on here, he's surprised I'm a goat. And he said, you're the goat in the pudding. And I said, with well, the goat in the pudding. And he said, it was a vision I had down in, in the, you know, in the rooms. And he said, I saw a goat in pudding. And he said, I, it didn't make any sense to me. And I said, a pudding goat? A goat in pudding? I said, are you putting me on? He didn't, you know, I said, he might not even have got that, or it wasn't funny. But I said, a pudding goat. And, and I said, well, he, he, and then he, got, he said, we don't have time for this germ. We need to get the other stone here. And he said, but there's a, some sort of army blocking our access to the cave. And he said, he said, and they've been holding my mouth off and we don't have a coat of many colors. And he said, Jeremy, you have the coat of many. Can you go get the stone because we need the deterrent? And he goes, it's probably too late. And I said, well, here's a piece of good news. Cortez is coming here with the stone. So, you know, we're going to get Cortez here. I mean, he's going to bring some cannons and some uh, conquistadors. And I said, uh, and I have no military experience, and I know you're, a peace, you're peaceful people here, but we have some conquistadors and cannons too. And I guess that would tie down getting the stone here. And then all of a sudden there was this crack of thunder, and it was that dry, rainless crack of thunder. It uh, doesn't mean... That doesn't even seem to make any sense. That summer desert thunder, that, that almost feels like the sky was rendered apart. And, and, and we all just sat there, and it doesn't roll. It's a snap of thunder instead of a roll. And I said, well, geez, I said, what do you think that was? And then Montezuma waved, and then he, they were communicating by sign language. And he said, the gods have struck germ. He goes, it was a warning shot, I think. And he said, well, what, what, he said, what would they have struck? And he said he, he was communicating with his people, you know, who were watching from the roof of the pyramid, I think. And he said, he said, he said, you, you said that Cortez has a stone, right? And I said, yeah, he's got the, the, man, the last stone for the pyramid, or he thinks he does. And he said, thank goodness, because the gods have struck the uh, 
the cave. They've destroyed the cave. They gave us access to the flatlands and the uh, and the magical stone quarry. And I said, destroy. I said, how bad? Like the cave destroyed it? How? And he said, he, you know, he did some more. And he said, uh, they've rendered it off the face of the earth. Yeah, my first instinct was for DeAndre. Unfortunately, I guess misguided because I said, oh, man. They said, DeAndre's gone. I don't know. Gone, bon, son, fawn. Like a baby. And I said, and I said what are you doing, germ? And they said, uh, he said, he said, we need to get that stone from Cortez to use it as a deterrent to get the gods or, or to, to, to fire on the gods. And they said, well, he said, well, how, how, uh, they said, how accurate are your gods? I said, do they, do your, your gods mind readers? Like, how, uh, do they, he goes, do they, I go, I was like, do they, do they read minds? Like, do they know what I'm thinking at all times? Because, uh. Or, you know, could they be, like, tricked? You know, if someone's going to trick your gods, would that be work? And he said, of course. He goes, the germ, God, germ, of course, the gods. You know, between, there's a lot of gods we have, germ. So between all of them. And I said, well, do they have a meeting? Like, do they use some sort of uh, central communications? You know, I said, I've always wondered about this godhead thing. I said, I don't know if they they have, like, a... You know, a Godhead-based database or something. And I said, never mind. And he said, well, we'll have to count on Cortez to save us from the gods. And I said, yeah. I said, hey, I'll tell you what. Maybe maybe I should uh, should uh, come up with a backup plan. What do you think about that? And Montezuma said, you're a pudding goat, germ. Phage the pudding goat. And he said, well, just in case, uh, I said, just in case, should I, I'll, I'll go talk. I said, you haven't seen another guy and a bunch of people, of, of indigenous peoples and some, he said, yeah, yeah, they're gathered to the east. And he said, they're waiting, he goes, they're waiting for a fool and a, a liar. And he goes, they figured that was you. But then he's like, I didn't know. I figured. And then I thought it was maybe something about, you know, I figured they were with Lady Witchbeard. And I said, well, yeah, I said, well, both of us. But I said, I'll go talk to them and I'll see what I can come up with. I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, and then I walked off. I was like, oh, shit. Like, oh, boy. Uh, and then I went back. I said, what, what do you, how long do you think I got before the guy strike? And he said, it's not going to be long term. They're probably gathering their forces. And I said, what do you think they're going to do? And he said, wipe us from the face of the earth. And I said, well, I said, they'll need some humans, though. And he said, they'll restart with some, some you know, river dolphin. And I said, oh, yeah. And I said, the phage, you know, something of man, hero of dolphins. I said, well, I just, I guess dolphins can't, wouldn't be able to sing of me because they'd be under the sea. And I said, well, I better say, I said, I'll be back. I'm sorry, Montezuma. Sorry about that. I just got distracted. I'll be back soon. Uh, so then I, I headed over to the east. I said, I, I saw Bach. He, he, you know, he's a god or a demigod. I can't remember. 
And I said, I don't even know if I made his name up or if that's his legit name. Uh, but he, he saw me coming and he, he, he was kind of leading my, I don't want to say my people, but the people I, I had been leading. I guess by proxy, because Lady Witchbeard was technically in charge, but the people, they were all waving and kind of cheering for me, which actually felt worse because I said, well, geez, uh, you guys are cheering for, for you know, the guy that just lost the world. But I said, okay, Germ, don't, don't listen. And I said, back, back. And I said, he said, he said, Germ. Uh, we coward and thief, and I said, "Hey!" And then the, the camp erupted. Coward and thief, and I said, "Hey, what's up, man? We got to talk." And he said, "That coat looks great," and, and he goes, "I've seen a lot of action," and I said, "Oh yeah, this coat's been uh, unbelievably helpful." Oh. If you, if I could tell you all the good it's done me. And I said, as a matter of fact, I said, are you, you, you are you, do you, when you got, I said, have you guys, God's ever been to war against humans before? And he said, he said, he said, I think a while back we, he goes, we, we, we were, but it was just against this one island. And I said, well, what happened? And he said, he said, have you ever heard of Atlantis before? And I said, uh, I hear it's, he said, no. And I said, oh, I said, what did they do? He said, they were supposed, they double crossed us. They were supposed to deliver some, uh, and I said, okay, anyway, anyway. They said, well, what do you guys do? And he goes, well, I'm not a war guy, so I don't have anything to do with it. He goes, I just, uh, he said, I'm just a testing guy. I, I just test humans. You know, I come down, he goes, I do battle with you, but it's more of a test. You know, I tested you. And I said, okay, okay. They said, because uh, I got to get, they said, how do I get up there? They said, hey, you got any advice on how to stop the gods if they're about to attack and wipe out the earth? And he said, uh, he said, uh, good luck. He goes, and he said, it would be a shame because these people, he said, you know, these people are so wonderful and not uppity like the Atlanteans were. And I said, don't say, I said, don't say that. We don't, and he said, no, no, you don't understand. And I said, well, anyway, I said, uh, they said, how much power's in this coat? I said, could you get, could it get me to the guy, you know, God, where the gods, do they have a central gathering point? And he said, for a battle of this magnitude, he said, probably, yeah, he, he said, they'll be working stuff out. He said, yeah, there's a, and I said, he said, no. He said, that coat's low, you know, you've, you've used all the power of the coat. And I was like, okay, but I said, uh, I said, you don't got any, ma-? and he said, no, no, Jerm, I'm almost, you know, I, my my work here is almost done. And I said, you know, if this coat char, I said, is this like a, a wireless charging coat, or I said, can it can I charge this coat back up? And he said, he said, I don't I don't know, Jerm. I said, it's more like static electricity. And he said, what are you thinking, Jerm? And I said, back, I need your help on one more thing. You said you're the tester god, and I need you. Uh. uh I need your knowledge of testing. And I said, if you really love these people more than the uppity Atlanteans, is that how you say it? Atlantinians? And he said, I don't know, Jerm. He said, they prefer to to call themselves the lords and the ladies of Atlantis. And I said, all of them? He said, all of them. And I said, equally? Because that wouldn't be, and he said, Jerm, don't, he said, he said, Jerm, we don't, and I said, okay, let's go, I'm going to go charge, I said, you get all these people here, 
make sure the conquistadors keep these people safe and fed. I said, you got some people you trust? He said, oh, yeah, Germany. Yeah. And I said, meet me at the pyramid. We're going up to God Central. He goes, I said, I said I, I, whatever. And I ran back to the pyramid, and I, I, I said, well, Jesus, pyramid's full of magic. I should be able to charge the coat, right? And I realized that at first glance, it might seem like a ridiculous idea, but I, you know, climbed onto the pyramid. I started rolling around on it, rubbing it, you know, just in case it was either wireless charging or static. And I was, you know, just rubbing my chest, rubbing, like, kind of like a dog in a, in a, you know, rubbing my back, rubbing all the coat everywhere. And, and I turned it inside out, I rubbed it. Uh, but if you were there, you would feel the power. Of the, 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 I mean, it could have been radiation or magnetism but or magic. But there was something radiating off of these rocks. And also everything I had seen. And I had to, you know, I had to believe I could get this coat charged. And then Bach was back to me. And I said, Bach, get on my back. We're, we're going. And I said, you're a god. Can't you just reappear? And he said, no, you're, you're going to give me a ride, Jeremy? And I said, I'm going to try. And then I said, uh, I said, you know, take us. I said, I said, uh, I said, uh, I said, Bach, picture this in your picture where we're going in your mind. Take us there. And then, boom, we, next thing you know. Next thing I know, we're in some surrealistic gathering place, open, kind of like an amphitheater with a J, but, but, uh, it just ethereal, like colors, like, uh, kind of colors that, you know, like iPhones are made out of. There's definitely some space gray, some rose or reflective rose or whatever they call it. Shimmer, you know, some shimmering shimmers. And there was all sorts of uh, godlike figures walking around. But these were much different than the gods, you know, my, my cultural assumptions would have led me to believe. Because these were Aztec men and women, uh, uh, giants, and, and some, some different forms. Where I was like, well, geez, that's a humanoid. And I'm sure if I had time to, but they were all getting ready for battle. These were clearly the war gods. Like some of them had, you know, grouchy looks or intense looks or big muscles, sinewy, sinewy muscles, you know, speed, weaponry, cunning. Uh, so I didn't have a whole t- a lot of time. So I said, and then I said, uh, I picture, I said, okay, give me a god megaphone. And some sort of, and, and, and then I said, I said, hey, Bach, I said, what is that? I said, Bach way, I do know, Bach a, Bach a bay, uh, under, I understand way. And he nodded and I said, okay, now I just got to figure out how to do the Latin. But I communicated to him and then I had this god megaphone which was pretty sweet. It kind of looked like, I think one of the clouds in Mario Kart had it, and it was the exact same. And I said, geez, if they came, if they make a Mario Kart, why haven't, one, why haven't they made a Mario Kart movie? And two, what, could I be one of the announcers on the clouds if, you you know, if we decide to make it? You know, three, what the hell would the plot would be about? Because they already made a racing game movie that was supposed to be pretty good, Speed Racer, I didn't see it. But the Wachowskis made that. But anyway, I had this god megaphone. I said, okay, oh, guys, g- gather around. 
in a, in a, in a head and on interpret it, you know, babblefish mode. And I said, babblefish goes in the receiver's ear germ. And I said, not now, Bach. And I said, oh, guys, gather, God certification, gather two lines, please. And at first they didn't hear me, so then I turned up the volume. And then I even put on, I said, uh, you know, almighty effects, you know, the ones that have the buttons on the bottom, which I won't do for you. And I said, well, geez, what would be the almighty? But I said, I said oh, guys, gather. But with an extra, uh, kind of like a thundering echo afterwards with some reverb. I would say charismatic reverb, which you'd probably have to do a throwing, rolling die for. But in this case, it, you know, this thing was magical, so I didn't know, you know, worries. Because uh, I was fully charged, but I said, okay. And, and then they said, you got two lines. And then I started, you know, you know me, I can act pretty official when I need to. So I said, everybody line right up, line right up. I said, okay, okay, everybody straight line, straight line. And I said, you with the feathers, I said, who, who, you know, who, you, you can't bring those down there. That's, those are none, you know. And I said, what, what continent are you going to? And he looked like he was going to smush me. And I said, please stay in line, please stay in line. I'll be asking the questions here. And the next thing I know, I had a clipboard, which you can all, and I said, okay, okay, you see. I said, everybody, you you guys back there get in line, because there was a couple of people that were like, I'm not getting in line, I'm a war god about to strike. So then I said, you know, I, then I just projected, I said, I put the megaphone aside, I said, please get in line now. I said, this is a serious business here. War, good gods, y'all, get in line. And absolutely no excuses. Else, don't make me say it again. Ugh. And then everybody got in line. And I said, okay, all you guys, you know, you're, what are you guys lined up for? And then they said, was it? And I said, this is the God cert- War God certification line. And where you're certified to go into battle or not. And I said, okay, pretty straight line. And I said, who are you guys going down to, to, to do battle with? And they said, humans. Uh. And I said, why? And they said, because it promises, uh, you know, they made a deal or something. I said, because they were, I said, one at a time, one at a time. And I said, that's enough. And I said, what's one of the first? I said, so these humans, you know, they really, they couldn't stand a chance with you with their, you know, weaponry and stuff, right? And they laughed. They said, most of them aren't even warlike. And I said, well, geez, maybe we should just take out the warlike. And I said, no, that wouldn't be right either. Take out the warlike continents. That's no good. I said, I got to save everybody, I guess. And I said, okay, so you can't be, you humans don't stand a chance with you physical against physical. I said, what about cunning? And they just laughed, and then then the most cunning god, you know, he was all slick. He said, there's no god, humans, that could be as cunning as us. And I said, exactly, I could not certify any gods for battle. That would be, you you know, tricked by a human, clearly, right? Were we in agreement? I said, there's no way I could pass anyone for certification that would be tricked by a human. I said, right. And they said yes, and I said, by the power of some god magic up here, you're all decertified for battle.
And then whoosh, 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 all the guys started frowning because they realized it. And I said, that's right, you've been fooled. You've been had. You've been had by a human. And I said, well, it just looks like the war's off. And uh, I said, geez, you know, we could work stuff. And then they, and I said, well, geez, that probably wasn't the best. And they said, who are you? And I said, the phage. Phagey, the phagey. And they said, the phage, I said, the phagey, you know, the phagey. And I said, that's the official, that's my official birth name, the phagey. And, but they were also, and plus the god magic just kind of dispersed them back to, you know, their lives of, uh, you know, ultimate pleasure and power. So all the guys started to disperse and, and then Bach was pretty happy, but I was like, oh boy. I said, these guys are going to be pretty mad at me. And I said, I still got to figure out. I said, Bach, who, who was the big leader gods? I said, who, who's the gods that correspond to the only god? And, and I said, who's in charge? And Bach looked around. And Bach was like, you're, you're right. And all of a sudden, you know, thunderous steps approached. And I, I said, oh, boy, here comes, you know, the, uh, the serious war gods or, you know. Thunder, it sounded like a thunder god was coming. And obviously, the, you know, thunder god had struck, 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 and what, a cave. And then across the, you know, across the strange, you know, fuzzy universe we were in, these two giant gods, a male and a female, walked towards us. They said, are they brother? And they said, are they the trickster? And I, I didn't know if they were brother and sister or husband and wife. And clearly, I wasn't about to ask him. At least I'm smart. I know, I know I'm smart enough not to to ask that question. And I said, okay, back. I said, okay, get ready. And uh, I kind of walked off and acted like he was doing something. And they walked right up. And they said, what is the meaning of this? And then... Uh, the, the female goddess, she snapped her fingers and my megaphone disappeared. And they said, where are all our warriors? And I said, well, they were, they were decertified for battle. They were deceived by a human. And they said, what human? And I said, would you believe it? It's me, Phagiophagy. And I was like, man, I don't know what lot. And, and they said, he said, silence. And I said, oh, these are serious, serious you know, head gods. And he said, what did you mean, decertified? And I said, well, I, I deceived them so that they couldn't go into battle against humans. And I was hoping that uh, we could come to some kind of agreement or understanding or something, but, you know, between, which you see. So you, you guys seem like the big shots, at least in the war community up here. I said, is there a peace god? Is there an equal amount of peace gods? Or you guys like the... Uh, and they just chuckled, and I said, are you sure you're not, I said, are you sure your guys are not human? Because this is definitely how we do things, too. And then I said, well, geez, I said, maybe they are creators or something in their likeness or whatever. And I said, I'd love to work something out with you, because I really don't want to see all these humans, you know. And I said, I don't know what the inner, you know, if you have inner universal you know, transpatial agreements here because I, I got a universe somewhere else I don't want messed with. And they said, what are you speaking about, human? And I said, I said, I'm just here on behalf of the people of Earth or this world uh, to try to work out an agreement with you all. 
uh, you know, it's fair for everybody. Though I don't, I don't exactly now that I'm talking to you and looking at you. Uh, I don't know how we could be making a win-win situation, but I'd love to try. You know, they said, didn't you guys like it the way you've been doing it? We, they said, we were promised the one who will destroy the balance. And I said, oh, Cortez? And they said, yes, we must have Cortez before he destroys the balance. And they said, are you talking about the magic or... And they, and they said, you don't understand... And I said, well, I'm, tr- I'm doing my best to try to understand, you know, to help you guys get get what you want to need. And he said, stop with that language. And I said, okay, okay, I, I won't, I won't. I, so, you know, I'm trying to just get to yes, you know, getting to yes. I've never been good at it. I figured who better to teach me than two wonderful gods. And I said, well, geez, you, so you want this quartet so he doesn't disrupt the balance, right? And they said, exactly. I said, well, what would you do if I brought him here? And then they showed me, like, a little video, a magic video. And I said, oh, boy, I can't give him Cortez. And I said, well, what if I had my own little plan to, restore, you know, keep the balance? I said, could you could you go on? And they said, we don't try it. And they started yelling at me. And then I coughed. I said, <laughs> and then I, was, I had to cough a few times. I don't want to do it on mic, but... <laughs> You know, fake coughing. And then Bach came by, and he, he, he had a... I don't know if he had put a cloud on his face, but he kind of made himself look older and professorial. And he was... he was, I had done some, you know, acting classes. I said, you know, this is how you do it, buddy. And he said, what is... What is he was acting all... And he was just looking at the gods and looking at me, and he had a robe action going... And he said, what is going on here? And then the guys said, well, they, were, they were trying to look, you know, they were the top guys. So they don't know every other god by heart. So they were looking at him and then, who, who are you? And he, he said, I'm the master of tests. My, I've been, what, when are we striking against the humans? What What's going on here? And I said, we're, we're about to stop the strike on the humans, buddy. So just tone it down. We're working on a little compromise, consensus building. And he said, that's ridiculous. And I said, don't make me smote you. Believe it or not, even though I'm human, I have the power to smote. And then they all had a laugh. And I said, I don't want anyone messing with any humans, especially these humans right below us. They've been messed with enough. And I don't want anybody messing with magic. And I don't know how... uh, how much we should be messing around in these baby And they said, you're the one messing around. And then I, me and Bach had worked out a routine, so I took the magic that was left in the coat, used it to fire some beams at Bach and smoted them. Now, don't worry, it was totally, uh, well, I don't know what happened because this is alive, but... Uh, I think he's fine, but he, he was great. He said, well, and then he dematerialized oh, the acting to do that. And then I cracked my knuckles. I said, Does, you know, I said, that's one guy down. I said, do, do we need to get, you know, do I need to get, uh, you know, take this any further with the rest of you? And he said, and they said, who are you? And I said, I'm the goat in the pudding. And they, they actually knew what that was. And I said, I didn't know it. 
And I said, right, you know, swim, putting go swim, right? And then they didn't know. And I said, well, I'm here to muck, you know, to, to, to go up the pudding. Or we could work stuff out. And then I think they they tricked me because they, they looked back and forth at each other, exchanging glances. And they said, you think you're pretty pretty good deceiver, don't you? And they said, you need to pay for the price of your deceptions. You need to be responsible. And then, I mean, I got a stomachache. I said, oh, boy, you guys are sound. They said, are you sure one of you is not to teach your God? They said, do you have, a, like, a spear of shaming in one of your uh, one of your satchels? And they said, humanity's fate rests on you, Fiji. And they said, well, at least they can't file any, you know, actual charges against me. And they said, return to Earth and resolve the problem how you see fit. And well, and I said, well, maybe I, I said, maybe I'll resolve you. And then they just laughed again, and they said, go back and fix things if you can, and keep the balance. And you, you know, you think you're something. I don't know. They started telling me, but you think you're a god. You can't play god. But I think the gist of it was they were sending me back to not screw up. And they said, I think they said I had it. Oh, boy. They think I might have, like, circumvented the numbers or something. Either four days, it was a 48 hours or four days. I think it was four, four way. I don't, I, four, seven, I think, I, fortnight? No, that's too long. But basically, I had to get back to, I think it was seven, fortnight. I think it was a fortnight, maybe. But they said return to Earth and fix things. Or there'd be no earths to return to. And I said, what the hell are you guys going to do then? And then I think they said they knew about Netflix and stuff at this point, and they had backed it all up. So I said, oh, geez, that's not good. But that's probably as good a place as any to stop some return to earth and try not to say, geez, I wish. Mm, I guess I saved earth uh, temporarily. Ideally, we would, I wouldn't have screwed the stone situation up so we could just blast the gods. And I still didn't quite know. But I said, once well, you say you keep trying to figure stuff out, I said, well, it'll be fine, I hope, ideally. But you'll know. Well, you won't know. So, so that'll be good. You won't even know. You say, well, geez, that's it for our universe. You, you wouldn't even know that. So if you're hearing this, you're fine. And just go on the assumption that you're fine. So your germ, phage, phage, resolved everything. You know, drift like a goat on a boat on a sea of pudding. So gelatinous, but just liquidy enough to have buoyancy. A goat just like one of the, like one of those, you know, George Washington or something. Well, you know, just like Jan Martel would say something about the goat in the boat. If him and Dr. Seuss wrote a book about goats and boats, pudding goat, and then the pudding goat gets a little warm, jumps in the pudding, swim, pudding goat, swim, swim through the sea of softness, pudding goat. Oh, backstroke. Nothing like a pudding goat doing a backstroke. So leisurely as the sun sparkles off the pudding. Non, you know, non-dairy pudding, so no worries about curdling. 
just curdling of goats who toes or hooves. Ah, so nice, floating in the pudding or floating, bobbing, yes, bobbing, good night. If you're new here, or you've been around a while, you might not believe this, this podcast has a lord and a lady who rule over this podcast from a castle, you know, far away, so we can pretty much do whatever the hell we want without them lording and lady and us. But they're pretty nice people. That's uh, is Jonathan and Shannon, and then but just in case we have a defrenestrator, so you know if we get into situation, Nick Van Corfinam three could defrenestrate the Lord and Lady if necessary. And I got a few questions: Would we defrenestrate the Lord and Lady into a pool at a pool party? And I would say I don't know because you know we, I wouldn't be I don't know if I'd be invited to the castle to swim. And uh, so in that case, probably not. But we have a lord and lady. Uh, what else? Um, uh, thank you. So I want to thank Leslie Ann and Julie C. for the comments. That was Julie C. on the last sleep show. Uh, uh, that lovely voice we all heard. So thank you, Julie C. And thank you, Leslie Ann. Over on Twitter, I want to thank EV Man. I want to thank Tammy Guns, who probably has the best Twitter handle, Nuclear Testa. Uh, nu- <laughs> I can't even get it right because I was trying. I was ready to make jokes about nuclear, but it's nuclear, nuclear tes- Tesla. And I, I said I don't know how to make a joke on Twitter about the pronunciation of nuclear or nuclear. Uh, and I don't, and I don't know what the proper pronunciation is either. That's I guess the jokes on me. But maybe one day we will be driving nuclear nuclear Teslas, nuclear Teslas. Um, so that's cool, Tammy Guns. Yeah, Muskie, if you're hearing this, give Tammy Guns a job, all right? You, she, she seems pretty, pretty, pretty damn intelligent. Corey K., I want to say hi to Miss Myra. Kevin K., a new Kevin K., you want to say hi to the old Kevin K., just for the hell of it. OMG, Danny. OMG, thanks for following me. I want to say hi to Babs. I want to say hi to Paul. I want to say, oh, Paul, are you awake right now? Uh, I want to say thanks to Brian, the boom, 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 Brian, who supplied our boom. And he's just, you know, checking in. Over on Facebook, I want to say hi to Maggie D. I want to say hi to David Double R. Ra, ra, Julie G, Jennifer, Julie C, and Laura. Okay, and then over on, uh, uh, iTunes so nice of you guys to give us the iTunes reviews and it really helps uh, when people see the podcast they say oh people actually listen to this and then they listen and they say well this guy sounds like a lunatic but it's got reviews and then they read the reviews okay maybe I'll keep listening so thank you so much it really, it really does help uh, so one of the and if you want to review the show just go to sleepmoviepodcast.com slash iTunes it'll take you right there thank you but I want to thank Meta with three exclamation points. So Meta, yeah, uh, who says I'm the best, my best boyfriend. And that's pretty Meta because I was like, I'm always talking about, what, what, I don't even know what Meta, you know, I'm trying to figure out Meta. So this is Meta, I think this is Meta because I'm talking about, maybe it's Meta, I don't know. It's boring. If this is boring, that's definitely Meta. Because I'm going on a tangent about someone who reviewed a meta. 
And I'm talking, maybe, I don't know. But it makes me say, geez, what is meta? And, uh, but I can't do meta material forever, you know, because then it wouldn't be meta, because I think meta means encapsulated as well. Or at least to me it does, you know, that's what, you know, when they say, gosh, gosh, but gosh. Would it be meta if I was wearing Oshkosh Bagash? Or, I don't know. That is a good question. Uh, so, then, thank you, meta. Then, uh, Scooter is the best uh, from Playa. 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 Ah. Playa. Ah. So, that's like uh, when a when player drinks a glass of cool water. Playa. Ah. Or Playa Water, our new sponsor. Play a water. I say play a. Ah. Uh, so play a, we make play a giggle and then poof, it's morning. And then Gweeman uses a quote from, you know, someone that, that passed away too early, Harris. Uh, but Gweeman says the best humble brag podcast. How does he do it? Gweeman wants to listen in the end, but that's not the point. A paradox, a true paradox. I mean, paradoxically, it's like, Jesus, those are words. They say meta and paradox in the same thank yous is making my brain hurt. Uh, so that's, you know, say, Jesus, paradoxical that I should understand that. Uh, but thank you, Gwee Man, and thank you, Harris. Uh, I, I can't tell you. Uh, move on to NM Ninjo. So a ninjo from Mexico, New Mexico. I say, I wonder if a ninjo, ninjas are, is a ninjo, uh, I guess it's like a banjo-wielding martial artist, I would guess. Or, you know, like maybe that's like a, you know, so what you say, I couldn't cut it as a ninja, I became a ninjo. Or, you know, you should call yourself the ninjos. Uh, if you were, you know, banjo ninjas dressed, uh, banjo band dressed as ninjas, ninjos. But I want to thank you. And yeah, we just tour New Mexico. That's it. I said, well, geez, have you been to Albuquerque? There's a pet shop and there's there's a sale, or there was in season one of Breaking Bad. I can't, fish tanks on sale there. But uh, Ninjo says, uh, buy cast works and fall asleep now. So thank you all for the reviews. Thank you for the support. And let's get on to the show. What do you say? Uh, so that's it. Thank you. I want to thank Chris Posty Posterson from Sounds Like an Earful. He does our music. He's got a podcast, Sounds Like an Earful. I want to thank uh, Scotty and Jennifer on our artwork. I want to thank our, our, sleep, our uh, Facebook group moderators. Uh, Rachel L to the G, Julie C, Lida S, Laura, and Jennifer B. Hey, are you up all night tossing, turning, mind racing, trouble getting to sleep, trouble falling asleep? Well, welcome. This is Sleep With Me, the podcast that's here to put you to sleep. We do it with a bedtime story. All you need to do is get in bed, turn out the lights and press play. We're going to do the rest. And what is this? Well, I'm going to create a safe place where you can set aside whatever's running through your brain, whatever's racing through your brain, whatever's got you up, uh, tossing, turning, thinking, worrying, concerning, exciting, exciting. See, that doesn't fit, Scooter. Okay. 
criticizing uh, mostly yourself. You could be hurting. You could be hurting emotionally. You could be any of those things. The safe places. I'm gonna try to distract you from whatever's running because because all that stuff at bedtime. It's not really sleep conducive. I don't know how else to say it. And we all know that. And we all know a lot of people that don't. They say, what do you mean you can't shut your brain? What do you mean you can't? Your ankle hurts at bedtime. What do you mean you get anxious when you try to fall? That doesn't make any sense. Or that you might say, hey, I just start thinking about all this stuff. Or, or I wake up in the middle of the night and then I think about all this stuff. And they say, really? That's Why don't you stop it? And then you maybe you grind your teeth, maybe you clench your fists, maybe you're you're smart enough to walk away, maybe you breathe. But you say this person clearly doesn't get. It. They say, well, what what I what I do is I you know turn over my pillow, but the, as cool as the other side of the pillow. That's all you need. That'll stop your thinking. Or you know Jimmy down in accounting, he may say oh, rain sounds. That's what works for me. I just picture you know inchworms in the rain. And I said, well, Jimmy, that's not half bad. Could I use that on my podcast? But I was trying to use you for an ineffective metaphor, Jimmy. So can we just say rain sounds and I'll keep the the inchworms in the rain? That's very poetic, Jimmy. Well, I happen to be a poet. I write poetry about inchworms in the rain. Inchworms in the rain. Take away my pain. Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy. Jimmy loves Jane. Okay, Jimmy, I don't need the po- po- poetry part. I just need the inchworms. So Jimmy might say, oh, we, what about rain sounds without inchworms in the rain? Or Jane might say, well, Jimmy's written me this poetry that's incredibly uh, mildly poetic. Uh, he read it to me, and I, I, I can't sleep to it, but maybe you can. Or we all know those people that say, geez, what you need, the, the, the healthy guy over there, he says, you need more bananas in you. You're low in potassium. If you had more bananas in your diet, you'd sleep great. Many of us have found, not everyone, not everyone, but many of us have found, geez, no, we've tried all those things. We've tried that. We've tried, uh, you know, rolling necks, rolling your shoulders, you know, vi- visions of, uh, you know, sugar plums, visions of peaks, visions of, you know, arid deserts, all that stuff. And he still can't get to sleep. Well, here, this is the, this podcast does things that not just a little different. We do a lot different over here. Uh, maybe, actually, Scooter, it's the same, it, you, you, except, you you know, your voice is like rain. It rains dullness on me. And exactly, you're right. Thank you, uh, internal uh, commentator. It's like I'm doing, you know, I'm like sports right now with the ping-ponging of my brain, like two sports commentators. But I'm going to try to just stay with you here, this part of me. But yeah, I'm going to rain some dullness down on you, you know, steady pouring of uh, a pitter-patter of nonsensical meanders, the beautiful flapping of uh, wings of pointlessness, uh, some good-natured, kind intentions, all that stuff. I'm going to send my voice across the deep, dark night, reach out my hand the best I can. And try to take you across the threshold of sleep into, you know, whatever they call it, dreamland.
And the way I'm doing it is I'm, I'm just going to, I'm just going to uh, get, or the way we're going to, we're actually going to do it together, but I'll do, I'll do the work. Uh, uh, you do the line, but, but the main thing is actually don't do any work. Just try to relax. Let all the parts of your brain that have been jockeying for your attention. I consider those parts of your brain between you and me. This is bullshit, but. I consider those parts of your brain the most brilliant parts of your brain because they're the, you know, protectors, the knowledgers, the the people that raise their, you know, the parts of your brain that want to raise their hand in class. You know, the parts of your brain that are winning awards or, apply, you know, say we should apply to win some awards or, you know, they're saying, hey, why, where's our awards? We need, we, we deserve some. You know, those are the parts of your brain that really need some extra attention, and I'm here to give it to you, parts of the brain. You know, you might have heard I called your brain bots, and that's called a term of term of endearment, to be honest with you all. And I'm glad you're, you're here with your human. Who You know, your human is, 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 they're pretty tired. They need to get some sleep. Believe it or not, you know, they're not operating on the same plane as you. They're just, you know, they're mammalian. Uh, they're not pure brain ether. You know, I can't even, you know, I, I don't, I don't pretend to know the cosmic stuff you, you brain parts are made from. And in some sense, I'm, I'm, I'm speaking in awe and respect because I know you're up there. You say, geez, we got this gray matter and we're trying to operate this mammalian at the same time. Take good care of this mammalian. We get this world out there full of uncertainty. People drive like maniacs. You, you know how it is. I, I do. I do brain parts. We don't even need to go on a discussion about it because we're all on the same page here. Uh, that wonderful human you're, you're running the show for, they think they're running the show, and in some sense they are. So let's just keep it, okay, you're with me. Oh, sorry, I was just whispering. You know, I, 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 you know hey, brain parts, I like to keep your, 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 I like to keep your human at ease, you know, throwing sort of a little jokey jokes. And I know you guys might not think I'm funny. You might say, well, if that guy wants to embarrass himself with this podcast, go right ahead. But I want you guys to know how important you are. And I'm going to put on a little show for you for the next hour or so. You're human. They're going to kind of listen, too, because they say, hey, this guy, he's uh, he's trying to help us sleep, so I should at least... And you say, I say, say to your human, well, just give me a little bit of your attention for a little while. You know, but go ahead and start breathing and maybe do some sympathetic yawning. You know, some sympathetic yawning. But, uh, you know, you brain parts, here's what I propose. I'm going to do a show. I'm here, you know, I'm here to entertain you. No cost to you or you, you're human, you know. And I'm just going to do my thing. And, yeah, I'm not the most effective storyteller. As far as, you know, the story, what is it called? The Storyteller Effectiveness Scale, uh, SES, I think they call it. Yeah, they said, geez, we, we, we only have X, Y, and Z axis scooter. We, we're sorry. You know, we don't have the Q, uh, you know, the Q axis designed yet. And I know you guys aren't really working on the Q axis, so no need to humor me anymore. That there's going to be a Q axis. 
Because, uh, you know, I'd be I'd probably not even chart on that axis. But, but I do chart in lullness. I do chart in dullness. Soothing tones. I've had a few. And, you know, unresolved, uh, you know, uncompleted metaphors. You know, like a simile, sometimes as a simile. I see, or sometimes a simile attempts will have some. But mostly, I'm just a, just a boar friend coming over. I'm going to say, hey, Brain Parts, you're doing a damn good job. Your human is doing a damn good job. I realize the uncertainty that is out there day to day, minute to minute, hour to hour. And I, I know we're lucky to have these high-quality Brain Parts here keeping a watch on stuff. So Scooter's going to do a silly little show. Because the brain parts, you know, they they get you you guys get the security down. We're we're safe. This is a safe place, you know, safe enough to you know. If it wasn't a safe place, believe me, I wouldn't be comfortable talking to you you all like this. I'd be, uh, you know, worried about embarrassing myself. You know, worried. I, but 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 I, I'm I'm glad you're here. So I'm gonna do my best. I'm gonna tell a little tale. I'm going to talk about some stuff. Maybe I'll throw in Oshkosh, but gosh, maybe I won't. You know, here we are. We're sitting on one of those uh, terraced porches. I don't know, uh, uh, gable, probably some gabled roofs over us. We're on a chair. It has not only memory foam, but it's one of those rocking chairs at the same time, uh, side by side. Your boyfriend and you. All your wonderful brain parts there. And I'm just going to go on and on. You just pay a little bit of attention to me. But sink into your bed. Sink into your pillow. And let my voice slowly drift away. If you need to come back to it, it'll be here. And I'll be doing my best to keep everybody kind of engaged. If you can't fall asleep for some reason, say, geez, I got something, you know. I'll I'll be here. I'm. I, this story's not going to be total crap. I'll tell you. You know. I'm gonna put. I'm gonna put in. I'm gonna put in my hour of of of, of full effort. I'll be present. So if you if you're present too, I, I'm glad to have you along for this uh, strange little ride. But mostly, I'm glad you're here. If this is your first couple times here, uh, yes, maybe your brains, like, uh, you see, is this a short circuit? Did somebody blow a fuse out? Because it sounds like there's a fuse blown. Because this, what is this guy saying? Does not make any sense. You know, I'm not sure anyone could be this detached from reality. Well, there is. There's one person, Scooter, your boyfriend. He's this detached from reality. Started a podcast to lull and dull you to sleep. And just test it out, see if it works for you. I hope it does. If it doesn't work for you, I'm sorry. You know, there's some other options out there, and I hope you find what you need. We give this a couple of tries. What can I say? You know, even maybe turn down the volume a little bit, and then it'll just sound like, you know, but, but whatever. But mostly I want to tell you, I'm glad you're here, and I really hope, I really desire, I really yearn uh, to help you fall asleep, so thanks for stopping by. All right, so we're talking metastasis right now. Our first run through metastasis. This is, uh, I don't know the episode number. I think it's maybe 15. Uh, but we're, I mean, you don't really need to know one because, you know, I'm going to try to put you to sleep at two. Uh, it's the first appearance of Saul Bueno or Goodman, depending on 
uh, which show you watch or if you watch both and you say, geez, you know, that's best behavior. That's all, you know, who needs numbers uh, when you got, you know, double dose of brilliance. And it's, it starts out, though, with uh, Mono. Uh, he's on a bench. He's dealing. There's an old wall behind him. A very, very nice scene to set up. Uh, there's graffiti on the wall. There's a yellow, like, what do they call it? Those buckets, the big, bu- you know, big plastic bucket, uh, the utility bucket, I think they probably go as nowadays. Uh, but there's a yellow one of those. It's got a plant in it. Uh, there's Saul posters lined up behind uh, uh, Mono. Mono, Mono. Uh, it says, Quintele Saul. Lunes y viernes, 11.30 p.m., in case you want to catch it. And then a guy rolls up in sweatpants. Now, I don't want to be pejorative here about sweatpants wears, because, you know, who, who doesn't love a good pair of sweatpants? Uh, so a guy was wearing sweatpants rolls up. I say, okay, he's got sweatpants. Hmm, you know, uh, you know, a couple questions should run through one of his mind. One, what's underneath there? You know, hopefully multiple layers. Uh, two, you know, let's see, geez, how serious is this guy? Is he wearing them for comfort or because he's, you know, given up? Or, you know, spe- you know uh, speed and flexibility. And, say, geez, and I think he was asking himself these questions, Mono, subconsciously at least. But he ends up not trusting his gut in the end. Spoiler alert. But this guy's looking to buy some meth. Mono's talking about the park, I thought. He's trying to make some point. He's very funny. He rubs his head on the guy. Uh, Mono's wearing a shirt number 89, I think. Uh, and at some point, he checks him for a wire. And then the guy, he keeps almost walking off, and Mono says, oh, no, 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 come back. Uh, and I know there's a lot of badger lovers out here, but you could rewatch it. You really appreciate Yeah, Mono's doing it a little bit differently, but it's still good. Uh, but Mono, he's watching something in the park. He tells the guy the price so he's selling it for. The guy's like, what? And then they make a deal, and then Mono gets busted. And then we have the title sequence. And then we have C-U-E-N, Quintele, maybe, Saul. Uh, it's an advert. It's very cheesy, but a different kind of cheesy than the uh, Breaking Bad version, but still great. And here's my initial impressions of Saul. Now, let's, you know, hopefully, yeah, let's see how they evolve. But I said, not sure on Saul. And then he has a woman give him an endorsement and a young guy who's wearing a red ox shirt. And then we're at uh, Jose's place. Him and Jane are in bed. Uh, I don't think her name's Jane in this one, but I... I, I figured out her name at some point. Uh, clothes are everywhere. They're in bed, all smiles. Beds, no bed. They're on the floor, you know, in bed on the floor. Uh, probably post-coital, you know, maybe not immediate post-coital chat. And they're laughing and talking, and there's no gracias, she says, because she says she shows him a sobriety chip. And she says, you know, I got to go, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not comfortable with this. Uh, but she doesn't leave on bad terms at all. Just, you know, say, geez, a little bump in the road maybe or a challenge for the relationship. 
the next scene is Cielo and Walter having coffee, they're having breakfast, and they're talking questions. I also notice there's a carrot painting above a fruit bowl in the living room. Important, you know, these are important things. And you say carrot painting, you know. We could spend a lot of time thinking about the symbolism of that. But, you know, everybody's, you see, you're looking for something with a no stalk or a stalk. <clears throat> you know, what are your metaphorical and artistic views or, you know, on, on carrot stalks? Or are you more of a, you know, you know, you, you need a pointillistic carrot or a, uh, you're looking for something more still life, abstract, you know, how we got a couple iron carrots. We haven't been, you know, we just put those on discount, cast iron carrots. Uh, but I don't think they had that conversation, uh, you know, because they had already purchased a painting at some point before the series started. But it's above a fruit bowl, as I said, in the living room. Cielo's brown bag in her lunch. I put brown in quotes, so I don't know if she was using an actual brown bag or I put it in quotes like wink, wink. And then there's like a K with Walt or her. Oh, she's like, what's with the Walt? What What's with the look, Walt? And then I put, she gives a sexy move and then she says, you know, get, get like a little deflection move. She does this little sexy move for, that's like a subtle sexy. I said, wow, whoa. And then she says, how about we some order us some pizza tonight, Walty Poo? And she gives him a long kiss goodbye and a little chow. And then the phone rings. It's a woman calling Walt. I wasn't sure. He jumps to the phone, and I figured out it's Maria because he says, Henry, what? And then he goes over to Maria's house. She's talking to Walt. She's nervous. She's like, I need your help, man, seriously. And they go up to the bedroom, and Walt knocks, and uh, Henry's like, no, Maria, no, no, gracias or something. And Henry's in bed clothes, you know, doing the old, looks depressed, to be honest with you, and I've been there, like clothes, staring, not even covers on him, you know, middle of the day. He's in rough shape, you know. Uh, But then he jumps out of bed. I put CSMS, I don't know what that means. Oh, seems out of it, that's what I said, you know, rubbing his, you know. Even though he was in a sleep, he seemed out of it, or like he was, you know, a lethargic, I guess, or malaised. And then they talk side by side, kind of. I noticed the way they shot the positioning of both the characters in both uh, uh, Metastasis and Breaking Bad was different. Uh, but but both, both, like, they weren't side by side. They weren't face to face. They were they were sitting on different sides of the bed uh, with some space in between them, but, you know, so they could kind of talk and look at each other. And Henry's like, what did Maria tell you? And something like, do you have any experience with this or something? And then it's like, yeah. And then Walt makes a real nice point. You know, I mean, I don't, I think, because I don't speak Spanish really good at all. But from a body language, it looks like it. But then it all of a sudden it gets weird, and Henry's mouth is kind of open, and he's kind of staring. He's got a frown. And then Henry's out of focus, and then he comes back into focus all the time Walt's talking. And so I said, well, I don't know if, if Walt nailed it as much as my initial impression was. And then Walt, and the next scene is Walt and Jose Miguel, Ho- Jose Miguel, uh, Count Plata, you know, Count Mad, Mad Fat Stacks. 
And they're running through one of those bill counters, and then uh, Walt says, count it again uh, in Spanish. I don't think I knew, but I think, you know, just because he said it, you know, with a gesture. And then Walt finds a bracelet on the floor. He's like, uh, what's this, you know? And then they argue about Tonto, Jefe, and uh, then he, he says, you know, you got to call Mano. Jose Miguel calls him, but he doesn't answer. Otrevez, he says. Uh, so then he calls Gordo. He's like, where's Mono? Uh, see or no? And then he goes, K? And then he goes, Vale. And he tells Wall, he's like, Mono's been nailed, man. And then we jump to Henry's workplace, uh, and he's back at work. Old Henry's out. The guy with the weird voice is there. He only gets a couple lines, uh, but the guy's got a robotic voice. I don't, and I don't think it's. I think it's just his voice. I don't think it's uh, uh, due to anything. So I don't know if that's more hurtful or less hurtful that it's his natural voice. And people say, oh, "Geez, Scooter, you're," you know. I say, "Yeah, I can respect it." Uh, but I just find the guy's voice. He doesn't get a lot of lines. His voice sounds uh, robotic. I don't know how else to say it. And I don't know if he has a name or a corresponding character on Breaking Bad. I don't think there's anybody on Breaking Bad, though, with a robotic voice that I know about. Now I lost my spot. Let's see. I'm just looking at my notes for weird voice. There it is. Guy with weird voice. My finger's on it, so. Is there. Gomez, and you can tell Gomez knows something's up with Henry. And if we also put Henry's got another nice shirt on, I don't think I wrote any details about it. But then him and Gomez are alone, and Henry gets really irritated with Gomez. Uh, then we're in a police basement. Mono's down there, and he's kind of getting the business from the cop that busted him and trying to deflect. And then Saul shows up, Saul Bueno. And he, he's got, he, he said, this time I said, he's got some nice flair going and uh, he's a bit silly and that I might be able to jump in. I don't know what that means. Maybe I, I, I maybe he jumps in. I don't know. Maybe that was his line or maybe I'm going to, maybe I'm going to embrace this Saul Bueno, but he says to the cap, you know, Hey, Hey, hit the road. And then he's talking to Mono. I can't read my writing. Mar. Oh, Mono's real name, which I can't read. So, and then he he looks up his file, but he gets the wrong file, uh, which seems to make somebody nervous. And then uh, Saul starts talking to Mono about meth, which makes him. Uh, uh, and then he tells him how much it's going to be. He says, "Get hold of your mom or dad." Then Mono starts to look nervous. But then Saul leaves. He's talking on his phone, I think via Bluetooth. He takes a pill. I said, oh, that's weird. Uh, but I'll tell you right now, he said some uh, vitamins on the second run through. I just, you know, wanted to diffuse that nervousness. And then he runs into Henry, the robot cop. I think we're the undercover cop. I'm not sure. And Gomez. And that's very comical. He takes a Gomez. Henry's like, let's take a picture. And uh, Saul flips the picture off. But he takes a picture with Henry, he puts up his middle finger. And I said, I said, well, geez, now I'm so, I like this. I like the cut of this guy's jib. I like the cut of his suit. And then they say, malo, malo. Then he makes a joke about them being the Three Stooges or something. And then he says to him, carpe diem, boys, carpe diem. 
And then we have Walt and Jose at uh, Saul's office. They're in the car. Jose tells the legend of Saul Bueno to Walt. He explains to Walt that it seems this is another price of business. But Walt's like, I'm not going in there, by the way. And then they discuss it. Then Walt goes in. He goes all undercover. He's got a fake name, disguise. Uh, he goes into Saul's. He's in the waiting room. Then he goes in the office. Saul's talking a mile a minute. Uh, Walt pays him. He tells him something about Mono being under a house arrest. Uh, they talk about uh, anti-narcoticos. And they're looking into looking for a Heisenberg, and then they may, maybe that's part of the deal. And Walt tells them, "Oh no, no way!" And then they talk for a while, and then Walt tells them, "No, this no deals, no deals." And then uh, some of the he goes out, he tells Jose about it, and then it's night, and uh, Saul's leaving his office. Uh, night, Saul leaves his office with his secretary. Uh, Walt and Jose, they say, hey, let's go outside and let's have a more private conversation. We're going to, but they're wearing, uh, uh, they're wearing the ski, ski outfits. So, uh, Saul doesn't recognize them at first because it looks like they're going skiing. He says, that's weird. But then they're talking and at some point Saul even yells out in English and then they're asking him lots of questions to see if he's a good lawyer or not. Uh, you know, a test to see if he can really free Mono, Mono. Uh, but something seems useless. Uh, Jose does most of the talking, but he kind of messes up Walt, gives him a dirty look. Uh, yeah, I said, but messes up a bit by the look of Walt. Uh, then they have him, and then... Oh, and then Walt has a coughing fit, which gives him away, you know, because Saul's like, because he had coughed in Saul's office. And then Saul says, hey, give me some, you know, give me give me some money each. He makes a pitch to be the lawyer. And, you know, now we'll have a deal to represent you. Then they talk about Mono again. They go back to the office. Then they're talking about another guy. I said, well, okay. And they talk for a while, a good while, and then it seems like there's good news and there's bad news, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to cost you some money. Then they dump the money on the desk. Uh, then Mono's with Henry in the interview basement with uh, Saul and the other two cops. And Henry wants to know who, who Heisenberg, Aver uh, uh, nombre por vador. And he says, Heisenberg. And he says, who is he? He says, he's old, he's bald. And then they they release him, or, or they uh, I think let's see they release him. The cops follow and observe. Uh, that's not exactly what happened, but that was my first impression, I guess, because I didn't know what was going to happen. And then Walt and Jose pull up at the same time. They almost get spotted by Henry and the other two cops who are observing Mono. Uh, and then he sits down next to some bald guy, and they seem to be making a deal. Uh, but it's the wrong bald guy, I guess. So then Walt and Jose have to run interference. And it's a great scene seeing Walt, uh, Walt Blanco and uh, Walter White play dumb. And Henry's sucking in a lollipop, I noticed. Tootsie Pop, I'm about 99% sure. He distracts him enough to get uh, Mono with the right bald guy. The cops arrest that bald guy. 
And it was some kind of setup, uh, fake, but I wasn't sure at the time. And then the undercover cop's very pleased as they're doing all the arresting stuff. But Henry's not. He's just staring and sucking on his lollipop. And then Jose uh, uh, gets home. But when he walks into his apartment, he's like, something's not right here. Is it too clean? And then it's like, oh, it's a new mattress. And then Jane comes over and they talk about the new bed. And then they get, you know, then they put the bed down. And they gets really uh, romantic, uh, like a lot of making heavy petting, I would say, was going on. Uh, and then we have Walt in his classroom grading papers. And this may have been when Saul Bueno earned my trust, at least, with this role. Because he rolls in to let know, well, you know, Walt know he knows uh, some stuff. He, he tells him lots of... I don't even, I cannot read that. N-E-C-I-A-T-A-T-A-R. Nah. Uh, necessary stuff, maybe? Mesesatamos? I don't know. And then Walt's like, oh, like, what do you mean? And then he's like, uh, you're exactly like Vito Corleone. You need a concierge, you know. And he goes, so, so, so he makes a couple of chemistry metaphors. And then he's like, all right, I'll see you. Otracosa. Uh, Dobale, and then he snaps and he does these, uh, does a couple moves, which were a riot. I think he even says Better Call Saul, and then the spy music plays and the episode ends. And it was, you know, it was a good episode. So that was our first run through Metastasis. Okay, so now we're talking Breaking Bad. It's season two, episode eight, uh, Better Call Saul. Uh, which, you know, when this, this was one of these performance, well, we'll, we can talk about that another time, but I mean, I can't believe this episode came right after the Narco Corridos episode. Cause it's like, man, how much brilliance can you get this close together? And it'll be interesting since we're doing a more, uh, well, weekly, but, uh, for me, I'm watching it, uh, but it'll be interesting cause since we're doing this in a telenovela, well, I guess we're watching it weekly, but, uh, you know, to see Jesus, his season's only got two episodes left. Not going to slow us down, but it'll be interesting to see how the plot plays out. Uh, but we have Badger, he's sitting there. He he looks very young, I put. And he's wearing the headphones. There's a, a Better Call Saul. He's on a Better Call Saul bus bench. I think he has a soda. I couldn't figure out what he was drinking. Uh, he's at a kid's park. There's uh, two sets of mosaic round things. I think they used to be, I don't know what they were called. Actually, I do. I almost had it. It's a bus something. There were these round things that used to be at bus stops. And I think they might have had the bus schedules, but mostly they were covered in ads and flyers and stuff. Now, this may, this park here, it took those things or something similar and made it into art. So they have these beautiful mosaics. One looks like it might be a memorial to something. But look, you know, it was nice. Good, you know, good on Albuquerque to the ABQ. And Badger's kind of singing. I put his early son, so early days son. Then a skinny guy rolls up. And a couple more notes. Uh, Badger should, I put Badger should trust his gut. And I also said, man, I'd like to, Badger is so at ease in the world. Uh, but he says, hey, you know, he basically says, hey, I think you're a cop. And he says, oh, no, I'm not a cop. He says, come on. He's like a flower van. 
He goes, you guys should have a garbage truck. No one would think of that, you know. And and it's, it's a very com- comedic scene. I'm not even going to butcher it by, uh, you know, messing up any of the dialogue. But, you know, he's giving the cap a hard time, and the cap is doing this dejected thing. Uh, but Badger's really pushing him around, and Badger's like, well, i got to figure out if you're a cop or not. And he's like, you know what, the the, the cop, he's like, forget it, I'm not going to buy anything. And then Badger's like, well, go run over to that park and harass somebody. Uh, you know, that'll prove you're not a cop. And the guy's like, no, 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 that that's I don't do that. And he says, uh, he goes, if I tell you, if you ask me if I'm a cop, I have to tell you. It's like in the Constitution or something. And it says the Constitution of America. And he says, yeah, go go ahead and ask. And Badger says, are you a cop? He says, no, 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 not like that, like a fish, ask it official. And he says, are you a police officer? He says, I'm not a police officer. And the Badger says, okay. And then he says, yeah, and then he says, hey, busted. And then we have the Better Call Saul ads. I tried, I tried to pause it a bunch of times. I saw in the streaming, like, uh, words, it says, not actual clients paid represented, representing testimonials, something on file. I don't know, I can't read my writing. Say habla espanol. But it's hilarious. It says, uh, you know... You know, one guy crashes his car, Saul says, yeah, the Constitution tells you have rights. And he goes, that's why I fight for you, Albuquerque. You better call Saul. Uh, but it's a really funny ad. You should see it. You know, it just sty- stylistically is beautiful. And then that's on Jesse's TV, we see. And we realize that it's Jesse and Jane embedded. Their pillow talk's a little bit less pillowy than the talk in Columbia. Uh, but not in a negative way. Just you see, Jesse's like, geez, I'd like to get high. And Jane's like, don't. And she's like, I know you've been getting high, so cut it out. And she goes, my dad has a good nose. And Jesse's like, why is he cut? She's like, oh, yeah, a lot. And Jesse's like, are you sure you don't want to smoke? And she's like, whatever, I, you know. And, and Jesse's like, what, what, what do you mean? And she goes, here, I've been sober 18 months, you know. And she's like, you know, I, I, I can't get high. And Jesse's, Jesse's cool, but he says, oh, recovery, that's cool, right on, I respect that. And he's like, oh, you know, I'm cutting back and smoking, you know, once in a while, but not in the house anymore. And then she's, he's like, you want to go get some dinner? She's like, no, I better go. And Jesse's like, is this real awkward or a little bit? And she's like, no, no, because she's like, your satellite's turned on and you got that badass TV. Uh, also, some notes. Uh, I noticed Jane seemed a little more pensive at first, but then, and Jesse was more cutesy than Jose Miguel. And she did. She she when she rolls out of bed, she does a two-handed hair toss. Her chip, eighteen months sober. And then we have Walt's house in a time lapse. His house number is three hundred eight. Just in case you need to know that. Uh, Skyler's making pasta salad for lunch for her lunch. And then her and Walter are talking, and somebody says, you look, you look nice. And Skylar kind of shakes her head like, what's with the accusation face? And, you know, Walt's trying to guilt her about being at work, and she's like, well, I got, you know, I got stuff to do. And tell, tell Walt Jr. to wash his shoes. 
And she says, yeah, we'll order some pizza tonight. And then the phone rings after Skylar's, Walt lets it go to voicemail, but it's Marie. And she's in a panic for Skylar. And Walt picks up. He says, what's up? And so then he goes over to Marie's house. And he's like, what happened? She's like, you know, we got home yesterday. I found him in bed. She's like, you wouldn't tell me anything. And a bunch of stuff went down at work. And Steve Gomez told me everything. And, but, you know, Hank's acting with all his coworkers and then getting back in bed and saying he's fine and leave me alone. And then you know, Walt's like, well, let me see what I could do here. Uh, also, as they go upstairs, they notice there's a lot of art in the house. They have a big rug tapestry. Uh, they have a flower pot in front of a beach still life. And then when Marie gets the door, she has a very soft knock, a light knock. And then Marie nods. Hank's in bed. His eyes are closed. He says, baby, not now. And then uh, Walt says, hey, it's me, buddy. And he says, hey. He goes, what's up? And he goes, I got a stomach ache. And he says, don't get too close to me. Also noticed, uh. You know, Hank sits up, and then they're both sitting on the bed, as I said in the last one. It's interesting how they're sitting. There's lots of purple and purple flowers in Marie and Hank's bedroom. Uh, but they're kind of sitting corner to corner on the same side of the bed. And Walt's kind of looking back over his shoulder at Hank. Uh, like he's turned, his front of his body's turned away from him. And while they're talking, I'll talk about what they're saying, but uh, Hank kind of, uh, looks at Walter, and they're talking. I said, talking about talking, I don't know what that means. Uh, but it, it, Hank's mouth's open a lot of the time, and like it was similar to Matessa's, he's just staring with his own, own uh, his open mouth. But Hank's like, yeah, this, this job's darker than I thought it was be. And, you know, I'm just trying to do, do trust my gut and do my job, but it's wearing on me. And uh, Walt says, you know, don't do my talk it out with somebody. And Hank's like, well, I can't talk to a shrink. That's not good for my work. And Walt's like, what about Marie or me? And Hank's like, listen, buddy, I, I don't know, but you and I, we don't have a lot in common when it comes to this stuff. He says, uh, experiential overlap. And then again, like, Jesus, stuff, when you look at it, Walt says, well, what if I told you we do? Within the pathological lying wall, a brilliant liar. I mean, I don't know if there's been a character that could lie this good with a, with a believability to what's driving the lies, where it's like, okay, he's not just uh, totally delusional as he's lying. It's at least, I guess, or it's like, gee, Scooter, you really are just isolated. I can relate to these lies uh, because they're grounded in truth. Because he says, he says, uh, you know, Hank, I've spent my whole life scared, you know, frightened of things that could happen, might happen, might not happen. He goes, but ever since I got sick, I, I, I'm just fine. I don't worry. And he said, because fear, that's the worst of it. That's the real enemy. He said, so get up and get out in the world and, you know, kick, kick fear in the, in the face. And then the next scene is Jesse and Walter counting stacks. 
uh, Jesse's in on another crazy freaking outfit on his jacket is like almost like a silk sateen robe is brilliant and they're like you know count the money again Jesse's like oh you know this is gonna be we're gonna be mad stacks and Will's like hey I want this thing running all day long and then Will's like uh, we're, we're, we're short money and he, Jesse's like don't freak out he goes Badger's short and Walt's like, well, if I, you tell him to get get the money, he can, you know, because well, Jesse's like, he's going to pull all night, he's getting rest. And, you know, Jesse, Jesse's like, well, he's going to pay us. And Walt's like, you're not his friend, you're his boss. He needs to be scared of you. So he calls him, goes to voicemail. And Jesse's like, just count your money. And then he calls, he says, hey, Combo, you know where Badger's at? Don't cover up. And he, 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 he said, then he goes, oh, dear. And then he says, well, they're scared to tell me Badger's busted in jail. And then the next scene, we see Hank on the elevator. He's clearly still stressed out, but he's still faking it when he gets the office off the elevator. And he's acting all cheery. And then he's alone with Gomez. He's, like, reading these letters or rereading them, uh, but not really reading them because he's, like, shifting them back. And, and Gomez is like, hey, are you okay? Because he just keeps shifting the letters. And Walt's like, what's up? He's like, well, I heard from the Albuquerque PD. We got some balloon mass over there. You want to go by and check it out? And then, you know, Hank's like, oh, boy. And then we have Badger and the cop in the interview room. And Badger's like, you told me you weren't a cop. Uh, you manipulated me. I thought we were going to be friends. And he says, do you go by Badger or Brandon? And, and Badger says, uh, you know, I don't like people that abuse the Constitution. And then the cop is, you know, he says, tell me who your supplier is. And then we have the entrance. I mean, one of the great, uh, oh, jeez, I don't even know, but, but Bob Odenkirk shows up here as uh, Saul Goodman and just takes a show that was already great, turns it up not just to 11, but probably to 12, and makes an entrance that is just, uh, wow. And he says, hey, you sneaky peek, what are you doing talking to my client? He goes, he goes where'd they find you? You're, you're so young. And then he said, hey, Badger, I hope you haven't said anything at all. Uh, he goes, vocal cords of Twitter, you know, we'll talk later. And he says, hey, you get out of here, you know, have your you know, kindergarten teacher give you a bo- bo- like a bo- juice box and take a nap. And then he says, okay, so who are you? And it was Brandon Mayhew. He says, okay, oh boy. He goes, you're arrested for doing some ridiculous stuff outside. So why don't you do that at home? He goes, no, no, I was selling meth. And then he's like, oh, okay, sorry, transpositional error. He goes, we'll wipe that out. He goes, oh, felony. And it just seems like so confident. Uh, he's wearing a gold pin. He says, all right, I get you off for four four thousand six hundred fifty bucks. He goes, I write that out to you. I promise I give you the best representation. You know, make it to Ice Station Zebra Associates. That's my loan out for taxes. And then he rolls out of there. He's on the phone. He's on his Bluetooth. He stops at a water fountain. He's like, all right, you know, Francesca, hit me with the next few people. And he's like, what was with the switcheroo with uh, these two clients? And then he sees Hank and Gomi. He says, what are you guys talking about, my client? And Hank.
think of you and says, hey, you, you, I hate your commercials and I don't like you. And then, you know, Saul really gets them back. Uh, it's hilarious stuff. Uh, but he's like, huh, why were you guys looking for Jesse? I mean, wh- what do you guys want in this badger? And then we have uh, Walt and Jesse outside. And again, Jesse's like, hey, this is the cost of doing business, man. And Walt's like, well, why don't we get him a real attorney? And this is, again, another very famous, as far as I'm concerned, uh, piece of dialogue from Aaron Paul, almost as big as when he says, uh, you know, I never knew whatever he said, you know, breaking bad at your age. Because Walt says, Jesus, why don't we get a real lawyer? What is this place? Who hires this guy? And Jesse's like, this is the guy you want. This is the guy I'd want to protect me. He goes, this guy got Emilio off twice. He goes, he's a Houdini. And he goes, Walt, when, when things get tough, you don't want a criminal lawyer. You want a criminal lawyer. Uh, I, I can't do it. And I think he says attorney, doesn't he? A criminal attorney, maybe. I don't know, but it was so good, uh, Aaron Paul, in that scene. And he says, don't worry about Badger. He'll keep his mouth shut. He goes, we just pay this money, you know, we'll deal with it. And then they argue about who's going to go inside. They flip a coin, even though Walt's like, hey, you look like his typical client. And Jesse's like, thanks for nothing, jerk. And then they're like, oh, Mr. Mayhew, I noticed uh, America, America the Beautiful or something was playing in the waiting room while Walt waits. And then when they go into Saul's office, the design is just so, of the set of the office is so good. And then Bob Odenkirk, he's just, he he's putting on a clinic here as far as like, he says, oh, geez, what's with you in the outfit? He goes, is you D.B.? I found, I'm going to call everybody, say I found D.B. Cooper. And he's like, you know, pleasure to meet you. He goes, Mayhew, is that Irish or English? And Walt's like, ah, Irish. He goes, well, yeah, I'm really McGill, but that Saul Goodman sounds better. And he's like, good things. Your nephew's going to get off. Just give me the money. He goes, we just got to have him right out to the DEA. And Walt's like, what? He goes, yeah, you, you know your nephew's a drug dealer, right? And Walt's like, yeah, but why the DEA? And he goes, yeah, they're going after some Heisenberg. Don't worry about it. He goes, this is good news. He's going to get off no problem. And Walt's like, we should, we need to review our options. And he goes, there's no options. He goes, make the deal or go to jail. And Walt's like, well, what if this Heisenberg is mad about it? And Saul's like, he's he's got to make this deal. Uh, Saul's like, he can't go to prison. He won't last in prison. So, And Walt's like, no, no, you don't understand. Heisenberg's a real, you know, serious dude. And he goes, did you hear about that? He's got a ATM, walking ATM machine. And Saul's like, no, 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 that was one of my clients. And Walt's like, what if I give you $10,000 to, uh, you know, figure it out? And then Walt was out. Then the next scene to him and Jesse and Walt's like, he wouldn't take the bribe. He was all morally outraged. He was, you know. And Jesse's like, oh, dear, what's going to happen? And Jesse, Badger's going to spill like the Exxon Valdez. Walt was also had like a, almost like a Simpsons shadow because he had an isotopes uh, baseball hat with a big A on it. And then it's nighttime, and they take they say, "Hey, Saul, let's go talk." As he comes out of his office, he's hitting on Francesca first, 
his secretary. And they take him and they say, hey, we, we need to talk privately. And then for those of you that watch Better Call Saul, a couple of possible hints, he says, hey, what do you guys want? It wasn't me. It was Ignacio. He's the one. And then he's talking in Spanish. They're like, speak in English. He goes, are you here with Lalo? Oh, no? Okay, good. What do you guys need? And they're like, yeah, we're figuring out this Brandon thing, Brandon Mayhew. Uh, you got to figure it out. And but Saul still, even though he's nervous, he's still kind of really playing it cool. He's he's still trying to fit, figure out. He's like, geez, why don't you do this or why don't we try this? And they're like, no deals with the FDA. And they're like, why are you so worried about this badger? You know, you could just have him move. You know, far. You know, because we have a beautiful place with puppies. You know, where puppies go to live. He goes, why are you coming after me? And they say, no, 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 it's Bar Badger, man. And then Walt starts coughing. Uh, right after, something about Celine Dion. So says, he's going to sing like Celine Dion. And then Walt starts coughing. He's like, I know who you are, Mr. Mayhew. He goes, and then even uh, to win us over even more, he helps. He says, hey, just calm down and let's, let's get you breathing first. Cough it out. You know, take it, you know, make sure you're going to get some air. And then he's like, I got bad knees. So it's another better call saw thing to remember. Bad knees. I don't know maybe why, but maybe. And he says, let's work this out. Each of you give me a dollar. Then we have attorney-client privilege. And then he's like, let me see what you look like, Jesse. You know, no more ski outfits. And then they're both looking through their wallets, which was funny, both Walt and Jesse. And then Jesse's like, I only have a five. He's like, okay, give it to me. And it was also cool, the setting, because they pulled out a couple of times, and there was brake lights and wind sounds. So it was really good. And then he even said, he says, okay, I feel like I'm here with the weather underground. That was another one. And then we have, uh, let's see, we have Hank Badger and Saul. And they're like, oh, you got us off. He's like, who, who, he goes, who's your supplier? He goes, Heisenberg. He's like 50 or 70 years old. You know, generally looks like a general dude, bald dude. And Hank's like, oh, interesting. And then we have uh, Saul, Jesse, and Walt talking at Saul's office. And he's telling about this guy, James Edward Kilkelly, Kelly, and Jimmy in and out who goes to, you know, he'll, he'll go back to prison, you know, for money. But Walt's like, I also take 60% of the money or something, you know, for facilitating that. Jesse's like, whoa, geez, because it costs 80 Gs. And Saul takes 50, and James Kilkelly gets 30. And then he's like, you know, this is the cost of doing business, you know. And he's like, 80 Gs and a pound of meth. And he, he, there's even a, more, a couple other theme thematic things there. Cause he's like, this is Jimmy Guy's for real, a guy that wants to go to prison. And he says, there's more than one kind of prison. Oh, the, I think that was when they were, that was when the, after they meet Saul and then they go to spy on uh, Badger and the cops. Yeah, because Badger's over there making the deal. And then Walt's like, where the hell is Jimmy? Yeah, then there's there's more one kind of prison. Then Badger's with a guy on the wrong bench, and Walt's like, oh boy. And this is hilarious, man. Brian Cranston can play dumb like nobody's business. 
It's so funny. But Badger goes to the wrong guy. He goes, where's the stuff, man? But then, you know, Walt makes movies. He says, Jesse, you go tell Badger. I'll do it. And he goes, Hank, geez, I thought it was you. And the other cop's like, Schrader, I can't see. Hank's like, well, this isn't a good time. He goes, are you okay, Frank? Or Hank? (laughs) Frank. And Hank's like, we're we're working. Get out of here. He's like, oh, working, like DEA working, going down. And then meanwhile, Jesse's like, Badger, the other bench, go to the other bench. And then Walt's like, okay, uh, I'll, I'll just leave you guys alone. We can talk about it. And he's like, floor it, floor it. He goes, uh, should I go forward or backwards? I'll get out of the way. And at some point, music starts playing. Maybe that was before or Walt rolled up on Hank. And then he's like, go. Walt's like, I'm, I'm sorry. And then, you know, Badger makes the deal. They see that with Jimmy. And before the cops even get there, Jimmy puts his hands up right away, which was pretty funny. And then they show the bus, they show Hank watching it, but he's not really buying it, you could tell. And then Jesse gets home, he's got his new bed. And Jane comes, she's like, hey, let the delivery guys in. And she's like, so you bought a bed. And this was awesome scene. Jesse just throws the bed down. Uh, Jesse just throws the bed down with authority, and then he, him they throw down, and I was like, you know, no heavy padding, you know, straight to, you know, straight to the next scene, actually, but, you know, straight to the network broadcast imagination. I guess it wasn't on a network, but, you know, anyway, not important. And then we have Walt grading papers, and Saul rolls in and laughs. And this scene is worth a rewatch. He goes, uh, "He goes, you really are a chemistry teacher." He's like, "I'm more of a humanities guy." And Walt's like, "How'd you find me?" He's like, "Yeah, you should." He goes, "It should be hard to find you." You're right. He goes, "My PI found you." He goes, "He charged me for three hours, so he found you in one." And Walt's like, "What are you going to go against me?" And he goes, no, no, I'm your lawyer. This is privilege. I'm not shaking you down. Because everyone needs lawyers, even drug dealers, especially drug dealers. And Walt's like, what are you doing this out of the kindness of your heart? And uh, Saul just laughs. He goes, have you seen how much I charge you? He goes, where do you keep the money? Please don't tell me it's like in a, you're hiding it in a mattress or a jelly jar. And he goes, this is going to keep happening, Walt. And he goes, if I can find you, the cops are going to find you. And Walt's like, Walt's still trying to be his cool detective. He goes, what are you offering? And he goes, I'll do what Tom Hagen did for Vito Corleone. And Walt goes, yeah, I'm not, no Vito Corleone. He goes, yeah, he goes, no shit. Right now you're Fredo. Uh, but he says, he goes, yeah, well, if I do, if you work with me, he goes, uh, you, you got some quality stuff. I think we could do stuff. He goes, anything that gets those DEA guys to spend out of shape is worth big money. And he goes, I'd love to be a small and silent part of it. And he goes, so anyway, I got to roll out of here. But if you know, if you want to make money and keep money, better call Saul. And I mean, uh, I, I, I mean, I, I think they changed the way they're writing the show because Bob Odenkirk was so good. And then we have a metastasis where it's different. It's a different Saul. But it's, I wouldn't say as good, but different, but also good. All right. So that, that's it for Breaking Bad. All right, it's time for the red pen run-through. And the first thing I wrote down was, uh, uh, eh, 
Let's see. Eh, let me check my vowels. I'll be right back. Okay, yeah, it's ah, eh, o, a, e, o, ah, eh, o. So I think I'm ready there. Oh, wait, I don't even need to close this. Okay, say it. So let's see. Where, so es, es, eh, estos uh, cuates son muy bra, bra, vos. Uh, estos cuates son muy bravos. Uh, no TNA. Hey, piado, ah, lo, uh, eh, don't say, ske, uh, me, no, well, I don't know, I, but that's too soon. Disque, eh, disque. Oh, yeah, see, there, you guys just, that was just, you guys just heard a learning moment. I'm not even being, because I've been saying disque. But isn't it eh, right? So disca. That makes more sense when trying to hear it. Because I think that's really disca. They don't say disca like I do, clearly, because they're speaking in Spanish. But that might have been a breakthrough. I'm not even, and maybe more in my, when you're my hearing. What do they call that when you can hear it? Uh, but whatever, disca. Instead of disca. They say, yes, yeah, Scooter, not many people use the, the, the you know, speaking of lulling, lulling tones all the time, especially on TV shows. Disque. Okay. Eh. Right? Maybe. Uh, piado. Uh, piado. Uh, claro, la tomba ahí montada. La basura, la basura. Con los guantes y todo. Uh, then we get a little suerte, no soy tombo, oh, um, oh, oh, wait, did we learn out? Yeah, we did, right, oh, uh, que se la coche, ya sepia, asuelo, testigos, uh, cuente le aso, uh, primero debemos pensar o comprar una cama, uh, Juana, that's Jane's name, Juana, Juana, oh, foto, uh, veces, así uh, de bien, lo, ajo, okay, eh, que, que, yeah, see, I've been doing eh, eh, too much, I think if I just go, que, instead of que, like the guy from South, mm, que, it's just que, mm, que, mm, que, llevo, uh, something I scribbled out, meses, oh, 16 meses, siéntate, maybe, siéntate, one of those three scratches and go say siete, ocho, nueve, diez, once, doce, que, se, catorce, dieciséis, sixteen, right? Llevo dieciséis meses sin consumir. Oye, pero no, no esta, no, es, eh, es, es, brava, conmigo, oh, cierto. Maybe this cutting it off instead of, you know, but that's, they say, well, that's not long, soothing tones. And they say, well, that's why we're doing 60 plus episodes of this, so we learn as we go, buddy. Wait, we're doing six, really doing six. Let's see. Abuseando. Si él lo sabe. Obedamos bien. Marmota que los pongos. Contigo por venir. ¿Qué pasa? Con mucho gusto. Aviso. Matarón. Matarón, oh, oh, matarón, matarón, 
I mean, I don't know the uh, content, so I'm not trying to be funny, honestly. Run, run. Who be area? Who, 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 I don't know you. Who be area? Who Berea? No, Taba, uh, Aba, Nadia, uh, Subo, Minas, uh, Bengaza, you mean me no, uh, Sepa, Akider, Kere, Blar, uh, Del Asunto, uh, Pensa, Pensado, Como, Ladigo, Asuntado, Carga, Cargado, uh, Panico, Afrenter, La Realidad, Porque se lo merceren. I have a couple English notes in here. We haven't come across them there, though. Otra vez, carajo, esto es suyo, uh, dormido, en cargo, hablo bien. Uh, oh, here we go. Much slicker, bald head. What does that say? I think it says Walter. Walter Blanco has a way slicker head than Walter White. I mean, in a good way. I don't mean, I don't think you can have a slick head in it. Well, I guess you could, but his looks good, man. I'm telling you. And then Contarme, Tomba, Baraco, Orden en Orden, Conoce, Camine, Un Perfecta Felonia, Afuera, Ucio, Esa es mi empresa de prestamos muy legal. Era una broma. Malo al chiste. <coughs> uh, tintirio fantoche. I just love that one. Ya ve cuando un criminal necesita que lo defenden otro criminal. You don't need a criminal attorney, you need a criminal attorney. Uh, prometo falta siga conjunto testigos. We know that's witnesses. Or I remember there's witnesses. Buenelo. Uh, como en cornino fue, fue, fue quien misas orden yema se por, soporta uh, amigazo rodillas salvo con un muppet. Ay, el le gusta este encorado. Mago, malpardito, payoso, viejo, mediano, cowboy man, piado, pobre, raro, bajase, yo dimos cruce, bayase, baya, otra banca, caigan, suelo, do vale, abogando, cobro, en ellos, todavía, piénsalo. And I think that's it for the red pen roster, but we're going to go, we'll go right into the language learning here. All right, so the language learning part of that, eso cuate son muy bravos. These guys are very brave. Uh, no TNA, there is no. Piado uh, is caught? I don't know. I guess I'm going to have to, I don't know how I'm going to do this because, oh, oh, sorry about this. Okay, sorry, but again, it's just a new system of doing the translation. It doesn't. It works good in the translating part, but not in the translating. It's a boring. And I still don't know if it's going to work here. Piato is caught. Uh, then, yeah, this isn't going to work. I'll be back. Uh, well, I just got to pause it here. Okay, we're going to just have to do our best here. Uh, entonces, then, maybe, K way... No, this is not going to work. Sorry, folks. I guess I'll delete all this uh, shit. So this will be in the bloopers.
So my looks so I had been doing it in Google spreadsheet, which I said, I don't know why I stopped. I guess because it's harder to input a lot of words, you know, because you got to keep going down to the next cell. You say, Scooter, you just hit a function, a function or something. I don't know, but when I'm typing all these Spanish words in and then I have it translate, but instead I just do it into a Google sheet document and then translate the whole thing. But then I use my iPad. I can't use two tabs. I want you to use the app. And I got one translated copy and one original copy. So, and it's not like I'm used to using tabs to say, okay, let's go to the, you know, or so just a little screw up, but uh, I'll figure it out, you know, and it will be done. So you won't even notice. So don't worry about it. All right. It's time for the language learning portion. A little pro tip uh, don't use. Uh, Google uh, Sheets on your phone, on your iPad, because it's you can't, can't you open up two tabs to switch between the document and the translated document, uh, which I think happened to me last week, but somehow I forgot. So stick with uh, just, uh, stick with spreadsheets, I guess. But I have a solution on my laptop and uh, iPad here. Let's take a breath here. Man, if everything's well in the world. I don't know, something just hit select. I didn't touch the iPad, it just did select all. Weird. Okay, whoa, I think my iPad might be possessed. Why? Okay, that's fine, you're wanting, you're wanting to mess with me. This, uh, this iPad's just trying to teach me tolerance and kindness and compassion. I understand. Okay, so sirs out estos cuates son muy bravos. These guys are very brave. No TNA. Hey, there is no. Piado caught. Entonces que then. Camino way. I shouldn't know that. Disque, supposedly. We're going to learn that one. Uh, Disque. Piado stripped. Oh, I thought it was hair. Uh, claro lo tromba ahí montada la basura la basura con los guantes y todo uh, clear the ahí tomba mounted garbage garbage with gloves and everything uh, so that didn't translate very well uh, uh, CPA uh, catches C uh, I'll swallow the ground get on the ground testigos witnesses Maybe call Saul, though. De Benes, wait, Primero de Benes pensaron comprar un cama. First, you better think about buying a bed. Juana is Jane. Ofalto did not translate. Beses times. Levos Messe Sincon Samir. It's been so many months since I've had my, you know, consumed. Oye, pero no, no estas brava conmigo, cierto, here, but not these brave me some. Abusando si él lo sabe, abusive he knows. Uh, marmonto que los pongos, uh, marmont that pongos, man. Uh, contigo, you, uh, porvenir, come. Uh, some of this has got to be wrong. 
que pasa means what's up. This says to con mucho gusto, uh, with much pleasure. You know, as you wish, I think is how it translates in Colombia. Or, you know, it'd be my pleasure to serve you today. I think that's how we translated it, right? I don't know, Viso, have you noticed them off uh, on these translations? That's uh, okay. Uh, Marta, okay, skip that one. Huberia, I had. Uh, Notaba nada, notice nothing. Uh, subo, I raise, uh, you know, I subo. Uh, minas, uh, mine. Bengaza, no translation. Uh, Imanejo, I think that must mean imagination. Oh, it translates into imagineo. Uh, que ba, que dare, it will be. Uh, hey, how about we, uh, hey, you want to carry hablar del asunto? You want to talk about it? Carry hablar del asunto? Let's give them something, Gary, a blah, del asunto. A little translation, don't you know? I know some words like he, so let's talk about. What's love, anybody know? We should know it, shouldn't we? But I don't know what the word is. It's a word one day I'll figure out. All right, so you don't want to talk about it. No carry hablar del asunto. Pensado? You think, you're thinking about it, though? Uh, pensado? Uh, como de, le digo, as I say, uh, asustando. It's frightening to be, you know, when you see my brain. And you could say there's a lot of cagado in there. You know, shit. It's, it's, you got a bit of it between the ears there. Uh, but there's no reason to, uh, panico, panic. Uh, let's just, uh, enfrentar la realidad. Let's, uh, let's try to face reality here. Uh, enfrentar la realidad. Uh, porque, uh, say los mercen, uh, this is yours. Uh, eso es suyo. No, this, that must be, this is yours, huh? Eso es suyo. Oh, because they deserve. Porque, say lo merceren. Because they deserve, you know, our respect, maybe, or something. Uh, Otravez, could you say that again? I don't, you're not making any sense. I said carajo, you know, you should know what that means. Uh, later I'll be dormido asleep. And Gisergo, no, we don't know what that means still. Uh, a lo bien, how well do you not know? 100%. Oh, well, uh, contarme more, tell me more. Uh, mas, you know. Well, tomba, it's another word we, we've been looking up every week. We still don't know what that means. Uh, Varaco, that could be a bore. Uh, orden and orden, everything in order is in, or, in order, order and order. That's one of my favorite things. That bre if I'm making breakfast, say order up, uh, order up, uh, up. I don't know what up is, though. Uh, cano say, I'm pretty sure that means to cook, does it? No, it means to uh, known. Yeah, it is known. Uh, the Khaleesi. Had me banned, Kenosin, uh, Kamine, because uh, we. I asked her to go for a walk. She said no. I said please. 
And she said, in this land, germ, that's una perfecta felonia, the perfect felony. I said, what, Michael, is he telling you it is known, your beauty, cross? And, and she said, I know, you know, I'm, and I said, okay. I was just hoping the translator would translate what I was saying. How's the gray worm doing? Is he okay? Because, you know, just in case, I'm here to come for you. Oh, wait, wrong podcast, wrong podcast. That's the game of drones. Okay, where were we? Perfect felony. Outside, afuera, yeah. She told me to go outside and she locked the door. Uh, Ucio, Jucio, Judgment? Yeah, oh yeah, I've got pretty poor Judgment, Ucio. Esa es mi empresas de prestamos muy legal? My, that's my very lone legal company. Oh, era una broma? Was that a joke? No, no it wasn't era una broma. Because uh, that was malo el, el chiste. That was a bad joke. Well, that's how most of mine are. Every DS I make a malo el chiste, but, you know, bad jokes. Uh, tinterial uh, fantoche? Is that a tinterial puppet? No idea. Uh, Yave, uh, cuando un criminal necesita que lo defendan a uh, otro criminal. Uh, buddy, when a criminal needs to be advocated for, it needs to be another criminal. Uh, prometo, you prometo me, promise me? Uh, you know, like, are you talking like a promise ring promise or real promise? I say, Scooter, don't do any promise ring material. Uh, fault, it's not my fault, you know. Oh, no, lack. Uh, I lack sensitivity, fault. Uh, Siga, uh, follow me. F- you know, f- follow. Uh, conjunto, uh, set. Are you sure you're not off like conjunto is not follow? No idea. Uh, testigos, I know that's witnesses. Yeah, buenelos, a handkerchief. Get yourself a handkerchief. Uh... I went, I fui, I, you know, I fui, uh, fue, was, uh, yema, slogan, uh, you know, I got plenty of slogans, none of them are that great, but yema, L-E-M-A, uh, support, any slogans that support you, podcasts that put you, put you to sleep, uh, that's the slogan that supports sleep, so that's a yema that, you know, siga, uh, dormir, so that's, I nailed that. Okay, but now you lost your spot, genius. You're right, but I just got to go back to Testigos and work my way to its witnesses. Uh, Supports. Supporta. Okay. Uh, DS, that's his knees. Saul's got bad Rodias, knees. Uh, Salvo, except. uh, He says someone looks like a Muppet, Conan Muppet. with this Muppet. And, you know, every, you know, sometimes Saul likes to say stuff like El, El, Gusta, Esta, Encerado. It will be the good Gust that is locked or something. But he's like a Mago magician. Uh, Payoso, you're going to pay him? VAO, maybe, old guy. Uh, what's his build? Mediano. Uh, what's his hair like? Calvo, well, man, he's a bald guy. 
uh, well, hey, do you want to peel this, uh, by, 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 uh, payado, uh, peel this lemon? Uh, no, man, pobre, I'm poor, I'm poor at peeling lemons. Well, that's raro, that's rare. I've never known anyone that couldn't be, really never known anyone that peels a lemon, to be honest with you. Peeling an orange, it's tough enough. Peeling a lemon, that's like, uh, asking for trouble. Oh, okay, well, I guess we could agree on that. Uh, Baha, Baha, say, you gonna get me off? Yeah, I'm gonna get you off this lemon peeling, joking. That sounds good, but I lost my spot again. And I went to sleep. Uh, where were we at? Mediano? Uh, can you find a magician? Yeah, Malpartito. Uh, Payoso. Uh, Viejo's old. Mediano, medium. Yeah, there you go. Pobre, Raro, Bahase, get off. Yo, Demos, we know what that means. Cruce, we're at a crossing, a crossroads. Bayase, we don't know. Bayago, uh, Ultra Banca, other bench, buddy. It's Ultra Banca. Kaigan, uh, fall, don't fall, you know, fall on me. As, uh, what's that guy said once? Uh, again, uh, where are we? Fall, floor. Let's see, fall to the floor. Kaigan, suelo. Uh, dobale, double. Abogados, that's lawyers, and that's Saul Bogados. Uh, Cobro collection, uh, them. Uh, told us vs all day and Piencello, I don't know. And that is the uh, uh, language learning portion this week. Thanks. All right. Well, I was looking for a story on the internet about uh, the casting of Bob Odenkirk and uh, Breaking Bad, and maybe I could look up. I don't know if Netflix does the the commentary, uh, but maybe one day we'll have time to deal with the commentary. But I did want to. You know, talk about Bob Odenkirk. Now, there's two very nice long-form articles, one on Vulture and one in the New York Times uh, from earlier this year, right before Better Call Saul went on the air. So I'll include those in the show notes. Uh, but then I found a couple of more shorter articles here. Uh, that, you know, I thought it would just shed a little light on it, and in my opinion, his brilliance. Now, this one's from Cinnamon Blend, and it's by Jessica Rodden. It's from 11 months ago, and it's R-A-W-D-E-N. Why Bob Odenkirk never watched Breaking Bad? Bob Odenkirk, quoting the article uh, and paraphrasing, became a big name at AMC thanks to playing Saul Goodman on Breaking Bad, and now better call Saul. Uh, despite the fact that Odenkirk has a good grip on the uh, Saul Goodman character, it didn't come from watching his own work. Uh, recently, Odenkirk spoke out to say he has no watch interest in watching the things he started, and quoting Odenkirk, I really don't want to know what's coming later, and I don't want to look back at what came before. I think it's a perfectly good way to approach acting, not to know what the fuck is going on, unquote. Uh, back to the article, to prove a point, the actor recalled time when he was on the set of Breaking Bad and he got called out by Brian Cranston on his watching habits. Uh, according to THR, another magazine or something, they were shooting a scene where Odin character, Odenkirk's character was supposed to have disdain for a character, but Bob took the wrong attitude and Cranston said, quote, this guy's not your friend, don't say it like that. 
You don't watch the show, do you? Those are my, that's my, uh, uh redo that. Uh, quote, this guy's not your friend, don't say it like that. You don't watch the show, do you? End quote. Uh, obviously, back to the article, Odenkirk didn't hang his head in shame because he didn't watch the show. And he has the same philosophy with Better Call Saul, which he hasn't seen either. And the author says, while well, tr- they have trouble seeing how he's managed to avoid some of his more popular and cl- acclaimed works, you know, just like in Nebraska, which came out uh, right around the time this article was published, uh, she can see why it'd be tough, you know, if you're working on the show to want to watch it in your spare time. Uh, but, you know, according to the article, Breaking Bad, and I agree, was one of the most groundbreaking and influential character uh, cable dramas of the decade. And then it's grown its audience thanks to streaming, AMC marathons. Uh, by the end of the run, the show was getting 10.3 million viewers. And then that paved the way for Better Call Saul. So no one thinks less of Odenkirk for watching the program. But he might not have interest in seeing how Saul's life plays out. Luckily, he has hordes of fans who do. Uh, so that's from Cinema Blend. And then right over here is another one at Inquisitor, I-N-Q-U-I-S-I-T-R dot com. This is by Joseph Medina uh, from June 5th, 2015. Uh, t- television's Better Call Saul's unique beast when it comes to, w- when compared to most spinoffs. Uh, while most take place after the series they spun off from, Better Call Saul takes place at least so far prior to Breaking Bad, uh, quoting a- and paraphrasing the article here. Uh, no doubt most of the fans assume, have a pretty good idea what to expect from Jimmy McGill, a.k.a. Saul Goodman, uh, as a character arc. But we've already seen, you know, we saw what happened to him on Breaking Bad, and then we... Assume we understand the direction his character will end up, at least once the story catches up with Breaking Bad. In a recent interview for Variety's Actor on Actor segment, uh, Odenkirk brings to light that it may not be nearly so cut and dry as that. He has a conversation with uh, Michael Sheen from Masters of Sex, and Odenkirk admits that he doesn't understand the character of Saul Goodman. I'll link to all this in the show notes, and he hopes he never will. Uh, quoting from the, the article, quoting Odenkirk, I don't feel like I know this guy. I don't know where it's going. And I think people are like, well, he's going to be Saul Goodman. He's going to end up being that guy. And I'm like, not really. Saul Goodman was a front and even told Walter White when he met him, it's not my name. And you look at his office as a set built inside of a mini mall. So we don't really know who he was during Breaking Bad. So I don't feel like I know him, and I hope I never feel like I completely know him. And that he's always discovering new things about himself and changing. And that's how it gets through doing, hopefully, years of the character, end quote. Uh, this bit of news may surprise some Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul fans. After all, when going into a story... It's always comforting to know that the people portraying the characters on the screen have an extra bit of insight that helps motivate the characters. Uh, but ultimately, Odenkirk's comments do bring up some interesting ideas. 
Even now, when watching Better Call Saul's sad-as-hell opening scene, it's very clear that it takes place directly after Breaking Bad. It's natural to think of the scene as something of a goal, a place where Saul Goodman will eventually end up, but that doesn't have to be the case. It can just be a small stepping stone to where he goes by the end of the series. Plus, if Goodman's character was a front during Breaking Bad, once we have an underlying idea of his real personality... His motivations in Breaking Bad may be completely different from what we originally thought. So that's another nice little article on Inquisitor by Joseph Medina uh, to give us a little more or maybe a little less insight into Bob Odenkirk in a good way to me because I don't understand acting and I, I like the more mystery about acting the better for me. And in some sense it makes me more impressed with uh, Mr. Odenkirk's work. So, uh, all right, all right, I'll talk to you all later. And then we got a lot of thank yous to get to. I'll get to some now and then some on Tuesday. I want to thank Adrian and Dan who are listening to the podcast. Uh, Tom, Betty, Anna, Meg, Damon, Tara, Brittany, Laura P., all who I heard from, from by, via email over on uh, YouTube. I want to thank a long-term uh, you, Mr. YouTube in my book, Sean D. Uh, Vainglory, thank you. Maggie P., a new YouTube supporter, thank you. And Anton B., a new YouTube supporter. And of uh, Avishai, Avishai H., I hope I'm getting that right, Avi. Uh, another great YouTube supporter, thank you. And then over on Facebook, I think that's what that stands for, Cami M. Lauren. Uh, Jennifer B., Darla, Gary, uh, Laura, Julie FGC, that's three Julies, Queen Queen, Alexandra, uh, that's all on Facebook. We'll get to Twitter and the U.S. Uh, iTunes reviews. Uh, what do we got here? Uh, uh, but I want to run through the international reviews here. Uh, I want to thank Cygnus, Cygna, I know this is something I should be able to pronounce, but X13, Cygnus, Cygnus, is that right? I'm going down with the Cygnus, I'm going down with the X13 from the UK, who says the show works for them on two levels, boring, putting them to sleep, but the characters keep them entertained during the, you know, when the brain bots or they can't sleep, uh, you know, but, you know, that's what I like, Dr. Demento, and they say host is funny, ha-ha funny, but also peculiar in a nice way. And makes you feel like a community. Well, well, you know, well, I'm your boyfriend. Come on by. And long may you do your boring craziness. Thank you. Then I am cor- corny. I'm corny. Yes, I am. And that was a Swede from Sweden. I am corny. You know, if there's any Swedish brides out there, uh, you know, uh, probably not the best idea to marry me, but, but I guess I'm fantasizing because Sweden's got a 30-hour work week. I guess that doesn't apply to pro- podcasters, though. Or maybe it was even better than 30 hours a week. Six hours a day, I guess. Six times six is 36 minus six, so 30-hour work week, yeah. But I am corny, uh, says that uh, I've always had trouble falling asleep, but this helps. Thank you. 
Uh, 10 o'clock toast gives us a smiley face, and they listen every night. And don't know what they do without a thank you, 10 o'clock toast. But don't have toast after midnight, I know. Uh, that's don't have toast after midnight. You better not have no toast. Uh, here's one from Canada. Hot Pod says, uh, five minutes or less they're asleep. Uh, no incentive to stay awake waiting for more interesting stuff to come. Thank you, Hot Pod. You're, you're better than a Hot Pocket, you know. You're a Canadian Hot Pocket to me. Uh, Lee 51 Ack. Uh, Lee 51 Ack. You know, I ride the 51A bus, Lee, Lee Ack, from the U.K., uh, says there's something about this. It taps into the constant chatters your thoughts and rela- replaces it with a soothing nothingness. Thank you. Uh, insane in the goat brain. Holy moly. That's from Shumpeter Trumpeter from uh, down under Australia. Who was laughing about the TED Talks and crying and then couldn't fall asleep. But still gave us a good review. So thank you, Shumpeter Trumpeter. I am insane in the goat brain. Uh, maybe, yeah, or maybe I just have a case of the goat. But they say, well, this is a man, a man. How does the man do it? They say, well, we've analyzed his brain. It's mostly made up of goat parts. So he has a goat brain. No, that's the strangest thing. His gray matter is actually goat hooves. We've, we've analyzed it. And we've carbonated it, and it comes from its ancient goat hooves. And so this podcast can't, well, we, you know, would we want to replicate it? We're right about that, Bob. So he's got goat, goat hooves on the brain. He's insane in the goat brain, I guess. is It's insane, even for a goat brain, to be made of goat hooves. Thank you, Shumpeter Trumpeter, for that little uh, fugue state action. And that's it from the worldwide iTunes reviews. If you want to review the podcast, just go sleepingpodcast.com slash iTunes. Thanks so much.